Rebecca. How are we tracking? All good so far. Altitude stabilised, rope ladder retracted and coordinates keyed in for the next jump. How's Connor doing? Making good ground on the moon cycle below from the look of his tracker. Come in, Connor Shoe. How are you tracking? All good down here, but man, this carbonadium on a really chase. Whatever happened to good old spandex? We have to stick to the Moon Knight theme, Connor, and everyone knows his armour is made of carbonadium. Yeah, yeah, carbonadium this, marinama that. Wait, what is it we're actually doing here again? We're on the hunt for Conchu's Golden Scepter. The K-Man was going to bring it in for a hundredth episode, but someone or something has stolen it. Apart from being a powerful artifact, it controls the phases of the moon. So we've had to call on some loonies to help us try and locate Conchu's scepter. Otherwise, all our future podcast episodes will be in peril. Ah! Unless it's found, there's no telling what can happen on the ship. Exactly. We'll be as rudderless as a rowboat trying to make its way to the Isle of Ra. Mm, it's almost as if this adventure is made to be a serial radio play, or a semi-regular feature on the show. Yeah, well, quite. Guys, I'm getting a signal from the other void. The power of Chad, can you read us? Hello, High Priest of Conchu. Yes, the power of Chad reads you loud and clear. Coming in from the other void. Have you managed to make any progress by any chance? Any sign of Conchu's scepter off world? Not really. It's pretty cosmic and spacey out here. I've seen plenty of red dwarfs and event horizons, but no scepter. The other void is a pretty big place, but I have a feeling whoever took it may still be on Earth. No worries. Cheers, Chad. See if you can find Anubis. He should be able to give you a lift home. It'd be great if you could make it to a hundredth episode. Copy that. I'll flag him down and meet you all down there for a chinwag on the show. Anubis's raft may be the cosmos worst mode of transport. Anubis would have to be one of the most boring deities out there. But I'll be sure to make it to the ITK studio to see you on the Centenary episode. Nice one. Catch you soon, Chad. See you soon, Chad. Hey, hey, Rebecca and Ray, pulling up to the Daily Bugle now. I have a word with Tommy, the man on the street. See if he's uncovered anything. Good. Oh, Connor, if ever there was anyone as Bertrand Crawley-ish as they get, it'll be Tommy the man on the street. Keeps closer to the ground to get the word on the street. Okay, Rebecca. Looks like we've finally arrived at Buscoverdi. Samuels will send us the coordinates for the rendezvous point, but our guy, Cold Case Dustin, should be here close by to give us some intel. Bringing the mooncopter into land now.
welcome, welcome, loony listeners. This is Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. We are at episode 100. There are massive celebrations happening. It's uh, it's a big occasion for us, so welcome. Thank you for joining us. I am one of your high priests, Conchu Ray, and uh, we have a, a, a fantastic panel of, of hosts here to join uh, to join you for our 100th episode. Uh, as always, one of... Um, the ITK's hosts, Connor Shu, one of the high press. How, hi, Connor, how are you? I am doing wonderful. Glad to be back uh, for the first time in a little bit to celebrate our 100th episode. Yeah, it's been it's been awesome, uh, and it's, it is good to have you back. Also, as well, returning the other high priest of Conchu, the other person featured on Moon Knight 200, Rebecca. Hi, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Again, like, uh, yeah, it feels nice to be back. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. It feels, yeah, I'm a buzz. It's um, uh, it's it's pretty pretty cool reaching a hundred. Uh, and and our final host, of course, is one of our most valued loonies. Is the power of Chad. Chad, welcome back. Thank you, Ray. Awesome. I mean, last time all four of us got together, I do believe it was the episode fifty, which was another small milestone. We were in a small rowboat in the middle of nowhere on our way to Olara to talk to Jason Burrows, but we are back here again for episode, I keep on trying to say issue, episode 100. So uh, welcome everybody. Now you may have heard something a little different. Um, you may have been wondering, am I listening to Stitcher Premium? Am I listening to a top tier you know, audio play. Uh, don't worry. The answer is well, yes. That's <laughs> it. Finish the pod. Give us yeah. money. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be free in a few weeks. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. In, in a few months or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, you were listening to Into the Night. We have a, a serial. We've kicked it off. It's one of our special surprises for this 100th episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it kind of made sense. Um, and it, it involved all of us. Um, yeah, so uh, I guess what to ask, uh, Konishu, uh, how did you find the experience of becoming a voice actor? Oh, look, I think this is the start of something great for all of us. Um, you know, <laughs> I, really, I really think we gave it our all, and in the end, we definitely made it to at least... Better than a D-grade movie, so I'm proud of us. <laughs> yeah, it was a heap of fun to do. Rebecca, uh, look, I, I told you before as well, offline, uh, you smashed out your lines. Uh, I, um, I, I just, yeah, I, I really enjoyed your performance in it as well. Did you, uh, uh, how did you approach it? Did you just, <laughs> did you just um, read the lines? I don't, I don't know. I, I did just read the. Li- no, I was, I was very touched that. As the token Brit, I wasn't the villain. Of <laughs> but you delivered it so naturally, like and uh, and can I say Connor as well? I mean, full as well. Again, I, I praised your performance. Uh, you went the uh, you went down the ham factor. You mentioned. Nice. Yeah, well, I think um, the best way to approach being an actor is just to be as dumb as possible, and you know, yeah, really push the genre forward. <laughs> and uh as i said rebecca she delivered you delivered your lines seamlessly and chad as well a little appearance from chad from the uh the over overvoid you uh you found your way back on earth all right yeah it's just a matter of time and space that sounds really godlike i don't want to confront someone who tells me about certainly a matter of time and space it sounds like oh it sounds like, like, oh, it sounds like sapphire and steel to me like or doctor who yeah they were like 
No, Chad was um yeah, Chad was out there. He uh he was looking for and as you heard, Looney, he's looking for the scepter of Conchu, which seems to be the um the white whale that everyone's looking for. Uh Chad, did you yeah, how did you find the experience? Was it good? Did you uh were you well at home in the overvoid? Well, it's nice and dark, so you know, it's pretty much every day for me, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, another day, another dollar for Chad, it seems. Uh, anyway, so Looney's, yeah, so we have uh, a couple of other, actually, episodes of the serial peppered throughout this episode, so keep an eye out, keep an ear out. So pace yourselves. Yeah, pace yourselves, yeah, yeah, exactly. Have a listen again of part one if you want to. Uh, Take a break, have a cup of tea, come <laughs> have a back. Cu- you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, this this episode's going to be big, so uh, take a break. Uh, make sure you earmark wherever you left off and... Uh, rejoin wherever whenever is handy for you uh yeah so just to outline this episode this episode is um just chockers full of crazy madcap stuff everything's been kept low key well you know under um under close wraps um but we have three huge interviews for you which will be uh will be showcasing on the show as mentioned before we'll have the serial which um we hope you know will lead to you know, grander things. I mean, Konishu, we we posted a thing a while ago about fan fiction and and uh, Looney's sending in their their fan fiction. This might be an opportunity to to take that on board with two hands. Hell yeah! You've seen us do it. You can only go better from here. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the only way is up, and. Uh, and we have also, we have fantastic, look, look, we didn't ask for it, seriously, genuinely, we didn't ask for it, but we got some well wishes from some other podcasters, so um, absolutely touched by that and, and very happy to, to have them on this show. We have Dear Conchus, which we put out um, on the, the community, asking if you, the loony, had any questions you wanted to ask Conchu uh, to, to voice them and we'll showcase them on the show, uh, we'll try our best to answer them. And and later on, we have what, what a few of you will be amped to get up to. We'll, we'll be having a prize giveaway, our first ever prize giveaway. So again, um, we'll have three lucky winners uh, receiving some Moon Knight prize packs um, generously supplied by Wayno, uh, a fellow loony, a fellow podcaster, a staff member of the best comic book store in the universe, King's Comics, that I go to. So a big thank you to Wayne. We'll be getting to that later on. But uh, before any of that, loonies, uh, again, as usual, just wanted to throw it out to the other hosts. Um, maybe, maybe Chad first. Um, what's been doing? What have you been? What have you been reading lately? Well, recently I went ahead and ordered the very last of Gris Grimley's illustrated marie shelley's frankenstein oh okay and, uh, nice. it's been really nice yeah it, it did you sorry did you order the entirety of it or yeah it's the entire book and it's got these beautiful illustrated pages done by this guy and he's trying to liquidate his stock move to another state etc and it was the very last one i had to get it wow Who's the um? Who's a sorry? Who's a publisher? Um, I actually don't remember who the publisher is, okay. but the illustrator is this guy named Gris Grimley, and all mm-hmm. he does is put out these really macabre, twisted little like 
children's books like the Halloween tree. Oh wow, that sounds interesting. Nice. Yeah. It, it um it does it is it close to the is it accurate to the book to Mary Shelley's Frankenstein or does it take a bit of a uh, creative license? It's the entirety of the book. And he just puts illustrations on each page showing what it could be like. Yeah, right. Fantastic. That sounds that sounds pretty cool. Um, we're going to have to obviously include that in our show notes for any loonies out there interested. Um, Rebecca, um, do, have you had? I know you've been quite busy. Have you had any time to catch up on some comics? Um, I have mostly been reading, only keeping up on the each week's sort of like. Um, and although I did read, uh, I did read a few Iron Man comics last week. Oh, nice. Is that that's... random ones? Oh, like the older runs and stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, no, I mean, I'm you know of the up to date ones. I'm still chugging along with all the series I currently read. So uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm pretty up to date with those. I think maybe I haven't read Green Lantern yet this week. But okay. Uh, just a question. I'm quite interested in. Uh, do you follow? Are you following the Fantastic Four run by Dan Slott as well? Uh, I did, but I'm not, but I might go back to it. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a massive Fantastic Four fan. Yeah. yeah. I have to say, like, I wasn't one of the ones campaigning for them to come back. Right. Like, uh, I, I have never found them super interesting. Yeah. Um, but I, I hear that there's a good storyline about to, uh, coming up, like, on the horizon, so I might dip in for that. Oh, okay. Uh, but obviously, I've been, I've been reading his Iron Man, so. Yes. Because uh, yeah, I mean, because I wanted to ask you as well uh, the way that slot obviously treats Doctor Doom. It's kind of like a like a reset, right? Um, uh, and I know that you've been you know you follow the Iron Man titles and how Doctor Doom was. I, I don't know too much about it, but he was portrayed in a, a heroic sense, right? In yeah, he, that was post Secret War. Oh, I don't know how much we want to go into this, but post Secret Wars, yeah. Uh, Franklin Richards restored him without the facial scar. Yeah. So, yeah, he's kind of, like, trying to be a good guy in the Iron Man run. But towards the end of that run, you kind of see the reset as he's... Oh, okay, so he does kind of... So it's it's not an automatic overnight from when Dan Slott's program was set up. It it was set up that he was going to go back to being... But he's not quite the same as he was pre-secret wars i don't think he's he's not quite so bombastic villainy mm. yet yeah like there's one the, the last issue i read of fantastic four which is admittedly now a few issues back yeah. um he was working with reed mm-hmm. you know they're still not friends but he you know to so he's no longer trying to sort of position himself as a but there's also a huge hanging thread from the iron man run uh, which I don't think they've gone back to yet. So, oh, what was uh, that? To do what? with Doom. That he um, is going to be a father. Ah, oh, cool. So, nice. I don't think... I think I think we've, we've passed the realms of spoileriness six yeah, yeah. months ago or something. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, he got someone pregnant. Okay. So, uh, I don't think that's been gone back to. I think maybe he referred to it in a comic, but it's not. But the, yeah, yeah. So. Potentially, like a, potentially. a reference. Uh, no, I mean, like potentially a reference to you know how he had Morgan in Endgame, potentially trying to tie, get some consistency there. I, I don't know. No, I'm talking about Doom, not Iron. Man. Oh, Doom! Oh, wow! Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, oh, yeah. wow! 
Okay, well, oh, no, like Iron Man, the Iron Man comic is so far from the MCU. Yeah, <laughs> like oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Connor's laughing because like they're both thoroughly miserable for Tony fans, but right. like different reasons. Ah, uh, well, you've been following it as well, Connor. Connor Shu. Yeah, I haven't uh, read the latest issue, two latest issues, I guess. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, no, yeah. I really, lo- I really like that run a lot. I love what it's doing with Arno because I love that boy. Um, yeah, I miss infamous, infamous Iron Man. Yeah, that was such a great run. Yeah, and it so looks. Cool. Yeah, I got like the first two issues or something of um, the slots run of Iron Man. I really enjoyed it, like with Jacosta and everything. But yeah, yeah, um, it's just obviously again sport for choice. It's just too many titles. Yeah, there's yeah. a there's. I mean, like I've cut right back. Yeah, because there's just too many now, yeah. and uh, so I have like quite a tight pull list now. Yeah, uh, and then occasionally people can persuade me to buy other ones outside of it that I kind of get yeah when I've got some money I'm going down to London so I've got yeah. a comic shop I'm going into uh, just picked up quite a lot in a sale Ooh. so um, Valiant stuff or... that's... <laughs> no it was mostly Marvel and DC okay uh, because it was quite recent I got some of the Green Lantern run that I didn't have and oh Grant Barry, Morris sorry Image, Grant Morris yeah. one yeah yeah Ooh. yeah yeah because I've got some of it but I don't have the whole run yeah so um uh, yeah, so um, but July and August, there's a lot of good stuff out. Mm. So did, I'm struggling with the August one at the moment. Did you have a flick through uh, Last Call, The Incredible Hulk? And um, I grabbed it. Oh, you did? Yeah, cool. I haven't read it yet. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's delayed at, at out, out our way. So um, haven't got it yet, but hopefully next week I'll get it. But um, just really chuffed to Can't wait to see um, Peter David and Dale Keen back together. Um, looking forward to the art and and Peter David's really really good. Um, in my but the art. current the current Hulk the current Hulk so. is phenomenal. I, I'm good, I'm yeah. going to get the hardcover. I mean I know you mentioned uh, yeah Michelle, yeah I'm, I'm getting that for sure. You can't not get it. Loonies you can't not get it. It's really good. It's yeah uh, can't um, endorse it enough. Uh, Connor Shu as well. How about you? What's um, what's yeah. on your horizon? Oh, you probably got like a million like <laughs> titles yeah, to go. Yeah, I guess um, I guess don't make this a comment on my commitment. But I haven't touched him with my weeklies for a while, and I'm very scared to go back. <gasps> but mm. I did pick up some uh, graphic novels. A lot I'm loving. Um, I really love in Last Man, which is it's the first book is called The Stranger. It's like a great mix of like. Manga and the like, is it Bande Desenis? Uh, Bon Desenis. That's it, Bon Yeah. It's like them clashing together. I suddenly realized what you were trying to say. (laughs) That's nothing to say how bad. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. I did French A level. I'm a little bit alright with that one. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) It's like the super cool, like, tournament fighting series with an interesting world and just a whole heap of mystery. I'm finally reading Faith Aaron Hicks' The Nameless City. Mm-hmm. Which is like super cool, you know. It's got plenty of Avatar: Last Airbender comparison, which is great. to pick it up. It's also just a super cool book. I love it's like more androgynous looking characters. It's just such an interesting book in the yeah. realm of superhero fighting comics. I love that a lot. Miss Don't Touch Me. That's like real French femme fatale. It looks amazing. I just I'm really into those books. It's just great to see women stabbing men. It's a big <laughs> these days. How do you come so across so. these things, Connor? Like this is a mate. Your 
your your your net is so wide and I, I love it. Like I mean, well, like is is it something that you what you read before that prompts you to go there or? How do you come, or do you just like dive into I don't know websites and stuff to? to... It's just an, it's always well with it's a lot easier to keep up with like um that League of Comic Geeks and a lot of solicitation makes it really easy to keep up with um weeklies but with graphic novels I just kind of I won't read any for like six months it'll be purely weekly purely weeklies and then I'll just trip on some website in my feed that just yes. has a bunch of recommendations. And just so happens, Paulina, and today is the last day of the rest of your life, are three great books if you're really into autobiographical comics. That's what I'll end on that. uh, Sorry, again, publishers for that? Is that that a... All different ones. uh, Last Man and The Nameless City are both uh, first, second. Yep. Um, Oh, I like first, second. First, second is great. They do the best hardcovers. Good quality stock and everything. Yeah, and the rest are a bit of mix between like uh, your fan of graphics, your drawn and quarterly. Okay. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, I mean, like, jeez, I actually haven't touched a comic in a while, <laughs> which is uh, been a little busy. Uh, I spoke with Rebecca before, a little busy mm. with trying to get things uh, together, get things ready for this hundredth episode, which is good. But I did get a couple of epic collections, which I'm, I can't wait to read. I've read them. One of them is the all-new, all-different uh, X Factor by Peter David and uh, Larry Stroman, which uh, I reviewed with Phil from Capes and Lunatics oh, nice. on their show. I, I've read that run, like the, the run, a fair few times, but now I've got it on Epic Collection. Uh, it'd be nice to just you know read um, you know, in its entirety, just in, all in one bound version. And uh, and I got the uh, I got a West Coast Avengers one as well. I think West Coast uh, it covers West Coast Avengers one till I don't know what fourteen or fifteen or whatever. Nice. Epic. Yeah, and that should be cool because I do enjoy uh, after doing that um, that trade arc re- review with Josh Geronimo Johnson and uh, and Dustin mm-hmm. Colcase. Really loving though the old school, albeit dated. I'm really loving the old uh, the old way. Uh, the comics were just because it's it's just it is funny to kind of put in perspective with how it's done today. So uh, love my West Coast Avengers. So um, went went straight to the beginning for that uh, as well. So uh, yeah, okay, cool. Well, hopefully um, we can put all those in in the show notes uh, for you, loonies. Anyone interested out there? Uh, look, while we're here as well, a bit of news. Uh, I believe again, Rebecca, that you pointed me towards. Uh, there was a a reference in War of the Realms. Oh, yeah. yeah. War of the Realms. What were we up to? Four? Number five. five I think it was five. One? Yeah, I haven't five, got it. Five, yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, Moon Knight got a mention. With, along, uh, as, alongside. Along with Hercules. Yay! <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I almost screamed because, like, I'm a massive fan of Hercules. That is Reyes. so cool. It's one of the first reasons we got talking. Yeah. Uh, or, like, well, we'd spoken before, but it was yeah. one of the things we, like, properly connected over. Oh, that Adler um, run. It, it, the, the comment, I mean, I haven't posted it to the group because it was literally in a, like, not a, a speech bubble. Mm. Uh, and you don't see them at all. Yeah. So it was just like somebody's know. updating who, where everyone is in the world. Yeah. And they're listing all these people and everyone else is like pictured. And then as the, this little side note at the bottom of one yeah. of the other pictures is something like Hercules is with Moon Knight in Sinai. Yeah. Like, and, and that's it. So like hopefully in issue six, we might get to see that. Yeah. But, um, 
Yeah, it was funny because I think it was just after I jokingly said, are we going to see any of the new Olympians in War of the Realms? Ah. And then issue five came out. It was like, oh, Hercules is there. And I was like, what, with Moon Knight? And oh, they're Man. in Egypt. It's like, it's even better. So like, um, yeah. Absolutely. I want to get your, your take, like Connor, as well as you, Chad, as well. I mean, because for me, that that little caption, that little box, it was really sp- specific by Jason Aaron. It was super specific. It's got, yeah, there's got to be something behind it, seriously. It can't be a throwaway comment, right? I, I'm assuming we'll see it in issue six or oh, in one of the tie-ins. So cool. Because like, everything he's done's tended to tie in. Yep. And a lot of those pages that are summaries you see play out elsewhere. Because mm-hmm. when he was talking about the Black Bifrost, yep. or whatever it is, um, then you saw that in the whichever team has the Punisher in. Yeah. So you've got the story of what happened there. So I, I feel that in the next few weeks, we might actually get to see this Hercules Ooh, Moon Knight. Oh, man. That's, that's good. Uh, uh, yeah, because, I mean, like, because Aaron is the kind of writer where, you're right, he doesn't just drop it in no. without having some kind of payoff. Yeah. So even if we only see it as a picture in a, in a like, or as it in one or two panels, I think we'll get something. Yeah. Uh, Chad, are you are you following War of the Realms by any chance, or had you come across this as well? Yeah, I came across it, and I'm with Becca on this one. Like, unless they're just really sadistic, <laughs> why would they even put that in there? That's an entire exactly. panel that they could have devoted yeah. to something else. But it was very deliberate, and like she said, Jason Aaron yeah. does a lot of planning. Yes, uh, like, exactly, just ridiculous amounts. Yeah. I think it would yeah. be an absolutely terrible, sadistic tease if it <laughs> is. Because, uh, but uh, uh, you know, have a bit of faith in Jason Aaron. Uh, he, he he's been doing well. War of the Realms. I haven't. I've been following it on and off. Um, I don't know, Connor, Connor Shu, Have you been following it as well? Or not even sort of. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no. but I also um, was going to remember that sometime in the next sixteen years, Jason Aaron will hopefully do that Moon Knight event as well. So yeah. I hope maybe yeah. this will pop in with that. But I've also got to admit, if Marvel gave me free reign, I would use every text box to just write <laughs> the dumbest <laughs> things ever. It's like, oh, don't you know, Black Canary was lighting rock, uh, Lockjaw on the Caribbean Sea. Yeah. I'm not going to show it, but I can put it in a text box and they yeah. won't tell me. Yeah, I can it. just see, you definitely would put Black Canary. <laughs> That's right, they can't stop me. They're not proofreading this. They've given up on me. That's three fair, months ago. They, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that would be, I mean, terrible if they do, like, you know, just tease us with it as well. I mean, also, I mentioned, uh, in the group, uh, I mean, not that Marvel do continuity at all because they're just, that's shot, you know, to hell. But we saw in No Road Home, Hercules, uh, and, and I did, uh, touch base with you, Rebecca, about this. We get, he, yeah. he's doing cosmic, right? He, he's got a new costume. He's, he's doing, He's doing cosmic, yeah. and his costume is amazing. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah, I, I like it. I as well. really like it. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed the um, the Abnett run where he was marrying, uh, you know, tech and and uh, yeah, in a weaponry with with his kind of mythological powers. But yeah, this cosmic thing's always always pretty good. So he's meant to be apparently out there in the cosmos somewhere. Uh, but with War of the Realms, of course, he's he's kind of somewhere else because uh, yeah. everyone's kind of back a bit. Yeah, yeah. But it'll be really cool to see him and Moon Knight uh, together. I, I was tweeting with I think it's Let's Talk Hercules. You know how there are all these Twitter yeah, accounts, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
it was Let's Talk Hercules, and I said, oh, that would be really cool to have them together because because uh, um, Moonlight could be the like the real straight down the line deadpan person, and Hercules can be because he's very jovial, isn't he? And and he, he can can't, can't yeah. take the piss out of everything. Um, but whoever was taking care of Let's Talk Hercules said, yeah, yeah, but it could work the other way as well because Hercules can be kind of intense, and he can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll be interested. I mean, certainly, certainly, in some like with some of the later stuff he's done, mm. he's slightly more intense. I mean, he's been, you know, but they can play it whichever way they want, really. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, for sure. Can I just say? Sorry, I really want to see uh, Hercules pull a fast pitch special with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do it. You know, yeah. just uh, just hurl him towards something. <laughs> you know, um, he totally would. Yeah, and and Moon Knight would just go, yeah, yeah, do it. You know, I might yeah. end up being a, yeah, a, totally. a splotch on Galactus, but yeah, yeah, give me, give it a go. Who doesn't want to do a fastball special for everything? <laughs> yeah. So uh, no, looking forward to that, and that is, I guess, you know, that's a little bit of news has been in and around the traps, uh, you know, over the last week or so about Moon Knight. So uh, it's generated a lot of conversation over in the ITK group, and uh, yeah, let, let's see what happens with uh, Jason Aaron. Hopefully, something you know gets off the ground with that. Uh, yeah. So um, so Connishu, what we want to do is open up a open up a topic about Moon Knight over our last hundred episodes. Looking forward, looking into the infinite episodes that we've got ahead. Um, what would you be speculating about? Look, I was gonna it's gonna be boring. You know, we could talk about like the future of comics, the future of movies. But I was thinking the other day, and by the other day, I was thinking about it several weeks ago when we were doing our. Um, so mm-hmm. Marvel Ultimate Alliance episode, mm-hmm. and I remember how many people talk about Moon their first experience to Moon Knight being in was it Ultimate Alliance two, mm-hmm. and that would, that's being the first time they ever hear about that, and then you know they kind of follow him back to the comics that way. So what I really want to talk about in the future, and what I really hope for, is what kind of cool supplementary material could pop up with Moon Knight in it as, you know, the game verse and all that expands. Because I really think, you know, comics are a great way. You put them in the main Avengers book, you have cool little poster note things in your War of the Realms, but, you know. Yeah. Especially as comics universe just get bigger and bigger. Yeah. You know? What else are we going to chuck them in to get new people on board? What do you reckon, did they have... Face-cutting idiot. Yeah, did did they have an announcement? Um, Because we're keeping close eyes, you, me, and and Rick Ball, the Rick Ball special, uh, Ultimate Alliance 3. Has there been any word about him being in that or...? Not yet. We've kind of gotten a lot of X-Men, Spider-Gwen's in it, which is cool. Okay. Uh, Miss Kamala Khan. Isn't that coming out quite soon? Yeah. That is... Yeah, that's next couple of months. Yeah, people keep trying to persuade me to get that. You have a switch, Rebecca. Why wouldn't you? You can play with me. We because can speed I, up people. I know I'm 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 interested. I just <laughs> don't use my switch very much. So. Did you hear also as well? Isn't there like an Avengers game coming out? Yeah, yes, we should hear about that in the next couple of days, Ooh, right? Be... It was the one that was announced donkeys years ago, and we oh, were talking yeah. about it for two years. Oh, okay, I, I saw a, t- a tweet about it. Like I thought it was like yeah. getting closer to. To being like no, it is. They're going yeah. to announce the E3, which starts now. Ooh. Um, 
It's just that there's there's even like a Twitter account for it for like have we heard anything about this Avengers game yet? <laughs> and for like the last two years they've just been regularly posting no. <laughs> um, do we? It's su- one of my favourite Twitter accounts. It just <laughs> says no, nothing yet. They're very excited about this week. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> do you reckon it will be mostly MCU oriented, or do you reckon is there Moon Knight on the cards possibly? I, or I mean, I think the fact that it's been so long in development, yeah. anything's on the table. I mean, like you know, like if it was something that only been started developing, yeah, then you'd expect a skew to the MCU, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Because, um, yeah I mean, because I know is it Marvel Strike Force? It's a tablet smart device game. Yeah, that's very MCU oriented, which is which is good. But like, you then kind of know, okay, well, we're not going to get Moon Knight ever because they're obviously going to do the, the Netflix shows, the MCU characters. Yeah, and, and it's a little bit disappointing in that sense. But uh, but this Avengers thing, um, it's it's quite. It's quite promising. I mean, Chad, you're you're a big gamer as well. Would you pick this one up? I would pick it up just for the reason that I could play with my friends everywhere in the world. Okay, mm-hmm. it's got the online kind of... Cap- Again, I'm very yeah. terrible with, with games. It's got the online capability. Okay, okay cool. Cool, yeah, no, nice, nice. Uh, what else would there pop up, you think, with Moon Knight? Well, I'd like to see some more just general merchandise. Yeah, that's true. True. We had pops, but even those pops, they were like super limited. They're like but maybe like, you if know, you're like in the even... right store at the yeah. right time. Like I've just been looking. I've been looking at Forbidden Planet recently, um, just randomly for other stuff. And like even the travel card holders they have, like they've had, they had, they have them for characters that are just not high profile at all. Uh-huh. And it'd be kind of funky to see something like that because he's very stylish. Yeah. Like even if. You don't know a lot about him. He's still style, you know. It's still a stylish uh, yeah. picture to have. So yeah, no, yeah, for sure. Knows. For sure. A, a big shout out to Destructo Designs. Uh, they um, produce a lot of not only Marvel, but you know, all over across the field, uh, a lot of comic uh, clothing, and they've they've done some Moon Knight stuff. I'd love to see, yeah, like you know, more Moon Knight apparel. I think that I think that'll be good. Um, so uh, at the moment we've got t-shirts. There's a hoodie version. There's a there's a bomber jacket, which all has all come out like over the last couple of years. Uh, but it's kind of expensive. Uh, they are. I know they are, aren't they? Yeah. Which is. I know, mean, not. I mean, it's I, obviously they're making them in smaller numbers, mm-hmm. and and I'm not saying it's totally worth it, but. Um, yeah, it's it's quite the commitment. Yeah, they're very good, very nice. Though. They're very good. Will, will we ever see a Moon Knight shirt in, say, Walmart or Target or uh, what's a, what's the uh, the English version, uh, Rebecca of uh, like a? Yeah. <laughs> Don't know if we have uh, no? exactly that, but. Um... Uh, Walmart or Target's actually very likely because again they don't they're not they're not sticking to all the biggest. I think they were the first ones to have an X Men T shirt in. Yeah. Uh, after there was like no X Men merchandise for ages, just someone popped up on t- in Target or something. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> like yeah. they've often had a lot of Iron Fist stuff that you wouldn't necessarily like, you know, expect that wasn't tied into the TV show. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Iron Fist is is not exactly an. I mean, I'm yeah. a big fan. It's not exactly a top tier. I mean, he's he's slightly bigger profile now because of the Marvel Netflix show. So at least, but um, but yeah, I'd normally have put him around the same kind of yeah level we want moon knight socks 
Moon yeah, I really want Moon Knight socks. But Connor's now socks. mocking me because I have <laughs> I want socks. Moon Knight socks. Lee, I mean, today, Lee for example, to, today, for example, I'm wearing Thor socks that have little wings. Oh, on them. is that the one from <laughs> Superhero.com? Or I've seen them. No, I bought them. I think from Walmart. Oh, okay. <laughs> when I was last in the states. Yeah, well, um, you're obviously worthy because you know, yeah, obviously walking around yes. with, <laughs> yeah, with the thing. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Thor socks over yours. I saw on eBay. There's Moon Knight key rings, but they go in for a, a bundle like Aussie dollar. Yeah. Oh, that they've always had that. They've always had Moon Knights in some of their blind bags. Yeah. Of um, yeah, because I think that's where I got a key ring from. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, so I don't. Know, I just generally have him around a bit more. I mean, obviously, we really want him in Lego. And, oh yeah, you know. oh yeah. Jeez. He's been in the games, so he's got it. I mean, like yeah, that's, that's but a even that was sort of plain. And even in the second game, absolutely nothing was done to revitalize. Like it, it was pretty much a meh kind of thing for Moon Knight. Um, I can't remember what the game was. Uh, Josh put it in, but it, you saw the Mooncopter, right? That that was good, but. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, but the playability and everything was just like pretty nothing, nothing special. But uh, yeah, but since he's in Lego anyway, I mean, surely there's got to be something, something featured there. Uh, Chad, anything that you'd like to see Moon Knight pop up, pop up in? Honestly, more damn comics. Seriously, <laughs> go straight to the straight for the jugular there, Chad. Of course, yeah, yeah, absolutely, far out. I mean. We're getting the annual coming out soon by Colin Bunn, and uh, yeah, that's the villains annual, isn't it? Yeah, acts of, e- acts of evil. That's gonna be yeah. weird. Yeah, he, like him yeah. against Kang. I kind of wish it wasn't, but I do love. Kang. I know you like, so <laughs> like Kang. So. They've kind of dub- they kind of double whammyed me. But, yeah, because um, <laughs> yeah. I'd have bought it for Moon Knight, but I kind of I don't know. I just not into the whole event. Yeah, it's a bit strange. I mean, it's not. It doesn't seem as structured as Acts of Vengeance, which. Which they really played out, and they gave a backstory with uh, the Light of the Mandarin, um, Magneto, Red Skull, um, all of them meeting up, and Loki behind it all. Uh, so there was a there was a really meaty backstory behind it. But it's Acts of Evil. It doesn't. If it's only in those annuals, uh, I can't see it built. Yeah, I don't. I just there's a lot of weekly comics at the moment, and there's a lot of like, and I I don't know if I want to buy all of them, and I'm fine to just buy the Moon Knight one, but I'd kind of like the whole yeah me too. story if I'm gonna. So I'm kind of like up and down. Obviously, I'm excited to read the Moon Knight one. Nobody like nobody come and attack me. Yeah. Um, and I you know like um I, I it's just a shame that's the context we've got it in for yeah. me. Like I liked seeing him. The Marvel Comics Presents one was kind of. Yeah, I hope we'd see him again in in another Marvel Comics Presents as well. That's good. That got a really positive response. Like a lot of people mm-hmm. love that as well. Benjamin Percy, you know, and and uh, Ferreira did did a good job for that. So they did fantastic. Yeah, so I mean, that's very promising. We had that. We've got this annual coming out. We've got a mention of Jason Aaron's. Um, War of the Realms, potentially, with Hercules. So things are kind of looking up. But as you say, Chad, look, a series would just, like, kind of hit the nail on the head. Uh, Chad, who would you want? Uh, this is a big one. Who would you want to see helm the new series, then? Honestly, I I really want to see Jason Aaron's do it. I read all through his yeah. Thor, like, up to now, and I just really need that kind of, I don't know, grandiose storytelling. Because up until now, it's been, like, kind of just Moon Knight-related. 
meanwhile, Thor is just like pulling people in from everywhere. Yeah, you know, true. Um, there was also something like on Twitter. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, you may have sent it to me, Rebecca <laughs> or uh, Connor. Um, it was with uh, Matthew Rosenberg and Tyler Tyler Boss. Oh, then this morning, yeah. Yeah. Was that this morning? Yeah. Yeah, a Moon Man Knight commission. It was on Twitter. Yeah, he made a joke about Moon Man Knights, but it's a Moon Knight commission. Yeah. And then later he said that it was um, Matthew Rosenberg as one who'd suggested it to him. Ah, okay. And obviously they wrote Four Kids Walk Into a Bank together. Yes. So they're friends. Yeah. Well... So, and they're doing they're doing this other comic together as well. So. Right. Okay, so they've got a bit of synergy happening with each other. Yeah. Um, Chad, what? How would you? How would you? Do, do you like Matt Rosenberg's stuff? Would you? Honestly, I, uh, I'm kind of estranged to Matt Rosenberg. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What did you think, Ray? Because you read, um, you you have read multiple Man by him. I did. Else, I, right? I wasn't a huge fan. Seriously, I'm I'm up and down on him. Mm, I like yeah. there's some I stuff am. of his I love, and there's some stuff I'm like mm, a little bit slipshod. Exactly. Uh, but over, I like his overall themes mm-hmm. and stories i just don't always like the um how it turns out yeah i mean i, I, um, I like his punisher run. yeah his punisher runs good i love the start of his punisher run yeah. i kind of got a little bit i mean punisher's not a character i like so the fact that he got me to read punisher was yeah. something i love he's, four kids walk into a bank i think it's just Kingpin's like really good yeah yeah that was very good you're right um I enjoy bits I'm, of uncanny bits of uncanny X. Well, I've loved. that's what I'm about to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed uncanny. X. I've heard like a lot of podcasts and reviews. People say like like spurning it, saying it's oh, it's pretty crap. But I, I'm enjoying it. Like yeah, I've, the last couple of issues I've not been so taken with. But okay. uh, before that, but so I mean like, but the thing is, when you're talking about a long, it's it's rare to get a Jason Aaron. Yeah, and if you're talking about a decently sent length run, yeah, uh, then I think. Uh, you have to accept it, the, the odd duff issue as well. Um, yeah. But um, I don't know. Who would I? I'd probably pick Tinny Howard for Moon Knight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Just because um, I think a lot of what she's been writing recently has started to um, she's very good. delve into some more mythological stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's like she's she's still quite early on in the comics of hers I've read. Uh-huh. But she seems to be interested in tackling yeah. supernatural mythology on side. But I totally agree with Chad that I am, um, whatever the next run is, mm. and this is gonna again, I this isn't gonna sound as it doesn't. It's not meant as harsh as it sounds. I'm kind of done with like a singular focus on Moon Knight. I want to know more about the world he's interacting yeah. with. And I want to see him fight more villains, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not just personal to him villains. Yeah. I want him to be able to pull in other heroes for cameos. Yeah, true. Um, and that's how Moon because because that's how that's how it established itself mm-hmm. as a character. You know, like it, it's just that, and I, I, you know, how much I love the Lemire Smallwood yeah, run. Absolutely. So like, um, and it, I just feel that like the last runs we've had have all all had that to them. They've been very small focused. Yeah. Yeah, in different ways, and and I I'm ready for a bigger focus now. Yeah, I mean the thing I liked, I really liked about Bemis's run at the beginning was um, exploring the Egyptian mythology, and I'd love to see more of that. Like just just really more of that. I mean it kind of veered away from that 
uh, his writing yeah. later on. But to be kind of mythology centric with that, I think would be really cool. I'd also quite like to see if he's the final member of the uh, new team, but I don't I hope think so. he will be. Yeah, yeah, it would make an odd, odd mix. But if you say Marvel's most ruthless team, and you already have Hellstrom and uh, Angela and Blade, then and I'm sure you could fit in Moon Knight. But I'm I'm a little bit concerned that Billy's on there because I don't see Billy as particularly ruthless. But hey, but he would definitely fit in. But I I think they will probably have a female Sorry, final member. Sorry, who's oh. Bill, Billy? Uh, I'm totally who's... Uh, Wiccan. Oh, okay, okay, cool. Oh, that's a bit odd. So the, cur- the, like, I don't the know. current the current t- the current team is Hellstrom, Monica Rambo, Blade, Angela, Wiccan, and the Winter Soldier. Okay, right. That's kind of how yeah. Moon Knight gets bigger again as well. When you put him in, like, we love an insular yeah. one. We love, like, what um, Percy yeah. and Ferreira just did. But he gets bigger when he's in big team books and people read that and then they want to follow the solo. And then yeah. They... yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is the only way to really get a character better known is to have them interact with characters people already love. Yes. No, no, for sure. Especially with comics as expensive as they are now, it's like you're you're not going to gamble. Oh, look, I mean, unless it's one of your absolute favorite, like, like Donny Cates, who's already said he's not going to write Moon Knight. So yeah, but I mean, uh, everyone can chill about that. This whole team thing, as you're saying, it, it, it is good. It's a good way to get introduced to the character. But I'm just thinking of Damnation, and it, it has to be treated well, right? Like Moon Knight. Yeah, I think okay. I think it. I think a team, but not an event. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, I think because um, I think uh, I I could I mean look we're coming at, we came at Damnation as people already knew Moon Knight. Yeah, it's kind of hard to tell how we would have come at it as someone who didn't know Moon Knight. But it wasn't. I mean, like it was only we just saw it as like not what we thought of the character. That's true. I think somebody could still from there go and check out a Moon Knight comic, then see maybe that it's not the same character and there's other issues there, but at least it was an appearance. But I also think because Damnation was an event in the middle of how many Marvel events? Yeah. I don't think it was that high profile. You put him on like a Savage Avengers team or if Aaron does get to do the run, the Moon Knight story he wants to do in Avengers eventually. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the ones that people are buying a lot of. Or if he appears in, say, Spider-Man. True. Or one of the ones, you know, and, ha- and yes, it has to be a, a depiction of him that is how he would continue to be on, on his own run. Yeah. I don't know, it's, it's tricky. But yeah, because, of course, you're right. But we, you, 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 want, you want as much exposure as possible. True, true. And, and you don't want to mislead people as well. I mean, as you say, they, they can look at the Damnation run and go, oh, okay, kind of interested in Moon Knight, but the way he was portrayed was more of a Deadpool-esque kind of character. And- but to be fair, if I was reading, if I was, I'm reading War of the Realms, mm-hmm. and I think Iron Fist's depiction in it is terrible. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I don't think Spider-Man's is all that great. Oh, how about, and, how about Luke I mean, Cage? I think, I think, yeah, Luke Cage is, He's not. He's not kind of saying as much. So uh-huh. This isn't as as grating to me. But um, I, I just so I don't know if I'd be like if I went. That's not. That's how. That's not the Iron Fist I know. Yeah. And and it's not the Spider Man I think I know. Yeah. Although it can be the Spider Man I know. So that's the difference. That's the the difference. So I think it can happen to anyone, and even the best writers. Yeah. Is that like if if they're characters that you've maybe run 
read some of the comics of because there's definitely comics where Iron Fist is super quippy. Yeah. Especially these days. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in general, he wasn't he wasn't like Spider Man level banter. There's even jokes in comics about how his banter's not as good as Spider Man's. <laughs> so to then have him being like the kind of idiotic Joker. Yeah. It's a little bit like really. Um, so it's, yeah. it's a fine line, isn't it? Because he he is kind of he's laid back in a sense, but you you don't want him to be too laid back, like you know. He's laid back, but you don't want to be an idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and again, like, we can keep this away from, like, TV depictions and whatever else. But, like, um, you know, and I'm just using that as another character that I probably love as much as Moon Knight, you know, yeah. know as well. And uh, and to see it, and that's in the biggest event that's out yeah, Marvel-wise at the moment. And I'm like, mm, I'm not sure if that's the Iron Fist that I would love people to first come to Iron Fist. Yeah, it sounds like yourself, Connor, and Carl will have a field day then on uh, Sons of the Dragon. Yeah. Immortal Iron Fist about that. I mean, yeah, if we get around to it. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah, sure you will. But like, it's um, yeah, this is the whole thing, isn't it, about characters being depicted in events and um, how much vested interest is in the writers to actually make them accurate, and or, or do they just become a? I think I th- I think they genuinely do their best, yeah. but like maybe they're only going maybe from a limited. Yeah. Yes. You know, because again, time uh, constraints and all that. They're probably just. And if think, if, yeah. if whoever catches them up on the character, yeah, gives them a couple of like you know like so. Oh, Moon Knight sometimes makes witty comments can become a Moon Knight becomes uh you know like and and it's it's not necessarily. And also, these characters change so much over the years. Yeah. That, um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't disagree on on how Damnation treated him. I don't think I was as quite as harsh about it because, yeah. you know, yeah. I don't go into these things expecting all that much. No, for but, sure. But Chad's right. It's like that, you know, if you want him... In, but I, I'm thinking more of a team than event Because people are already a little bit down on event books, generally. Yeah, oh, they are, aren't they? I mean, considering just the amount that happens and... You know, people just want to collect their titles and and they get these weekly things, as you're saying, coming out. It becomes all a bit too much. And, I mean, the cost of War of the Realms as well, if you were to collect oh, all of them, it's so like a, a terrible, like a, a massive amount that you have to invest in it. And, it, yeah, mm. it, it just makes it a little a little difficult. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chad, um, off the back of this as well, off, off Connor's off great... Um, point of discussion what would you kind of like to see kind of happen with Moon Knight I mean like he kind of answered a little bit of this in, in, in Connor's one there's a bit of overlap obviously but honestly I'd like to see more of the uh, Moon Knight fan films yes and they're coming I mean both uh, oh why am I forgetting names right now um one of our loonies and also, Caden... Caden Becerra, yeah. 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 That, they were good, weren't they? I mean, they came over just, um, uh, you know, over the course of our 100 episodes. Very exciting to see. Um, <clears throat> both of them have their merits as well. Um, <clears throat> trying to get um, Caden on the show, but, yeah, he, he took a bit of liberty, didn't he? Uh, it caused a, a little bit of a stir amongst the... The Moon Knight mm-hmm. fans with his depiction of the costume and I guess depiction of the character overall. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I thought we've asked this before as well, but McConaughey, like that fan film, what did you, what did you think of it? Did you, did you like it? Were you a bit put off by the, 
creative license or? Oh, I mean, um, I think maybe we've spoken about this before, but he does have a ponytail, so it makes <laughs> yeah. him, you know, pretty great in my books. But no, that's <laughs> that's totally what you want in the realm of fan films. It's both what you want to see on screen, and it's just different people getting a chance to voice their creative vision. And it was fantastic. You know, there was a lot of, you know, the production, you know, doesn't always make it like the best. And, you know, sure. we do love sometimes the amateur nature of these and just people getting out there no matter. But it was such an incredibly well shot and well thought out production. They must have put a lot of time and money and sweat into making that. And it, it shows and it, it made a big hit, you know. I'm not sure how many views they're on now, but it got featured in a lot of places. There was a lot it of did. buzz about it. And, you know, it was more positive than negative in just about every case as well. So. Mm-hmm. And I think he did very well in the fact that, obviously, not just within our community as well, but there there has been a, a lot of gener- uh, interest generated about Moon Knight. You know, when is he coming on screen? Similar to like the um, the Submariner as well. You know, all these kind of fringe characters because of the success of MCU and and all the characters. Like, who else is going to be featured? I think also because like when when Netflix were doing Street Level, then you kind of assume that. Yeah, that- definitely. Midnight. Definitely, too. he was the um, next well, logical choice, wasn't he? And then Feige spoke about him, and you know, like people drop, and then the Russos say they would they have a Moon Knight idea or whatever they said, and like, and it just keeps like ticking it over, and like, yeah, just enough to keep the hope alive. Oh, I hate. Mm. I don't want James Gunn anywhere near him. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, uh, I would. Sorry, what was that Chad? I don't want James Gunn around him either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I don't, unless he's a totally vers. I mean, like, yeah, I'm sure he's a, he's very talented. I mean, really versatile. Is he? <laughs> um, you know, but if he ends up turning out another Guardians of the Galaxy, just but with Moon Knight, then that's definitely not kind of what I want to see. Uh, yeah, but uh, no, no, that's a that's a good question, Chad. I mean, hope hopefully we do see more fan films out there, as mentioned. Um, young Alex Lumen, another loony, he has recently done part two, I think. Uh, it features Moon Knight, his his fan films, but also includes the likes of Shang Chi, I believe Iron Fist as well, and, and Winter Soldier. So uh, it's good to see that fans are actually, uh, yeah, translating their their fandom onto onto celluloid or you know, be it writing or, or what have you. So um, hopefully we get a, a few more. Uh, that'll be really good to see. Anyway, um, we might go to a quick break. We'll be right back. Hang tight, loonies. I hope you are enjoying our 100th episode. We have so much more to offer. So uh, catch you on the other side of this ad break. Hi, this is Chris. And this is Brian. And we are the hosts of Inner Demons, the Ghost Rider podcast. And you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcast apps for all your Ghost Rider needs. Right on. Hey fellow loonies, Phil here from the Capes and Lunatics and Capes and Lunatics Sidekicks podcast. I just wanted to join in with everyone in wishing the High Priest of Conchu, Ray, Connor, and Rebecca, big congratulations for hitting 100 episodes. The show is always great and I can't wait to hear what's coming up next. Anyway, this one's for you, Ray. Batman, Batman, Batman. 
Batman, Batman, Batman. That's right. We need to have the big Moon Knight Batman debate soon. But uh, congratulations, everyone. Good job. Keep up the great work. Dear Khonshu, my name is Josh Geronimo Johnson. And does it piss you off that the Inhumans live on your domain? Yes, welcome back, Looney listeners. You are listening to the 100th episode of Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. You are joined by Connor, by Rebecca, by Chad, and myself, Ray. And uh, I want to just a uh, massive thank you. Thank you, Phil, from Capes and Lunatics and Capes and Lunatics Sidekicks and The Quantum Zone. And I think the Ultimate Spider-Man podcast and Deadpool. They This guy does a heap of stuff. Anyway... Thank you so much, Phil, for your kind words. Uh, uh, so cool to, to to hear it, and and uh, so cool to be part of a very supportive podcasting community. Uh, Capes and Lunatics are part of the collective, which we are part of, a, a band of podcasts that um, enjoy either character-based or pop culture-based uh, themes uh, where we all kind of band together and, and try to share the love. So uh, a big thank you to Phil on that one. Also, we got our first dear Conchu, and uh, and I want to throw this to to Connor, to Rebecca, to Chad. This was from our good friend, our loony Josh Geronimo Johnson. And yeah, as as you heard, um, uh, Rebecca, what did you think? Uh, Chad, oh, not Chad, sorry. Josh did ask Conchu, uh, does it piss you off that the Inhumans live on your domain? <laughs> Bit of a weird one. I'm assuming he's referring to the Atalan, the original Atalan on on the moon. Yeah, I think so, probably. Um, I don't, I don't think Conchu would mind. No, I think I, yeah. I, I think he would have allowed it to happen. Like you know, why not? Probably would have gotten more you know? followers that way. Live on the moon, yeah. join the cult. So pulling the strings, get a little, yeah you converts well if you get black bolt on your side he's a pretty and medusa i mean pretty heavy hitters yeah. crystal oh gosh right. crystal's huge like look really lockjaw <laughs> <laughs> of course of course oh my god who doesn't love lockjaw so why like so like you take from that who doesn't love lockjaw and then you you go but how can it piss you off exactly conchu would love lockjaw i think conchu would be a, pe- a pet person myself I mean, like, is a, yeah. a bird skull kind well, of thing? Well, yeah, but um, maybe. Maybe. Depends on the pet. Might not, yeah. But all Egyptians love cats. That's, oh, right? yeah. All Egyptian gods love cats, so. Could be a cat person, which uh, could not bode well for the humans. But uh, thank, <laughs> thank you, Josh. Uh, Chad, yeah, I mean, um, what do you think Conchie would, would respond to this? Honestly, I mean, that's like travelers in the night. Uh, why wouldn't they be accepted onto the moon? Yeah, actually, good point. Conchu would be very accommodating. He would want to protect them. And, uh, you know, as we mentioned, he probably may have had a hand in uh, in their well-being, being on the moon and such. They're not on the moon anymore, are they? Like, there's, New Adelaide was above New York or something, and I don't know what's happened to the humans now. Uh, well, a lot of them are dead does now, right so. now. They're all dead. Yeah, yeah most of the most of them. Oh, are that's dead. right. Yeah, death of the dead. humans, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. well, not all of them. Not not Lockjaw. That's half that amount, <laughs> Hopefully, Conchu can resurrect uh, yeah. everyone. <laughs> Hopefully, 
there will be uh, some more news on the Inhumans sometime soon. Yeah, it'll be good. Like, I mean, there's a bit, been a resurgence of the X Men. I mean, let's keep the. I really enjoy. I mean, what was that? Christian Ward and uh, yeah, Blackpool. Um, Saladin Ahmed. Ahmed. Fantastic. I mean, keep keep alive. I mean. And there's a thing as well, like, you're either in Humans or X-Men. You can be both. I mean, they're... Yeah, of course you can. I like, I've always... I like both. Yeah, yeah. So let's hope we see more of them later on. Maybe Country can lead, uh, give a, uh, you know, a bit of a hand with that one. Anyway, uh, so, Loonies, we have our first interview here. Uh, big reveal. Um, so we have an interview with J.M. Dematisse. Um, a, a a huge writer for Marvel, uh, most commonly known for well, I think the main one is is Craven's Last Hunt, right? Uh, but mm-hmm. for Moon Knight's uh, universal corner of the universe, he did uh, the Scarlet Redemption, which was a, a fantastic run. Chad, you were also mentioning he continued on, didn't he, towards um towards Infinity Crusade with the Demogoblin? Yep. He uh, went ahead and featured the Demogoblin in 32 of Mark Spector, The Moon Knight. Uh, a very distinct way of writing as well. If anyone who's, who's read Scarlet Redemption, they'd know that um, J.M. de Matisse uh, has a, a very, uh, I don't know, kind of similar to Doug Mensch, uh, kind of a very lyrical, very poetic, cerebral kind of bit of writing. So anyway, uh, we have our first uh, first interview. Um. So this is at Ray and our Omega Level Looney, uh, co-host Capes and Lunatics podcast, who are both sat down with him. Yes, sorry, uh, Anthony Sitko. Yes, sorry, I forgot to... Hell, yeah. yes, we've had Anthony on the podcast a few times before. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully Looney's checked out that fantastic one-of-a-kind podcast as well. And they've, uh, yeah, they sat down with the man himself, and I'll just let them do the talking. It's far more interesting than what I'm doing here. So take it away. Yes, welcome, loony listeners. This is Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast, episode 100. And uh, we did promise some surprises on the show. So uh, to kick off, we have a very special interview with a very special writer. I'm sure many of you have heard of him. But before I, I get too carried away, I'm actually also joined by Anthony Sitko, co-host of Capes on the Couch, where comics get counselling, um, an absolutely awesome podcast. Anthony, how are you? I'm doing good, Ray. I am very, very excited to be part of this interview, and uh, I cannot wait. <laughs> oh, this should be a cracker. Uh, as many of you know, Anthony is an Omega-level loony. He is a massive Moon Knight fan, so I could not ignore uh, having him on for this interview. And we do have a very special guest. I'd like you to introduce J.M. DeMatteis. J.M., how are you? I'm great, guys. How are you both doing? Yeah, good, good. Uh, Fantastic. It, it, yeah, it's been a, it's been quite a buzz to, um, to get to <laughs> organize this chat with you. Uh, so just briefly, I wanted to, to let the loonies out there. I mean, look, your name is, is synonymous with a lot of comics, a, a legend in the field. Uh um, James Dimitris, you you've started off as a um, like as a mu- music critic, I believe. Um, you went to comic right. writing. Yep. Actually, I was a musician first, then a music, music. journalist. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, I I did I did read up on that as well. You've released a few things as well. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. 
Uh, anyway, comic book writing, various publishers, of course, the big two, DC, Marvel, as well as, as, as a few other publishers as well. Uh, Garnering, and many years writing animation as well. And animation, yes, yes. Uh, yes. And uh, and many awards um, to a lot of, I mean, you you are, if anything, industrious. Uh, a lot of uh, original <laughs> graphic novels, uh, the likes of Brooklyn Dreams and, of course, Moonshadow. Uh, Moonshadow, very, which I have to plug, brand new hardcover edition of Moonshadow comes out Wednesday. Oh, fantastic. Hardcover, that's... lots of extras in the back. I mean, it's, it's the most beautiful edition of Moonshadow that's ever been done. Yeah, I've seen the um, photo on your Twitter account, the, the definitive edition, right? And it's yes, that's a, what it's called. That's excellent. It's called. And, uh, and a new forward by yourself or uh, introduction? Yes, and mm-hmm. then, you know, all kinds of cool stuff in the back. I, I, I don't save files on a lot of things, but I saved all my Moonshadow stuff all these years. So I have, like, handwritten notes from when I first had wow. the idea. You know, I mean, things really going back and all of J- John J. Muth's sketches and wonderful things. So it's oh. packed with extras and it's on beautiful paper, beautiful hardcover. They did a fantastic job. Oh, well, that sounds fantastic. We're going to have to, we'll grab the details up. They'll be in our show notes. Just check it out, loonies. Uh, definitely well worth a purchase. But, uh, of course, as well, uh, JMU, you, uh, you conduct a writer's workshop called Imagination 101. You're a founder of, uh, of Creation Point, all to do with, uh, with assisting uh, with creative writers. Is that correct? Right, right. Uh, Imagination 101 is a writing workshop that I, I do periodically. I have one coming up in November, and I've had, had people come from all over the United States and actually from other countries as well. It's an entire weekend, very intimate weekend. I keep the classes small, mm-hmm. maybe 10 people at most. And we have a great weekend talking about both the the mechanics and the day-to-day realities of writing, okay. as well as the whole sort of metaphysical aspect of, of story and where it all comes from. It's a great weekend. And if anyone, whether you're in New Jersey or Australia, if you <laughs> want to come, there's still a few spots open in the class. So I, I welcome you. And it happens this coming November. Right. And the other one, this story consultation is basically uh, done long distance. Anyone that has a piece of work that they want to work on, mm-hmm. just you can go to my work, uh, my uh, website, and contact me, yeah. and uh, we can get to work. Would that include um, like prose uh, scripts as well, or any different really, formats? Anything, pretty uh-huh. much anything you want to work on within within reason. If it's something that's like out of my purview, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know work on it with you because I won't be able to help you. Mm-hmm. But uh, in general, yeah, because I, I, you know whether it's a screenplay or a comic book script or a piece of prose, absolutely. Mm, fantastic, fantastic. Well. Uh, yeah, again, we'll add these to our show notes as well. So all the information will be there. I know a lot of loonies, um, well, a fair few of them do love their, their fan fiction, uh, and do write as well. So maybe this is something they can pursue. Um, it's, it's a good way to kind of, um, broaden your horizons with, with something that you love to do. Um, so, so before before we get started, I want to get all the plugs out of the way. Sure, of course, of course. <laughs> just from from IDW, just put out a collection of a series I did for them called Impossible Incorporated, which I'm mm-hmm. very excited about. Uh, I just finished a series at Dark Horse uh, for Burger Books called The Girl in the Bay, and the collected edition of that will be oh. out in August. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? So the Constantine animated movie, John Constantine animated movie, is available for streaming on Amazon oh. and Google Play and. And you can buy it on DVD and Blu-ray, so that's out there. And there's a lot more animation coming up that I can't talk about yet. But so those are the all right plugs are out of the way. Let's talk. <laughs> oh no, that, that's great. Um, yeah. Now, had you have you watched the 
I hadn't watched it myself. There's a constant. There was a Constantine TV show, a live, a live one. There was a live action Constantine TV yeah. show with Matt Ryan. Yeah, I heard it. Which was pretty good. And then, then, yeah. then, and that's Matt Ryan is the voice of Constantine in the animated movie that I wrote. Ah, lovely. So it, yeah, it's 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 maybe it's one of the best uh, animated projects I've ever been involved in, and it's probably out of all the portrayals of Constantine outside of comics, I think it's the truest to the Vertigo vision of the character. Okay, uh, very proud of. It. And now, of course, Matt Ryan is on Legends of Tomorrow, still continuing yeah. uh, oh, his yeah. Constantine. Repri- reprising his role. Look, uh, truth be told, I'm not a, a DC fan. That's just out of, you know, circumstance. Um, I <laughs> you always, are forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, I always I always kind of liken it to, because uh, I do love my music, like classical music and jazz, you know, and I do study classical music. And it's, it's a world unto itself and... Uh, <laughs> It's similar with like Marvel and DC, I find. Um, so it, it just happens, you know. But um, I do love the character of Constantine. I um, there was that early movie with Keanu Reeves. I thought it was really right. cool. Uh, I've heard, right. obviously, not as accurate or not accurate at all to the Vertigo <laughs> portrayal, but you know, still an enjoyable thing. So <laughs> I'll be yeah, we, did, we did an terms, episode right. on Constantine. Oh yes, Anthony, you did. Yeah, we, we did. We covered uh, we covered Constantine in an entire episode. Actually, in the comics, it's pronounced Constantine, but everybody seems to have, uh, at least in, in the, the Keanu Reeves version, they definitely Americanized it. And I yes. guess for the sake of the, the American audiences, uh, Matt Ryan pronounces it Constant, Constantine, but uh, right. he makes a point. I even, he, I even wrote the co- character in the comics. I never knew it was pronounced Constantine. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I learned. I learned something. Good. We're done. I can go now. <laughs> <laughs> we love to share. Um, yeah. Well, actually, before we get into Moon Knight, of course, um, JM, we we actually had another loony who wanted to come on. I want to give him a shout out, Josh. Uh, unfortunately, he wasn't able to make it. He's another huge fan of yours, and uh, he had a question that he wanted to put. Well, he wanted me to put forth to you, and. Uh, you know, let it be known, Looney's that uh, not obviously not only that short run that you did with Moon Knight, but um, you, you had you know extensive runs with uh, the Defenders, Captain America. You did you did that very memorable in Shambhala, Doctor Strange. That's um, right, and I had a run on the on the monthly Doctor Strange book as well. Yeah. Oh yes. Oh okay. Uh, and uh, and of course, Spider Man. Uh, you know, synonymous with arguably the, the greatest Spider Man uh, storyline. Uh, ever written, which is uh, Craven's Last Hunt, which um, yeah, I'm sure you've read as well, Anthony. Yes, absolutely. Yes, I mean, yeah, amazing story. I'm yeah. hoping one day that we can see a, a live action Craven in mm. perhaps the MCU, or that was never covered in Raimi's. Um, you can't start off with Craven's Last Hunt, obviously, but you have to build to it. But I would very much be be intrigued at that, just because the the storyline of uh, of of Craven, and also I I love stories in which the villain kind of wins or at least gets that upper hand. Mm. So. I think the problem with the problem with the live action Craven and maybe the, is is that you, your lead character, the guy that you're paying twenty million dollars to be Spider Man, is is buried alive for a third of the story. <laughs> so I always thought it would be great a great like I've written a bunch of these DC animated movies, um, and I thought Craven's Last Hunt done as an animated an animated movie I think would be great. Would, uh, yeah, perfect. Yeah. Yeah, and for sure. I'm that would ready work. to write it whenever Marvel's ready. <laughs> yeah, well, I would. I would we, we'll read it as soon as you write it. Are you, you listening, would... Marvel? Are yeah. you listening? <laughs> I, I hope so. Get him on it. <laughs> I am writing 
for the for the new Marvel has a new uh, Spider-Man animated show, and I've written three episodes of that, and I can't oh. get into details, but one of them does feature Moon Knight. Oh, oh my Ooh. God! I'll Serious. just drop that there for you. Oh, that's a that's a scoop. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, lovely. Oh, okay. Oh, that's wait. all I can say about it, though, unfortunately. Oh, okay. okay. That's that's fair. that's fine. That's yeah, we, we respect I appreciate that. It. But uh, that's got a, that's pricked our ears. So that's um, that's very cool indeed. <laughs> um, so obviously, Craven's last hunt. But um, also, there were a couple of seminal issues that you wrote in Amazing Spider-Man and Spectacular Spider-Man. And anyway, I'm going to read this out to you, J.M. It's a question from Josh, uh, and okay. he. He basically says, he said, you know, you've written two massive milestones uh, in the early 90s, Amazing Spider-Man 400 and Spectac- Spectacular Spider-Man 200. Uh, and Josh says one of one of them, I believe it was the Amazing Spider-Man 400, or maybe the other one, was his all-time favourite comic. Um, anyway, they deal with the death of Aunt May and Harry Osborn, respectively. Now, his question was, or is, what uh, was it like to have the task of, t- of killing off two monumental and long-standing Spider-Man supporting characters? I mean, that, that's a, quite a, a big brushstroke there, James. So how did you feel about that? Was that nerve-wracking to pitch that or...? No, not nerve wracking at all. You know, when, when the, the, the Aunt May death was, was not just my decision, but it came from a few of us because the Spider-Man books were going through a sort of a revolution then mm-hmm. with, the, with the clone saga. And what we wanted people to know that the stakes were high and that we were going to do things that were going to make a big difference. Mm-hmm. Little knowing that Aunt May would be back like, I don't know, 15 minutes later. But, you know, at the time we really... The idea was we're killing Aunt May, and that's that, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and so so, um, but once you get into the story, you're not thinking about oh my gosh, I'm killing Aunt May, or oh my gosh, I'm killing Harry. Mm-hmm. You're just getting into the story and, and and immersing yourself in the characters and following the characters where they will lead you. Um, you know, there's that moment in in Amazing Spider-Man 400 where May uh, admits that she's known for years that Peter is Spider-Man. Mm, yes, and. Uh, and that came not from like, oh, what a great idea. Aunt May knows. It was like it was almost like Aunt May told me, if you know what I mean. Mm. When the story is really working, the characters are revealing themselves to you as you're writing the story. And and certainly Aunt May did did that in, in that story. Um, and with Harry, that was the culmination of a two year storyline. Mm. Uh, and I didn't know when that storyline, same thing. I didn't know when that storyline started. It's not like I mapped it out and said, in two years, we're going to kill Harry off and it's <sighs> going to happen this way. Yeah. It just sort of evolved and came to this bubbling climax. And again, the uh, the characters led me uh, to that point. So I'm not like thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm killing an iconic character or anything like that. I'm just so deep in the story yes. that I'm following the story and the characters where they lead me. And uh, those those are two of my favorite stories that I've ever worked on on Spider-Man. In fact, the well, both of them. But the, yeah. the Harry story at Spectacular 200, if I had to pick just a single issue of Spider-Man that I wrote, you know, not an arc, but a single issue, yes, that would be the one that's my favorite. All right. That's great because we, yeah, we did cover that. Um, what we do have on, on the show is uh, what we like to call the Olara sessions. And uh, they're kind of like Desert Island books. And we had Josh on. Uh, and obviously one of them was Spectacular Spider-Man 200. And we went through it like panel by panel. It was oh, really? uh yeah, it was fantastic. It was a really good, really good read, and it was a double double size issue, so a, a substantial read, yeah. which was good. Yeah, and so much of the credit for that, I have to say, goes to Sal Buscema, who did such an extraordinary mm. job 
oh, with yeah. the artwork. I've told this story before, but it's worth telling again, and I'll keep it short so we can get to Moon Knight. Uh, the end of the story, there's like three or four pages at the end when Harry dies, and it's very moving and very emotional. And in my plots, uh, you know, this is written plot first, so I write a detailed plot. Sal draws it, and then I dialogue from the artwork. And um, I, you know, I thought when the artwork comes back, I'm going to have to really really sell this. I'm going to have to really schmaltz it up in the captions and, you know, and really kind of reach out and grab your heart and twist it and turn it. And I got the artwork back and everything I'd asked for in the plot was there in the art. And if you look at the story, the last three pages, there's not a single word there because despite the fact that I thought I would have to write so Mm. much, I looked at Sal's art and it communicated everything I asked for so perfectly that I just shut up and let the art tell the story. And that speaks so much to what a what a huge talent and often underrated talent Sal Buscema is. Just one of the best yeah. artists to ever at Marvel. That, Absolutely. Yeah, that would have been one of the uh, the highest kind of accolades, I guess, you can give the, the artist as a writer. Like, you know, okay, I'm not going to touch it at all. I mean, you've, you've pretty much exactly. done it. So exactly. oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And that's the beauty of working in a visual medium like that is is you can allow the the pictures, you know, they say a picture mm. says, you know, is worth a thousand words. And in this case, it very literally is true that you felt the need that dialogue was superfluous. And mm. sometimes it's the opposite. You know, sometimes you, you, you turn in your plot uh, and, and it's all very detailed and you think it's all very clear and the artwork comes back and it's like, I don't know what the hell's going on on this page. And you have to actually overwrite to explain what's happening in the pictures. Yeah. You know, and that's the difference between someone who, who really doesn't understand the art of visual storytelling and someone like Sal, who is such a master of it. Mm. Yeah, no, that's, uh, yeah. yeah. It, it amazes me, uh, like layouts and stuff. I, I um, There's this thing on YouTube, it's uh, Strip Panel Naked. I'm not sure if you've seen it, um, JM. It, uh, it goes through particular issues, and one of them was Moon Knights. It was a... Warren Ellis and Declan Shelby issue, uh, issue five, which is a um, fantastic issue. Anyway, it goes, uh, it's narrated by someone, it goes through panel by panel, and it shows the the level of thought that these artists do put into it, uh, not only to convey the story, but to kind of lead the eye, stuff like that. It's, it's, it's really amazing stuff. Yeah, it really, really is. And it's so, you know, when you understand it, when you see the importance <clears throat> of, say, uh, uh, capturing just the right moment. And each panel has to capture the right moment and it yes. has to flow into the next panel. And if you capture the wrong moment, the whole thing is off. If yes. the gesture is wrong, and the really great artists, if you really watch them, you'll see like one gesture will lead your eye to the next panel. It has mm. to flow. Absolutely. And e- yet each, each, each little piece, each panel has to be really, really clear. Yes. And and when you're working with guys like, I know we talked about Craven's Last Hunt, someone like Mike Zach, mm-hmm. where... Visually, you know, anything I asked for in the plot visually was right there and it was clear as a bell. I never had to explain the art. I never had, you know, the, the emotion was on the character's yeah. face and I didn't have to explain that, which, which is why when you read Craven's Last Hunt, it's all interior monologue. Yes. You know, everything is what's going on inside the characters' heads. I didn't have to stop and explain, I am now leaping to yeah. this roof, you know, or any <laughs> stuff like that, which sometimes you actually have to do that. You'll mm-hmm. see things like that. Because it's not clear in the pictures. So when you're working with a, a with a Zach or a, or a Buscema, yes. uh, if someone else had drawn Craven's Last Hunt and I had to be explaining the artwork as I went along, none of that interior monologue stuff would have been there or it wouldn't have worked the same way. Mm. So it so much depends upon that, that sort of chemical fusion between the writer and the artist. 
Oh, absolutely. And uh, I'd like to actually put it to you then as well, Jam. Like nowadays, like who would you, if you had a, ch- a choice, who you could pick as a as an artist to do? I don't know your your latest and greatest story. Uh, who would you choose? You know, I've been very lucky. I've worked with so many, so many great artists, people that um, you know, really just amazing, top of the line artists. Mm-hmm. And yet, I'm always surprised by the talent of new artists. I just, like I said, I just finished this series for Burger Books, yes. and uh, there's a the, a young woman named Corinne, Corinne Howell, and I'd never heard of her before. Karen mm-hmm. Berger found her and 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 put her on this book. She's in her early 20s. She's phenomenal. She's wow. so gifted, you know. Yeah. And it was such a pleasure to discover. You know, I still want to work with all the guys that I know and have worked with before, mm-hmm. but to discover somebody new. Uh, it's just a fantastic thing, and and I'm thinking, well, she's probably 23 at most. Yeah. What is she? What what kind of work is she going to be doing in 10 years? Because yeah. um, she's so good now, yeah. and uh, so so, it's not a question of uh, I guess of of well I guess there's still plenty of guys out there. Yeah. If I was going to pick one dream dream artist to work with, and he doesn't work in comics anymore, I don't know what he's doing these days. Barry Windsor Smith. I've always yeah. liked nice stuff. Yeah. Oh my God. So you know, so it, just off the charts, brilliant. Very um, good. But you yeah. know, it's, it's, that's just a that's just a fantasy because it isn't even working comics anymore. Um, but God, to do one story with Barry Smith, that would yeah. be really something. Yeah, I am. Um, but I, okay, I've worked with so many amazing artists, you know, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, that I can't even begin to list them. Yeah. Even just talking about the projects that I've mentioned, you look at Moonshadow, John J. Muth. Oh my God, look at that painted artwork. There had never been anything like that in comics. Mm. This impossible incorporated with my buddy Mike Cavallaro. He's amazing and works in so many different styles and pencils and inks and letters and colors. He does it all, you know. There's yeah. so, the, the talent that's out there, it's really extraordinary. It's mm-hmm. really amazing. And I, to this day, it's the same as when I was reading a comic book when I was 10 years old and you turn the page and gape at the artwork. I'm still in awe of the artists and when new art comes through and you know uh i open my email and there's new pages there yeah. i'm a 10 year old kid and i'm in, i am in awe of these guys oh, that's and what a, they do that you know that's just a good feeling isn't it you know to have that kind of um it's great that yeah that that feeling you had when you're when you were small uh when you're little yeah. yeah great um look we're uh we're going to delve into to moon night now now your your run was short as as we discussed earlier on uh it was 26 to 31 and it it mainly encapsulated uh the scarlet redemption which uh a a lot of loonies absolutely love and you know this is one of the reasons we have the fantastic anthony here with us oh anthony i'm i'm gonna throw it to you to um to kick us off here to ask something to jm about He's right. Uh, well, at, yeah, this this run above, and I have literally every solo comic that Moon Knight has done, every single one of his solo issues, pretty much ninety percent of the appearances that he's made, and and I referenced uh, this when I when I met you last year at Comic Con. This is my all time favorite wow. Moon Knight story arc of of all of them throughout the forty years of the character. Uh, your writing and Ron Garney's artwork, uh, and Everything just melded together so beautifully that and I Ron read... Garney was brand new then. He was just starting out. You know, he wasn't Ron Garney yet. And you know what I mean? And yeah. uh, he came out of the gate really strong. Yeah, because I, I remember he started. Sorry, Anthony, just to cut, just quickly. Uh, I remember seeing Ron Gar- when I got that issue as well back in the 90s. 
and it just surprised me. Like um, I was following the Charles Saul Daredevil run, and it's like, oh, that's Ron Carney. He's still going. So yeah, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's better than ever. Yeah. Oh, he's great. Yeah, fantastic. Sorry, Anthony. Um, no, no, no. That's that's fine. So, um, but I, I want to segue into that. There is a, a beautiful mirror set up to so many of the issues, particularly in part three, where. Uh, between Marlene and Scarlet and their love for Mark and you just you open up the pages and the one side is Marlene and you see images of the Conchu statue and then on the other page it's Scarlet and you see images of a crucifix and everything and mm-hmm. there's this this mirror to them um was that your idea that was written into the script yeah, or was that, was that all Ron's on the plot. idea the... that that was okay. all in the plot those kind of visual touchstones are were were all in the plot but again as we were saying before Give that to the wrong artist, and mm. it ain't gonna work. You know what I mean? Ron made sure that it all worked and worked really well. Yeah, but yeah, those yeah th- those kind of parallels and visual touchstones and and contrasts were all there in the plot. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, and um, like with this with this um, you know, uh, this arc of the the Scarlet Redemption as well. Um, I guess another question, and this is off the back of another one from Josh. Uh, he asked about um. Had was there any intent to stay there any longer, like, or or was there, uh, was it just you know, a? I, 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 I'm sure the I sure the intent was to, was to stick around, and I d- honestly don't remember why I left the book. There was no problem, you know. I was working with, I believe, Danny Fingeroth, one of my uh, favorite editors and dearest friends in the business, mm-hmm. and um, it might be that I was just I just got really really busy with other stuff, mm-hmm. and had to make a choice and and let that one go, yeah. but. Uh, but I got to tell a, a, a good, solid story at least before I left. You certainly did. I mean, you certainly picked um, some very interesting characters in the Moon Knight canon as well. I mean, uh, as you mentioned, Anthony Stained Glass Scarlet, and the comparisons that you see there with with Marlene and and you know the, the symbolisms. Um, was there a particular reason uh, why you picked Stained Glass? Was it was it because? Well, what I remember is just you know because I was not wildly familiar with Moon Knight when they asked me to take over the book. So I'm sure that they gave me a stack of issues and I went back and reread stuff mm-hmm. and just something about that character reached out to me. Yeah. You know, it's some intuitive thing where I went, this one, there's something about this woman that I find fascinating. Yeah. And so, and my, and my, my thought is always, uh, let's peel off the top of the character's head and then <laughs> dig deep into their psyche and find what's going on in there. Why do these characters do what they do? What is there in their past that drove them to become what they are now? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, as I recall, and again, it's been a long time, that's what I did with that character. Yeah. I mean, I like to think as well that um, her as a character lends itself. I mean, her relationship with Moon Knight uh, was kind of set up by Doug Mensch, uh, and it was always I, a slightly... I don't know, how would you describe it, Anthony? It was a very, um, I don't want to say vague, but they, they seemed to have a connection, but it was never really explained. And and that ambiguity, um, I think, runs through the Scarlet Redemption story, um, you know, that you handle as well. And, and you have this thing of, you know, are they are they interested in each other? Are they not? Uh, you know, one of the things that um, Josh he mentioned as well one of his favorite scenes is when Moon Knight and Scarlet are on top of the bridge and they share yeah. a kiss and then she stabs him and then she you know pushes him off it's it's this is but this is really consistent with her character because 
She was very similar to that in in the Doug Mensch run. Um, but I think also, if we can go back to um, Craven's Last Hunt as well, and the, and the way that was written, uh, there seems to be a very uh, introspective way that you your style of writing, which I, I found very um, relevant, I guess, to to the character of Scarlet. Um, yeah, so I, I guess I was just wondering if if, um, if that kind of played into why you picked her. Yeah, it just she seemed ripe for an interior exploration, you know, mm. and uh, and 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 again, just just as it was with Craven, you know, there's a there's sort of a visual story going on, but mm-hmm. as I recall, that story was very interior and very much about what was going on inside the characters as the yes. outer action was happening. You know, it's funny you mentioned that kiss on top of the bridge, and until you described it, I didn't realize it. You guys watch Game of Thrones? Yes. Oh, yes. Anthony. Yep. Yep. That climactic scene, if I don't want to get into it, if anyone hasn't seen it, where where there's a kiss and then you pull back and he's stabbed uh, there. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's the same scene. That, that is, <laughs> isn't <funny>. it? <laughs> and I didn't realize that until you mentioned it. You know, it's very funny. Yeah. That's very funny. No, it was um, a very, very, good, very good scene uh, indeed. I think well. that's the that's the one you know it's funny because you know it's been a long time since I wrote that story but that's the scene that's like branded in my brain that I really really clearly remember and mm-hmm. him under the water and and I remember we yes. played a lot with with negative space and stuff in the sequence of him Mark uh, coming back up from under the water and there'd be blank mm-hmm. panels and then panels with just words and yeah, yeah. well I mean there was uh, um, we can talk about well Anthony about literary references uh, I know you've mentioned. Yeah, uh, I there are so many literary references throughout the arc, uh, particularly William Blake, uh, both in the narration and then inside their thoughts. Uh, how did you find those references, and how did you decide which ones were pertinent enough to make it into the script? That's a great question, and I will probably have to make up an answer because I don't remember. So. Remember referencing William Blake. Well, I love Blake. I mean, so you know, Blake shows up in 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 Craven's Last Hunt, and uh, and I think you know his stuff is is incredibly poetic, very very mystical. It has layers and levels of meaning to it, and um, and and I think probably in the writing it just applied very naturally. Uh, you know, I don't seek out these things like, hmm, let me look for a literary reference. You know, I, I go to the things that I know and that I love and that that fit. And Blake is someone that I've loved since high school. It's so funny because just this morning I was on Amazon looking at collections of Blake thinking, oh, I need a new collection of Blake. Because you know? mm-hmm. I, have I have the same one uh, sitting on my shelf that I got when I was like 17. Um, so it was just a natural uh, a, a natural thing for me to to in, infuse that quality in there because that's just it's just some, a poet that I love mm-hmm. whose work resonates in such a way that it could be applied uh, across, you know, to these stories. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and every reference that was in there was so on the nose and it worked. And I guess just my, you know, I suppose as a writer, you, you, you not only write, but you read everything you can get your hands on. And so you would have this well of knowledge and references that you've, things that you've seen before and you say, okay, this would fit here and this would Mm. fit there. So I guess that, um, that it sort of makes sense to, to hear you describe it. I was just, like I said, uh, curious where yeah, it's interesting uh, because you know. I realize as you're saying this, that, you know, Blake shows up in Craven, Blake shows up here, Blake shows mm. up, uh, in the very first issue of Moonshadow as well. Wow, so, okay. yeah. so I wonder if I have to think now, I wonder if it, if it's a theme that runs through a lot more stories that I'm not even aware of. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, exactly. That you just you, you you don't know that how much of an influence he has had on you, uh, which is an interesting yeah. question as well. I'll um, just further to what Anthony is talking about um, the references, um, past and present writers. Who, who would you say uh, you know some of your favourites and um, who apart from Blake, I guess, are, are influential in your work? Love and adore Ray Bradbury. You know, mm. right up there, if I had my pantheon of literary gods and I had little statues on a prayer table or something, Bradbury would be right there. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I, I love Charles Dickens. I've been uh, rereading uh, uh, Dickens recently and reading some Dickens that I had never read before. And uh, as time goes by, I love his work even more. And another right. writer, you know, a lot of these are writers that that um, I discovered when I was a teenager or, or a young adult. And it says something about the quality of the work when it can sustain you and stay with you through your whole life. Because certain writers you love when you're young, you revisit them and it's like, oh, that was fun, but uh, I don't need to ever read that again, you know? Mm. Um, but but Bradbury and Dickens and uh, I've been rereading Kurt Vonnegut. I love Kurt Vonnegut. I've been rereading a bunch of Vonnegut lately. Um, oh, I'm unfamiliar with. Who's, uh, what works? Uh, Kurt Vonnegut? Yeah. Slaughterhouse Five, Cat's Cradle, Sirens of Titan. Okay. Oh my gosh, you should read. <laughs> God bless you, Mister Rosewater. One of my favorite books of all time. If I would recommend two books of Vonnegut, I'd recommend God bless you, Mister Rosewater, and Slaughterhouse Five. Wow. Okay. Which was made into into a very odd movie back in the seventies. Yeah. Oh, oh, Vonnegut is an incredible writer. Oh my right. gosh. Uh, um, American. You know, oh uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, very, very timeless. Uh, we read uh, quite a bit of Vonnegut in high school. Uh, it's unfortunate that I, I don't recall much of what it is that I read, but uh, I do recall he made a, a cameo appearance in Back to School, uh, the he movie, did. the Rodney Dangerfield film. Right. About, That's right. It, it was a very metatextual reference where he was hired to discuss and analyze Kurt Vonnegut books and uh, Rodney Dangerfield's character disagreed with Vonnegut's interpretation of his own writing, uh, which was the joke. So, Right. right. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I would highly recommend Vonnegut. The, uh, and gosh, so many, so many other wonderful writers, you know, that I've read over the years. Um, yeah. but, but, oh, J.D. Salinger. Love oh, J.D. Okay. Salinger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Uh, yeah. Nine Stories. Franny and Zoe is one of my favorite, favorite books of all time. Mm-hmm. And Philip K. Dick, the science fiction writer. Oh, yes. I, hate mm-hmm. to, I hate to type him as a science fiction writer because his work just, you know, explodes the genre so much. Yes. Uh, fantastic. There would be no movie like The Matrix and all that followed without Philip K. Dick's work mm, uh, back absolutely. in the 50s and the 60s. Um, uh, uh, so many more. So many more. Yeah. And comic book writers? Um Stanley and Jack Kirby, obviously, and I include Kirby as a writer, not just as an artist. Uh-huh. Uh, Steve Gerber, uh, when I was a teenager reading comics, Steve Gerber's work meant so much to me. And he's another one who kind of took the genre and exploded it uh, in, in direct so many, so many incredible directions. Um, Len Wein, who was my first real mentor in the business when I started writing comics, mm-hmm. uh, had a huge influence on me even more as a, as an editor, uh, as my editor than as a writer. And he was an amazing writer. I mean, Swamp Thing with Wien and writes and still remains some of my favorite yes. comics of all time. Yep. Um, and again, you know, so many, so many more, I, I could, you know, if we, we could spend an hour just talking about, Oh yeah, there was that. And what about, mm, you know, Jim yeah. Starlin's Warlock and what about Tomb of Dracula and what about, you know, all that stuff. But, yes. but those are the ones that come to mind immediately. 
Yeah, no, fantastic. I mean, they're all they're all fantastic. They're all good. Um, Your assignment though is to go read some Kurt Vonnegut now. You have. I, to. I am. I'm interested now. I demand like, it of you. You've piqued <laughs> my interest, so <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna hunt him down. I'm gonna just try to get uh, old school. Get a get a real book as well. So uh, a real book, right? That's right. <laughs> um, look, uh, just one other one other thing I wanted to ask as well. Um, about the writing again, um, bringing it into context with Mark Spector, Moon Knight. Um, so Chuck Dixon wrote, uh, you know, thereabouts the first twenty-four issues. I think there was one written by Howard Mackey, um, starring um, Ghost Rider as well. Uh, but Chuck Dixon, I know Howard followed me on the book, I believe as well. Yeah. Oh, okay, yes, um, yeah, he's, yeah. he's a great writer as well. I really like his stuff, um, particularly with with Ghost Rider. Um, but anyway, so Chuck Dixon uh, handled the first 24 issues or so, and uh, and he's been on record as well as saying that there was an editorial choice to portray Moon Knight a particular way. Uh, hence, I guess, the title, Mark Spector, Moon Knight. Um, just concentrate on that one identity, uh, maybe concentrate more on his uh, mercenary um, past and uh, and I guess his crime fighting as a caped, caped crusader. Now... Um, after his 24 issues, we get the Scarlet Redemption, which kind of turned things on its head. Uh, and um, I just was wondering, um, like, how how did that? How was that taken? Like, with the with the editors uh, when you pitched the Scarlet Redemption, um, was it was it something they were looking for? Like, a, a, a no, no, short, no, no. They, they, I was just asked if I wanted to write the book and, and yeah. uh, I agreed. And then, like, as I said, immersed myself and read a bunch of back issues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, Danny Fingeroth, uh, is someone that we have a great relationship and he really trusted me mm-hmm. and I trusted him. And he just let me write the story that I wanted to write. There was no editorial direction at all. Okay. Said you must do this or go this way or go that way at all. Mm-hmm. I just told the story that I wanted to tell. And I had a lot of freedom on that story, a yeah. lot of freedom. Yeah, because yeah, certainly because we we actually do see a lot of the relationship of Mark and Conchu, like in that in that arc, which you don't you you don't actually see that much in uh, the Dixon kind of run through. It's pretty much well. Just... I'm always attracted to the mystical side of things and the mm. spiritual side of things, and when you have a character like that, I think you have to explore that. It's yes. there in the character, you know. Oh, absolutely, and and you mentioned it um, just a little bit earlier as well. One of the uh, the strongest scenes I I thought were, were the underwater ones as well. Um, just, yes, just that kind of I don't know the vibe of him in there. Uh, yeah, was um, yeah really 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 memorable, and and him dealing with his dad and and some other apparitions that that come that way. I was I was going to add that. Um... Your, that this run delved into a lot of that uh, spiritual connection with Conchu that really wasn't um, utilized that much in this Moon Knight era. We see nowadays, uh, particularly following the Charlie Houston bottom run, that Conchu takes a much more active role uh, in Mark's life and Moon Knight's crime fighting, so to speak, as as a more active participant. But in that era, Conchu wasn't nearly as involved as the sort of looming specter no pun intended but yeah. your run really i guess pre um was sort of like a precursor to a lot of the stuff that we see nowadays where yes. Conchu is Absolutely. is a, a member a supporting member of the cast so that's i guess uh, very uh, prescient of you to to be able to say okay i want to include Conchu as 
as this force, this character in the story um, years before it became commonplace. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, as I said, you know, I'm just I'm very, very interested in in not just the psychological but the spiritual dimensions of our life. Mm-hmm. And when you have a character like that who is directly connected to a god, yes, I'm going to want to explore that. Yeah. it's just it's just sure. it's just in it's just in my nature. You know, someone else it might be like oh, I don't want to go there. That's you know that's not mm. interesting to me. I want to make him be more like Batman or whatever. You know. Yes. Um, but but that that aspect of the character uh, fascinated me. Yeah, I, I, I'm so so glad that they gave you that freedom to to do it because uh, it, it it ends up being one of the most memorable runs in Mark Spector, uh, Moon Knight. So really, you great. know, what's what's astonishing to me, I have to say, which I, why I'm really enjoying this conversation. It was a short run, and I really never heard much of anything about it over the years. You know, that's why oh, even really? last year when you came up to me at New York Comic Con, I was like, really. Really? That's so cool because because I, I I don't really hear about it and to and to hear um, that you not just enjoyed those stories but that you really consider them something special is very gratifying for me all these years later to hear that. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah said, that's that's why I, it was yeah. such a big thing for me to meet mm-hmm. you at Comic Con because like I said I had gotten Ron Garney's uh, autograph on the books. I got Bill Sienkiewicz because he did all the covers. I even was able to track down Danny Fingeroth, who was at Comic-Con last year. And oh, then that's I said, great. I said, JMD Mateus is here. I have to, I will do whatever. We we set my wife and her friend, uh, neither of whom give two hoots about Moon Knight, sat mm-hmm. through the entire panel with me as I sat there just enraptured because I said, I'm going to be JMD Mateus. <laughs> like, so you didn't really, you didn't really care what we were talking about on the panel. You were just waiting <laughs> to get those books signed. Oh, no, I was, I was absolutely interested in everything that you were talking about and i left there very intrigued by i think it was the burger books panel um, yeah that's what it was yep yep and i, I left there uh, very interested in some of the, the books but it was just more that i'm in the same room as jmd mateus and oh my god i'm gonna have him write these books <laughs> it was great. just it was such a, a geek out moment for me personally so thank you and for I, that what i'm saying is i and i really appreciate uh the love that you feel for this story it, it means something yeah. to me so thank you as well Oh, look, it's it's one of those things that is continuing to, to bring pleasure to a lot of fans. People that are just finding out about Moon Knight as well, uh, which is which is a great thing um, to actually read these stories that were written before. And, and, yeah, and they still hold relevance to a lot of people. So, yeah, no, thank you as well for, for writing such such great stuff. Um, well, I mean, now as we're talking about it, it'd be great if Marvel would collect that story, wouldn't it be? It would. It would be well, so. I, I'm eyeing the epic collections. I'm hoping that they'll collect Mark Spector Moon Knight. That hasn't been reprinted anywhere, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping that will be part of it. I mean, it has to be part of it. It's it's in there, right smack bang in the middle. But um, well, you know, here's the good news. You know, Marvel is like exploiting every character they can. It's only a matter of time before there's a Moon Knight movie or TV show, and once yeah, that exactly. happens, they'll reprint everything. Yeah, yeah. We just got to wait. Play the waiting game. Yeah. <laughs> um, JM, look, it, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you as well. I mean, um, thank you so much, uh, Anthony. It's been really good. Um, thank you for coming on. Uh, look, it's always great to chat with you. Um, we should get absolutely you on the same, show. my friend. Yeah, uh, more. I'm. I'm sorry. Like uh, the little fella's crying up a storm, so I might, I might have to. Um, <laughs> might have to take leave. But uh, before we go, JM, uh, where can people find you, or where can people contact you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter mm-hmm. um, and on Facebook. And at my website, jmdmateus.com. So between those three things, you can track me down. And I, and, and I have to say that I really enjoy uh, 
the contacts with uh, the people that read and enjoy my work on Twitter and on Facebook. Uh, I know a lot of people have very negative experiences on social media. Mm -hmm. I have basically had nothing but positive experiences with the fans. And it's a really, it's a really nice opportunity to connect with, to connect with people. So feel Mm -hmm. free to pop up on Twitter and say hello or come on over to Facebook or my website. And I will try to, I try to answer everybody that contacts me. Yeah, that, that's really accommodating as well. Because as a fan, to to you know social social media, it's it's a it's a revelation, is it? To be able to actually contact um, you know someone that you look up to, someone that you follow, uh, and to actually interact with them is is amazing. So uh, and it's just as important for us as creators to have mm, that interaction. Because mm. you know? I always say we spend most of our time alone in a room playing with our imaginary friends, yeah. and it's nice to have a connection with those people that are reading and enjoying our work and maybe, you know, once in a thousand times, some weird person pops up, but yeah, yeah it doesn't matter because 99 and nine tenths percent of the time, really, really nice people. And it's nice to have that connection and contact. Oh, that's fantastic. No, excellent. Um, yeah, well on that note, um, thank you once again, all of everything that we discussed will be in the show notes. Just check it out. Looney's, uh, as mentioned, uh, please check out James uh, Moonshadow, the definitive edition. That is, uh, sorry, that has come. That's coming out early June. That'll or, be out on Wednesday. Add on Wednesday. Okay. So I'll repeat all the plugs. The Moonshadow comes out on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Impossible Incorporated is out now in a trade paperback. Girl in the Bay trade paperback will be out in August, and my workshop will be in November. Has covered it all. <laughs> Great, thank you very much. And uh, all right, thanks, guys. I really enjoyed this. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you very much, Jam. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Bye. 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 Hey there, everyone. I'd like to tell you about the YouTube channel. I am your target demographic. If you're a fan of comics, we have plenty that you'll enjoy over there, including a series called Heroes Like Us that explores comic characters of all sorts of different identities. And we even have a series that defines words that are used in nerd culture that you may not know what they mean. So you can check us out by heading to YouTube and searching I Am Your Target Demographic or look up IAYTD on any social media outlet. Hello, loony listeners. I've always wanted to say that. It is I, Brian, one half of Inner Demons, the Ghost Rider podcast. And on behalf of Chris and myself... We would just like to say a very big congratulations to the entire gang over at Into the Night, the Moon Knight podcast, for 100 amazing episodes. You guys rock. Ray, Connor Shue, Rebecca, and company, keep up the great work. We love what you do. Yes, welcome back, Looney listeners. You are listening again to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast, episode 100. Uh, what you just heard was our interview with J.M. DeMatisse, um, legendary writer of Marvel and of other things as well. Uh, really good to have a chat with him. Also, a little after the break, you would have heard some, uh, another thank you, another huge well wish from from Brian, our our friends from Inner Demons, a Ghostwriter podcast. Thank you so much, Brian, for your well wishes. Uh, these guys, we. We teamed up with them and a couple of other podcasts, Defenders TV podcasts and Sons of the Dragon, the Immortal Iron Fist podcast. We did that Damnation crossover uh, early on uh, in our 100-episode run. So, uh, you know, we we love these guys. Um, They have an absolutely awesome podcast on Ghost Rider. So if you want to know more about Ghost Rider, check them out on Twitter 
and uh, check out their podcast as well. Uh, so yeah, thank you. Uh, anyway, I wanted to open to you guys, and we kind of, kind of covered, I guess, um, with our discussion earlier on. I was thinking, right, the other day, you know, we've done a hundred episodes. I was thinking of the things that occurred for Moon Knight during that course of a hundred, right? So, um, we got, uh, the Funko Pops, you know, just off the top of my head, we got the Funko Pops, the toy figures. Um, we got the Marvel pinball Moon Knight, which was pretty, pretty fun. <coughs> it's a good time. Yeah, it was a good time. So we got obviously the big one. We got Max Bemis's um, Bemis's run. Uh, I think Connor, you and I, we started. We were retrospectively kind of reviewing the Lumiere run, so that had been already, you know, well well done. Um, what else was there? There was the the Iraq night that happened. There was the Damnation crossover. So I wanted to put it to to you guys as well. Uh, say say we did another hundred episodes, um, and we've kind of covered it before what would uh, what would you like to see um us eventually talk about and review um in the next what's 100 episodes what one and a half years two years for moon knight um chad again you mentioned obviously a a, a series a comic book series would be good with uh with jason aaron um yeah which which would be good. I can't really go any any further on with that. Yeah, uh, Rebecca as well. Any any uh, crossovers? Well, I guess this, I guess that's the dream. Um, crossovers. I'd like to see him in a team. I'd like a team. Book a regular team. Me. Yeah. Um. Yeah. A regular team book. That would be good because then would have like touch wood would have a solo title and would have him in a team as well, something like the Sacred Avengers or. Yeah, thund- yeah. or if it's spun out from War of the Realms, he could be with our boy Hercules, oh, and me and Ray could just, <laughs> just nerd out would... over you, over it all for you, like, and you won't, you won't know what to do with it, really. <laughs> yeah, that would be it. We'd have to close shop, and we'd just have to talk about Hercules. Yeah, yeah we'd have to. Yeah, we would have to close shop and just talk too much about this. Stuff. Um, no, I'd like to see that. I well, um, I'd like to see him in in the new game thing that's about to be announced. Yeah, that would be good. I mean, because he he was his kind of lingering isn't he i mean we we mentioned connor you mentioned a lot of loonies got introduced to moon knight through through games uh it would be silly not to have him in more games uh ua3 would be good um, any chance it's a bit of a tall ask any chance of a moon knight video game itself i'd i'd, uh, I'd say no, no for now. yeah yeah it would be good though i i uh, i I I do not that in yeah it would be great yeah um I think there's a lot you could do but I think I I I still feel Marvel there's a few things they need to sort of like rationalize with Moon Knight yeah currently uh like about some of the supernatural stuff and where he fits in mythology and where he fits in with the rest of the world right now and uh True. what they're gonna do about his family and well bemis has like opened a lot of things hasn't he so yeah. there's more things to explore but you're right i mean the last if you look at the last two runs they're very much um uh you know kind of introverted or introverted, dealing with me not you know yeah uh, with it. and and we don't get much of that kind of how he interacts with the rest of the marvel universe so it would be good to see Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Konishu as well. Um, would you get any more statues? Say, for instance, we we got the announcement of the statues. Uh, Diamond Select 
that that awesome statue that a lot of the news have, and we have that Mezco. That's is that oh, right? that's yeah, that's coming out. That looks fantastic. A little bit pricey, but um, not bad for the quality. Of me. Yeah, yeah. Would you um, be, would you be kind of looking at that? I mean, I know you have a few figures here and there. Well, actually, I think Moon Knight's done pretty well with the high end figures, and the problem with high end figures one. Is a very closed market on that. Yeah. And two, you can't saturate that market without killing that market. So what I really like, and I got reminded because someone else I know uh, actually ended up buying the, it's not Black Series, it's Legends figure uh-huh. of Moon Knight. I love, we know we talk about Merchant for just more good figures out there. Yes. Just any sort of thing. And, you know, when he enters more games and more supplement material, you know, you get extra figures out uh, that can appeal to those lines but yeah just sort of lego other sort of figures maybe even in like you know he's appeared in the spider-man cartoon have appeared some other cartoons you can get figures with that just something that's and that's kind of the appeal of pops as well something that's just hits a much wider market even if it's not as nice a figure it's still a figure it's still something people want something people are seeing so that's Mm -hmm. That's what I'd love to see. Because yeah. I'm probably going to get that Mezco Toys figure, but I'm not going to want to buy another Moon Knight figure for another at least a year or two, but some, yeah. find something small, you know, that's... Yeah. You don't ever want to not buy Tat, do you? Buy, sorry? Buy what? Buy Tat. No, he's Tat. Oh. Yeah, he's, yeah. Connor's totally right. Tat is where it's I at. I love a bit of Tat. Okay, yeah. Who doesn't? He loves a bit of, um, bit of, what was it, Gold? Um, that that toy, toy biz. Oh toy. God! We're gonna get another one Fucking of them happening, Mister Hercules, <laughs> as featured on Dexter. Look, you know, I'd like to see with the you know, just further on to your point, Connor, as well. The Funko Pops. I'd love to see a expansion of an expansion of Moon Knight characters. Like, would it be cool to see Bushman, like uh, Funko Pop. Be great to see Randall Specter. Marlene, Crawley, Jenna, that'd be great, I think. You know, um, try to get a bit more of Moon Knight's corner out there. I know it's a bit of a stretch, but like, you know, Funko Pops, they do release a, a ton of characters, and a lot of them aren't, you know, A listers. They do different variations. I think that would be really cool. Um, uh, of course, uh, another statue, actually, another Marvel's Legends figure, as well as you mentioned, would be. Would be great. Maybe a Mister Knight one would be good. Oh um, yeah, kind of complement mm. complement uh, the Funko Pops. That would be great. Uh, you know, as we mentioned, um, uh, comic book series, of course. Uh, I think that's a great idea, Rebecca, about him in a team. Let's get him in more than one title. Uh, let Let's have him kind of. Uh, and I'm thinking that from a an angle of the Fantasy Comic League as well, you know. We could actually start picking Moon Knight because <laughs> it actually generates some points for your for your division. That, I mean, that would be cool. Um, <coughs> Midnight Suns. Oh, Midnight Suns. Yeah, yes. well, always, yeah. That would be great. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, the sky's the limit, really. And, uh, and of course, something on, on TV or on uh, in the cinemas for Moon Knight would be would be good realistically look i'm i'm gonna realistically it's a long way out it is but i'm, I'm gonna actually just say realistically uh maybe even a nod or an easter egg or something in in some mcu film would be cool i i i think i think that'll definitely happen i th- i mean i i i think it is only a matter of time um i just feel that like <sighs> 
giving putting him in the spotlight means they do need to be quite careful about how they show mental health issues. Yes. And that's not a bad thing, and they're doing much better with representation generally. So I think they can do it. Uh, they've shown they can tell decent stories on TV that touch on mental health. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's impossible. I just think that I can understand why Moon Knight gives people a pause. Yes. Because insanely cool character, insanely cool look, insanely cool tie-in with supernatural and mythology... But there is that you have to do this right. Yeah, you don't want to mess it because up. Because it, it could... I mean, just just from a responsibility point of view, you know, like, and I, you know, I understand that a lot of people think, oh, people just whine at anything. And it's like, you know, there's a lot of people struggling with mental health issues now. And uh, you just want to try and get it... I mean, obviously, you're, it's, you're talking about in the prism of a superhero universe, so it's not going to be... It doesn't have to be how things actually are for somebody with DID, but it at least has to take that on board and not do anything stupid about it. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, if it... I mean, it was in the comic, I think you have a little bit more leeway because, it, number one, you don't have the same level of size of audience. And I'm not saying that means you should get it wrong in a comic. I just mean... In a comic, people to be tend to be in it for multiple issues. Yes. But in, in your first hour of a TV show or your two-hour film, um, you've just got to be... Even if it's just having somebody who knows about DID aboard to just say, these are the actual meds he'd take, or this is, you know, like... Uh, you know, yeah, something like I know, that. I know what you mean. It's, it's kind of like, without trying to, um, trying to kind of tread carefully here, like... If it makes sense, like in comics, it's um, like when when we look at something like a something on TV or film, uh, we tend to kind of believe it more. I, I guess there's, there's a more realistic realism, like there's more realism. I, th- to I it. think I think we attach it to real people yeah. more. Whereas a comic, because you're seeing, yeah, it. you can get away with it because it's yeah. I mean, nothing to take away with comics, of course, but it's it's this is a comic. I mean, I, you know, I think comics should be as responsible as they can mm. be as well. Oh, of course. I'm just saying, like, but there is a massive audience. And it's not even that I'm saying they've done it badly. In com- I mean, obviously, we're not talking about 70s and whatever. Um, but what I mean is that uh, I can understand why a studio head would go, ha, huh, let's go think about this one. Not let's not do I mean, because uh, okay, actually the biggest um, comparison is probably with Legion. Uh, and they've actually done that incredibly well. So there's proof there that you can show someone who has um, personality, mental health issues. Uh, God knows what le- uh, Legion's always. I don't. I'm not even going to try and get this like politically correct like language about. But you know, Legion obviously has these personalities in his brain. Uh, so, but they've managed to do that on the TV show. But I can understand why there's an extra stage. Um, a gay character or a female character or character like any of these characters uh, I'm sure Shang-Chi's having the same like can we do this you know especially after the Iron Fist Fury um, there is just a if we're going to do it we want to do it well and we want to come out and do a Black Panther or a Captain Marvel you know like we don't want to come out and do yeah a, a shoddy job and then and open ourselves up for it so i think but i do think it's a matter of time because i do think he's insanely cool yeah, yeah. and and i'm saying insanely just because i'm using the word not because of me <laughs> yeah, uh yeah. great look very cinematic look yeah yeah 
Uh, and so I do th- I think it's a matter of time, but I, I hope it's sooner rather than later. I mean, also as well, I mean, again, off the back of your comments there, Rebecca, is it safe to say as well? I mean, there's a lot financially riding on a TV show or a film, you, you know. Uh, there's probably, yeah, there's, I think there's more of a reputation hit as well. Yeah. Than I mean, you know, if you do look at some, you know, for right or wrong, if you look at some of the arguments over Iron Fist and, and the Inhumans, yeah. Not not being great, <laughs> um, and I'm saying that the Inhumans wasn't great there before Connor comes for me. <laughs> Iron Fist, not this Connor. <laughs> oh the yeah, other the other Connor. Connor yeah, um, yeah, the other Connor. Because um, I quite liked Iron Fist, so I'm not going to get into yeah, that. Yeah, but, um, yeah, but but it definitely gave them a, a big reputation hit. They then had to try and get over before Defenders, and Inhumans gave them that slam and. Uh, you know, they want to have... I mean, any company would want to have as few of those as possible. Yeah. Yeah, I feel so sorry for the humans. Like, just got utterly demolished, you know, even before, you know, one episode, two episodes got released. Uh, but it wasn't good either. I mean, and I love... I guess the, the, the bar you know, is like, high. I, I, I love the humans, and I really enjoyed watching it all. I, I I genuinely enjoyed it, but it wasn't good. It wasn't good. I, I'm still I'm looking for the Blu-ray of it as well. <laughs> I would like the collection because right. um, it would be fun to re recollect. But um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. I mean, there you go. I mean, plenty plenty of options there. Hopefully, actually, I wanted to. Huh, it's just coming to me now. I wanted to actually put it to to the three of you as well. Uh, some predictions. So if we kind of like earmark now what we predict over the next and it's a big scope over the next hundred episodes what you reckon would land so um chad for you um can we put you up against a a new series for moon knight that's pretty pretty realistic isn't it i wouldn't say a new series i am definitely saying that he's going to be part of something like a permanent cast of something okay so chad's prediction i'm gonna say um, over the next course of the 100 episodes we do for ITK, at some point we'll be reviewing uh, Moon Knight in some capacity in some team as well. Uh, Connor, your prediction, uh, were you looking at uh, maybe you were talking about toy figures? Is there a prediction there? I'm going to say Moon Knight gets a, you know, a bigger character role in one of in an upcoming cartoon in a new slate of cartoons oh, that'd be awesome. that will coming eventually. Yes, because there are a lot of Marvel cartoons out at the moment, aren't there? So there's a good chance of that. Okay, so Connor's Connor's locked in there for an animated <coughs> animated appearance. Rebecca, um, um hmm, what do I think? Uh, in the next so year and a half. <coughs> yep. Uh, yeah, year and a half or so. Yeah, next hundred episodes. By the time we get to episode uh, two hundred, we'll reflect on all these. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> <laughs> Long way ahead. Yeah. Uh, um, I think Moon Knight and a team go on. I'll put my money. Moon Knight and team as well. Okay, lock you in, Eddie, yeah. for that one. I'm gonna go a little. I'm gonna branch out a little here. Uh, why not? Got nothing else to lose. I reckon an overhaul of Moon Knight. Uh, whether, again, the mantle of Moon Knight be taken by someone else or or there being maybe an all, uh, what is it, ultimate universe or something of them. We, we get another depiction of Moon Knight. Um, and actually, excluding Arachnite, because we know that that's coming. 
So yeah, that's next. That's cup. That's July, right? Yeah, exactly. So uh, excluding that, um, there's going to be some other iteration of Moon Knight that we'll get. So let's let's put those in loonies um, and tune in over the next year and a half, and we'll see if those <laughs> uh, those come to fruition. Anyway, uh, we are going to uh, press on, and we have another dear conchu this time from Dustin Cold Case. Kurt, so uh, let's um, let's play Dustin's letter to Conchu. Oh, Conchu, my name is Dustin Coldcase Kurt, and my question is: I just watched the Netflix Ted Bundy movie, and are they ever going to make a movie with Ted Bundy where they portray him as the bumbling buffoon that he actually was? That he was just dumb luck that was what got him, you know, off everything that he got off of it so long. Just wondering. Thank you. Yes, that was Dustin Colcase's uh, question that he put forth to the deity, the uh, the god of vengeance, the god of the moon in Egyptian mythology, Khonshu. And uh, and again, I'd like to throw to our our hosts, um, starting with Connor. This is a bit of a weird one. So Dustin, um, he threw me with this. <laughs> I'm sure he threw Khonshu mm-hmm. with it. Um, what do you think? Do you think Ted Bundy will ever be portrayed? As the bumbling buffoon, as as Dustin says, uh, that he should be portrayed as in a Netflix or another stream service. Hmm. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I um. Yeah. Is this about Moon Knight or about Ted Bundy? It's a. Bit, yeah. <laughs> it's a. I was about to, I, I was think, about to open up I a point about... I think it's about just about Ted Bundy. I think Ted Bundy, which is fantastic. We had no limits to the, the questions to ask Conchie. You could literally ask him anything. So Dustin's gone another route, and he's asked about Ted Bundy, which is fine. Um, <laughs> well, well, you know, honestly, yes. I guess to that Ted Bundy, I do have kind of a few problems with that latest, um, that Zac Efron movie. Was it something no. vicious, vile? Something and... evil and whatever. Oh, yeah. was that on Wicked, Ted Bundy, was Wicked's it? Wicked's in there somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That one does, yeah. That one really plays it up in a really, in some ways, uncomfortable ways. It's almost trying to be. I don't. It you know it doesn't quite want to, but in some ways, there's some film marketing techniques that almost portray him as a did he actually do it sort of thing. It's right. Like make up your own mind. So you know what? I'd say I'd say Conchie wants to see justice done. We we don't want glorification of serial killers. Ooh, so good points. Pointing out. Point it out. Point it out, Freaking set Ted Bundy's depiction on the straight and narrow. Fair enough. That's good. Uh, Chad as well. Any any thoughts on Ted Bundy's depiction in uh, in the Netflix Netflix film and in uh, potentially other films? Honestly, I I think that it was a quality screenplay, but it oh. definitely uh, depicted him as way more intuitive and sharp okay. than he actually was. Um, right. I watched it, and it just, I don't know, it seemed a little off that it would take such a long time to catch him when really he was, like, spacing it out more. Right. You know, it, okay. I don't know, it just bothered me. So I could definitely see it being defamed eventually, that mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. just, he's not that sharp of attack. Okay, I mean, like... I'm a total layman with this sort of stuff as well. I, cause the only things I know about Ted Bundy, obviously, the, the, the things that he did, but 
Um, I thought I thought he was sharp as attack because uh, like, didn't he defend himself? Um, you know, defended himself uh, in court. I mean, that's all I know, really. I mean, Rebecca, do you do you know much about? No, I don't. I I a lot of my work in the past has had to deal with serial oh, killers God. and killers in general, yeah. and I tend not to read about them or watch anything about them yeah. because. Uh, I don't think they need the infamy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to be spread to a wider audience. I think they should oh, yeah, disappear into nothingness and the people who read about them should be the people who need to learn the lessons about the investigation, yep. not necessarily the general public. I'm like, I'm really weird about it. I write, I spend a lot of my time working, looking at pretty nasty stuff and uh, I wouldn't watch it. And I oh, that would definitely taint your views. I'm that, sure, yeah. It, it taints my view about like what what kind of publicity you should give to these people. I mean, look, I've watched I've watched loads of Jack the Ripper films. So mm. Like once they're dead, and once or once they're like, like a sufficient amount of time. But I don't know. I just I'm not interested in the glamorization of it. And I understand why people are morbidly fascinated with what makes human beings act that way and there is a value to it and i i've watched plenty of these myself so there's definitely hypocrisy in there it's just currently that's not where i go to seek my entertainment and, and yeah, I... it is not meant as a diss on anyone who does um and i agree with uh with chad that conchu would not really you know mm. maybe down the line there'll be a better version of it as there is everything yeah. but um I, I guess what we want is is a is a accurate depiction of someone so it would be good that if this isn't accurate uh, again i don't know too much about ted bunny <clears throat> i think it's i think it's fairly glamorized right, version of it, right. from what i understand <laughs> yeah well um yeah let's hopefully hopefully someone some filmmaker will will come up maybe kaden batera maybe alex lumen um will pick it up pick up the ball and run with it uh we never know but yeah no thank you so much dustin cold case uh, and it's timely that you do send us a conchu, a dear conchu, because I think it's time, guys, to uh, to delve into again our ITK serial, the hunt for conchu's golden scepter. So we have part two here, uh, and uh, a couple of other, well, a few other loonies make an appearance in this ongoing ongoing saga for, um, you know, the search for conchu's scepter. So uh, take it away. Serial. Tommy, thanks for making contact. I'm still looking for that golden scepter. 
Have you had any luck on your end? Let's walk. Another round, please, senor. Thank you. I mean, why isn't Moon Knight on the case for this? Won't this sort of thing be the thing that superheroes do? True, I reckon it would. But no one really knows what he actually sounds like. And this being a radio play and all, I mean, Gideon Emery is just too damn expensive too. There are also potential legal and licensing infringements. I mean, I could give it a go. <clears throat> I'm Moon Knight. No, no, hang on. <clears throat> I'm Moon Knight. I'm Moon Knight. Wait up. Who's that in the booth over there? Where? Don't turn around. Just look. How can I without... Oh, he's coming this way. Hi, Priest Rebecca. High Priest Ray. Under Conchu's eye. You're here no doubt looking for Conchu's scepter. And to take in the sights of Bosca Verde. What have you got? Well, there's a really nice monument to the founder of Bosca Verde in the main square. I think Rebecca means, what have you got on the scepter? Oh, right. Well, you know how I always say, if there ain't no death and destruction, there ain't no point. Uh, Okay. Well, me and Josh decided to raid the safe house of one of the local Busca Verdian cartels to kind of shake the tree, see what falls out. You and... No, you don't mean Josh Geronimo Johnson. Together, you guys were both wanted in three states. And Busca Verde has only three states. Get down! Hey guys, what's happening? Hello, I'm Anthony. And I'm Dr. Issues. And we're hosts of Capes on the Couch, the podcast where comics get counseling. Superheroes don't always get to go home happy. That's where we come in. We offer psychiatric and mental health analysis of comic book characters. So check us out at capesonthecouch.live and across all social media platforms at Capes on the Couch. Yes, welcome back, loony listeners. This is the 100th episode of Into the Night, colloquially known as ITK. You are with Konishu, Rebecca, Chad, and myself, Ray. And we are pressing on with this mammoth, a mammoth episode. It's going to be a big one. So strap yourselves in, you know, turn out the lights. Uh, you know, shut the blinds and just enjoy it for all it is. Uh, so you, what you just heard there was uh, part two of our ITK serial, The Hunt for Conchu's Golden Scepter. It's all uh, ramping up there. There's a bit of a cliffhanger there with uh, with Josh and his best impression of the Punisher or something like that. So let's see what happens next towards the end of this show. But before that, we have another massive interview 
for your listening pleasure. I'd like to announce that we have an interview with, uh, I had the pleasure of speaking to Greg Smallwood, uh, one of the more recent ITK alumni. Those of you will know, he coupled with Jeff Lemire on a very, a very stellar run. And, uh, and I got to have a, a quick chat with him about, um, about his love of comics and uh, what he reads and uh, his involvement in Moon Knight. So I'm going to throw it to that and uh, we'll see you on the other side of this. Yes, welcome Looney listeners. This is our 100th episode of Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. This is a um, celebratory interview, actually, um, to celebrate our 100th issue. And uh, we wanted to do something really nice for the Loonies. So I am very pleased to announce that we have uh, Moon Knight alumni Greg Smallwood to, uh, with us. How are you, Greg? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Yeah, good, good. I am very excited to uh, to chat with you about Moon Knight. Um, uh, as I mentioned just before we, we hit the record button, uh, many of the loonies are just massive fans of yours. So um, I'm hoping to do this uh, this interview justice, but at the same time, it, it's good to just have a chat with you and, you know, see how things go. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so look, you know, first off the cuff, and we, we generally ask some of our guests anyway, um, current pull list. So, what what's on your plate uh, at the moment? Like, what are you reading? Um, you know, not necessarily Marvel, but but any of the publishers. Um, I uh, I don't actually have a pull list anymore. So it's just whatever grabs me. I'm, I usually um, will pick up a a random single issue here and there, and if I enjoyed it, I might wait and you know wait for the mm-hmm. trade. Um. um yeah, usually I, I'm I'm reading old comics, but uh, oh, oh yeah, they're good as a, well. Kaiju <laughs> Max, uh, which is published by Oni, um, ah. by Xander Cannon. I I love that guy's work, so uh, that's kind of I I mean I figured I'd like it, and um, buddy of mine recommended it, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I I, I loved uh, he did Heck, which is um, was part of his uh, double barrel. Uh, online webcomic thing and uh oh. winning an eisner but that's that's the book i i usually recommend to people if they want to read xander okay. cannon but kaiju max is is uh equally awesome okay um, and look just forgive my total ignorance um i, I live a very blinkered comic book <laughs> <laughs> um fandom uh kaiju is it like pacific Rim? are we talking like monsters uh how would i pitch it it's like um it's yeah. It's it's if you took yeah Godzilla kaiju monsters and you I, you combine it with like The Wire or Oz, oh. you know, shows, and it's wow. yeah. But and it's drawn in a really cartoony, very stylized um, way. But but at the same time, it's got some real uh, pathos to it. It's it's not uh, it's not very kiddy and yeah. it's. Uh, it can be very humorous, but also very serious. I, I, it's it's one of those books that you can't really describe how the tone is going to be. Uh, you just kind of have to read it for yourself, and and then uh, uh, yeah, because yeah, I, I some you know uh, my buddy pitched it to me, and I was like, I don't know, I I'm not really like a big Japanese monsters guy. I know that it's Sander mm-hmm. Cannon. I, I thought, well, 
I mean, I'll probably like it, but it's just, and it didn't seem like it was really my thing, but then I ended up reading it and I, I loved it. So yeah, oh, I wow. definitely, definitely so, recommend. So it's very much a recent, kind of a recent thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. They just released, um, only just released a, I don't know, a compendium. Um, I guess you uh-huh. could call it at the first, like two trade paperbacks in it. Um, oh, okay. They're going by seasons, if I if I remember correctly. So, like, the first trade is called season one, the second is like season two, and, and so okay. on. So, but uh, great, great book. Um, yeah, I think it kind of. Xander is just one of these guys who's just kind of operating along the fringes of the mainstream, just producing really, really solid work. So I, uh, I'm always. Is it- is he a writer and, and an artist? Or? Yeah, he is a, a writer and an artist. He actually got – first time I noticed him, I don't know what his – I can't remember what his first work was. Um, but I noticed him on uh, Smacks that he did with Alan Moore when Alan Moore was doing his America's Best Comics. Oh, okay. And they did a book together. And uh, um, and then I just kind of – you know, I would see him pop up from here, you know, here and there. And then, and then eventually – um, uh, he, uh, got together with Kevin Cannon, who's, who's no relation. They just happen to have the same last name, strangely enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Xander Cannon has done this, um, this Kaiju Max thing and you, and you mentioned about Heck and him, uh, working with Alan Moore, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, Superhero wise, though, I mean, what 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 has has he done any like superhero kind of things as well, or is that what Alan Moore has? I'm very unfamiliar with um, a lot of Alan Moore's stuff. <laughs> this is going to sound weird because I've obviously only really worked in superhero comics for a few exceptions, but um, I uh, I didn't you know I didn't really grow up reading a ton of superhero comics. You know, I read it. Oh, okay. It was, um, you know, I, I, my my favorite comics growing up were. Um, you know, Bone and uh, The Rocketeer and okay. Zenozoic Tales and, and stuff like that. I was always, uh, I mean, I did read uh, Batman. I read like Nightfall when that came out. I was, you know, super pumped. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read uh, I read Hulk by Peter David when he did his long run. <sighs> on, Love that. Uh, yeah. That was, that was definitely probably... Yeah, that was definitely my first real superhero run that I read was was Hulk by Peter David. Um, that's what I got into, and then okay. and then after that I got into um, Flash, which uh, oh. Wade did with uh, I think Waringa. And, yeah. Was that because of the TV show? There was a one season TV show with um... into it. It was actually really disappointing uh, for me as a <laughs> someone watching the TV show. And I I grew up. You know, with the uh, superpowers action figures. I always loved the figures and I loved the cartoons. Uh-huh. Anytime they did a cartoon, I was always you know, devouring it. But, um, yeah, the, uh, my, my real, um, entry point for Flash, yeah, was that, was that TV show they did, which I still love. I think it's great. But it is pretty cool. It's a little campy. Mark Hamill's a bit, a bit weird uh, as the yeah. trickster, but <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I mean, it, looking back, I yeah. how camp it was, but at the time, I took yeah. it very seriously. But yeah, we went to a, yeah, went to a comic book convention. Um, I, you know, probably the year it came out, and uh, and then I, I found out, you know, my my dad and I were looking for Flash comics for me to read, and then that's when uh-huh. I found out 
Barry Allen had died in the comics, and I was like, what? No. So the first five <laughs> were you know, Wally West comics, and at first I was like, yeah. how oh, about Barry Allen, you know? And uh, yeah. That was, yeah. Was it, the, was it your first? Ex- sorry, um, sorry, Greg. No. Was it your um? Was it your first exposure to a comic book death? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably thinking oh this is a be all and end all but you know a couple of months down the track he's back or you know <laughs> as it always goes um sorry i cut you off there. no 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 it was just yeah it was eye-opening it was uh it like you mm. said it was my first uh exposure to uh major comic book death of course i didn't actually explain yeah. why it was going on it you know, I found out years later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But now I, I, every time I see a, a new fan walk into the store and they kind of, you know, you know, I've, I've been in a comic book shop where, you know, someone's experienced that where they come in, you know, and they're like, Hey, I want to, <laughs> you know, I don't know something about, you know, Captain America. And they're like, Oh, well, you know, yeah. Steve Rogers. Uh, yeah. Not quite Captain America right now, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. I think back. I, it's always that time. Yeah, found out that Barry Allen yeah. was dead. So, yeah. yeah, that that was your moment where uh, that was your kind of um, turning point, I guess. Because <laughs> yeah. it's always a way, isn't it? Like, there's always, um, you know, as you can say, as some people say, like always a disappointment in the in the fact that there's no norm. You know, if it's not one character, it's another character that you like that isn't quite how you originally yeah. perceived it. And um, yeah, but that's the nature of comics, and I guess the story, right? Uh, story. Uh, writing in general, uh, you got to keep it fresh. You got to keep it interesting. So mm-hmm. uh, stuff like you know Dan Slot with Superior Spider Man, and you hear these death threats and all this, and sooner or later he's back. <laughs> so it's uh, it all finds its way. It all sorts itself out in the wash. So Greg, did you grow up in a in a comic book kind of household? You mentioned your dad and yourself went to conventions. Was your dad a collector? Yeah, actually he was, um, and he. He collected probably for the same reason that I I still collect now. It's um, maybe for the art, you know. I um, I, mean, I, I yeah. definitely read a lot of comics, but um, the yeah the big the big draw for me is is the art. And so a lot of people might mm-hmm. follow writers. I tend to follow artists. And and mm-hmm. if the writing you know uh, captures my attention, then I will uh, I will go ahead and read it. But sometimes I I don't even uh, I don't even bother reading the comics. I just look at <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> but he's the one. Yeah, my dad's the one that that got me into it, and um, and nice. then buying, you know, buying the, like the superpowers, the DC superpowers action figures when I was a kid. You know, that was an mm-hmm. that was kind of my entry point for the characters. Um, and they had yeah. the uh, Marvel had the uh, what was it Secret Wars uh, line of figures. Oh yeah, uh, yeah yeah. That was oh wow. Yeah, but that dates me. So now you know, like I yeah. <laughs> no. I don't. No, no, no worries. So you um, do you collect figures still or? No, no. I. Uh, well, no, actually, okay. I mean, I guess I technically do because I, um, mm. I do buy figures and and I've even I've even got some hot toys that I I buy for reference. So I'll ah, figures right, or or just use them to kind of get a sense of how that character looks in in three dimensions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about your art then, because I'm sure all the loonies are probably, you know, screaming at me, <laughs> asking something about his art. Um, you mentioned back before that you um, 
you read Peter David's run. Um, I remember being absolutely in awe at Dale McKean's art. I loved his art. Uh, he later went on to do Pit for Image. Um, and then I kind of lost lost track. With, um, I know he's doing a Peter David um, team up in June sometime. Um, but speaking for yourself, like who were your influences? Like when you, who did you like to look at? Um, whose art did you like to look at? My all-time favorite superhero artist would definitely be uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. And right. um, he is most known for the uh, the art he did for the DC licensing. And so um, mm-hmm. like if you, you know, if you had any, well, I, you know, I think his art was actually all over those DC superpowers uh, action figures. Actually, I think his art is the cards uh. and like I said, bed sheets and, yeah, PJs and T-shirts. Every, you could imagine if if you, it had DC art, it was his art. And so I am imagining then, um, just very kind of classic style yes. comic. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And that, yeah. I think why he was never like a huge name, even though he was. I think he's considered one of the artist artists. You know, if you talk to other uh-huh. book artists, like Garcia Lopez, and that's because yeah. he is understated, but. Man, he just he knows how to draw the human figure like nobody else, and his pages and his storytelling is always really dynamic. I mean, he's just awesome. he's just really on it, you know. And uh, yeah, he's I, I think he just turned seventy last year, and so he's been making oh wow yeah for a long time. And I think he started when he was a teenager. Um, he's Jeez. Argentinian, and so uh-huh. um, you know he did a lot of comics. Uh, there and then eventually made the move over to American comics um, while he was still relatively young. So, um, wow, he's been producing a lot. But yeah, um, you know, for did he do Marvel at all? Sorry, Greg, or was he just a pre a, a pretty much a DC man? Just a DC guy. Yeah. Uh, ah, okay. Yeah, all of his work has been been for DC. Some of my favorite DC stuff that he's done would be um, Cal, uh, that was written by Dave Gibbons. It's a Superman Elseworlds story, and then. Mm-hmm. Did um, oh, what else did he do? He did a ton of stuff for DC. Uh, mm. Twilight, which was actually under um, I don't think it was Vertigo. It was like pre-Vertigo, but it was uh, Howard mm-hmm. Lincoln writing. It was like a, 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 a sci-fi series, and um, he did uh, Batman: Reign of Terror, another Elseworlds story. Ooh, and okay. Uh, Gosh. I've probably seen a lot of his art, but I just didn't know it was him. He had, like he sounds like his. He had yeah. a story in the Action Comics one thousand. He did the uh, Mister Mixius oh. story. So, oh, okay. Yeah. I got that issue. Oh. So yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that's yeah. his work. Um, his work always awesome. really really sharp. If he inks himself or if uh, Kevin Nolan, yes, yeah. and so. Yeah. Okay. I I, I was I, look, I love reading older comics as well. I'm doing a bit of a read for a review coming up, and um, I was reading stuff by Steve Englehart and Al Milgram, oh. and I really, yeah, Al Milgram's work is great. I love it. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, he's yeah, it, yeah, fantastic stuff too. Yeah, it's always yeah. I love going back, and sometimes I'll I'll rediscover work, or I'll discover somebody that I just. I completely missed. And um, mm. there are a lot of those because, you know, I mean, there's decades of, of comics before I ever got into yeah. them. And, and uh, there's plenty of, of work out there. And, and not all of them are celebrated. It's not quite like movies where, uh, 
a film becomes a cult classic after disappearing for a while, a lot of comics they just fade into mm. obscurity. They do. Um, yeah, just the, the vast number of them. I guess it's hard to. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody collected newspapers, you know, to like try to find, you know, like, you know, <laughs> some, you know, uh, obscure article. I mean, that's that's really tough. But fortunately, now we have like you know, comicsology, and so you can go digging yes. around on comicsology and. and they're putting a lot more on there, and I think that's great because you can actually, yeah. um, you know, have access to so, you didn't before. Yeah. So, are, are you a digital man, or are you a bit of both, or well, how do you um, read your comics? Yeah, I prefer reading them in print. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just uh, easier on the eyes. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I love I well, especially when it comes to older comics, I, I love the the feel of the paper, and uh, yeah, and I love the. Uh, I, I I love the bad coloring, you know, and I, <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. it's to me that's there's a, a lot of charm to that, and so especially yeah. for older comics. But but yeah, newer comics, uh, I don't know it depends. I mean, I'm a Marvel guy, you know, uh, you know, mm-hmm. worked for for the company for for a number of years. But uh, mm-hmm. first to to admit that their their quality of paper that they use, their paper stock is just terrible. So. For a lot of Marvel, uh, yeah. I don't care if yeah. it's digital. I'll read it digitally because I'm not. I don't feel like I'm gaining anything. Um, yeah, you know, on, on you've done, you've done a couple of um, covers for Valiant Comics. We're big Valiant Comics fans as well. They use good good paper, I believe. I mean, it's quite nice. Oh yeah, it's really nice. I love seeing my stuff in print mm. because it's yeah, and quality is just top notch. Boom is usually really good too. Um, Boom Studio okay has um. These nice cardstock covers and yeah, I think it pays. I mean, as you say, it it, it really um, advantages the um, the art. You know, it brings the most out of it. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, Marvel can I don't know do something or at least release prestige formats. You know, I think DC yeah. don't they do that and on the on the paper stock yeah um, slightly different as well yeah. Um, also, sorry, Greg. Just going back a couple. Uh, you mentioned you did uh, just drop a little thing there about um, you were, you know, thinking that at this stage you'd be doing a lot of creator own stuff. Have do you do you dabble um, like with with uh, you know creating characters and stories and stuff? Yeah, I mean, I've got a, a big folder of ideas and and uh, mm-hmm. my my sister and I my sister and I worked on. Uh, Vampironica together. We wrote, we yes. wrote that, and then I, I did the the art for it. And we had we had such a great experience on that. We thought we would go ahead and and, and try creating something original. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've been working yes. on that. But uh, you know, I guess just just the day job of you know doing covers and uh, you know, yeah. uh, um, occasional one shot or something like that is always kind of yeah. taking up you know uh, priority. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, yeah. You've just just to um, shout out here to like your fantastic work here. You've you've mentioned all three of them there. Um, your one shots. Uh, there was that amazing Spider Man one that you did, which is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, absolutely loved it. And the um, the what was it the the Doctor Strange, yeah. um, the best defense. Yeah. Man, that was really it's such a treat uh, to see you do a whole um, issue of that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, those one-shots that you do, uh, if any fan, they're really, really treasured. Um, 
also your your cover your covers i wanted to actually talk to you about that because um apart from being just an exceptional artist uh in the books mm-hmm. and uh we will get to maybe talking a little bit about moon knight um uh issues that you've done but i want to talk about your moon knight covers um now i i follow your uh newsletter as well and i've seen um um your very generous in in showing you know some variant covers that not necessarily had made it but they look awesome like the daredevil one uh with the moon knight covers what i'm getting at greg is that how do you come up with those um those designs like i know it's a bit of a broad question but they really do add to the overall lemire smallwood run you know Mm -hmm. um for instance i think it was a second issue there's a really kind of trippy Oh yeah, kind of uh, the yeah. head one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I I'd, I'd be happy to talk about those covers. Those are, um, yeah. Those those are sometimes inspired by uh, the story itself. Sometimes it's just an mm-hmm. idea that I wanted to get across. Sometimes, like with that cover, um, that actually was uh, the editor Jake Thomas telling me mm-hmm. he wanted something that looked like an album cover, something trippy and weird. ah and. So cool. yeah, immediately uh, started thinking about just the the weirdest and trippiest album covers that I've seen, and um, just <laughs> sketching out ideas. And uh, yeah, it's actually it's it's funny because it is kind of a uh, kind of a square design on that uh, on that cover, and that's precisely because I was actually sketching it in kind of an album uh, format, and so that I could really kind of get in that headspace of you know of of it looking like a, an album cover um mm-hmm. but yeah a lot of the covers you know it starts off with with a an idea you know um like the the one where he's pulling off his face and revealing the the moon knight face underneath that was something that i want i wanted to get the idea across that moon knight is his true you know uh, identity and so that's a very mem- very memorable cover that, that actually yeah that's very uh, indelible actually uh, because yeah the symbol the symbolism sorry greg you're you explaining it but was um yeah is very very nice indeed well, thank you i appreciate that i appreciate that very much mm-hmm. i'm yeah it's it starts off with that that idea and then mm-hmm. i just start brainstorming on on how i can visually convey that and uh it takes a lot of time it's a lot of just kind of you know um, spitballing, you know, doing a lot of doodles mm-hmm. there, thinking about it for long periods of time and then not thinking about it. Sometimes your brain can actually work out mm-hmm. these little connections for you while you're thinking about something else. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of times it's, you know, just sitting there staring at a wall for a, a, a long period. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see, that was, that was what I thought, um, when we were just having a little chat before as well. And you said that, you know, you're a bit of a night owl and, and, and then you surprised me when you say, this is when you do your drawing. That's what I thought. I thought that was the time that you'd be, um, not necessarily staring at a wall, but I think that's a time that you'd be germinating these ideas and all that. Cause, um, but yeah, no, very, very, um, very interesting indeed. Yeah. Well, it's actually, no, it's a little bit of both. I mean, this is, Mm-hmm. Where I am coming up with ideas, my brain seems to be more active at night, and mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, usually I can do a lot of that while I'm sitting there drawing. I can just sit there and think about whatever upcoming cover I've got um, while yeah. I'm sitting there drawing a page, or even a cover that I'm 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 currently working on, um, and I'm thinking about yeah. the next cover. But uh, you know, I do have a notebook that I I keep near my desk and jot down ideas if I if I have them really quick. Yeah. Um, it's always good to get it 
down on papers as soon as possible. Those things. Oh yeah. Your head if you don't. But uh, yeah, yeah. No, the the Moon Knight covers were really fun because Marvel let me just go wild on them. I mean, I I really <laughs> ever turned in multiple sketches. It was usually I turned in one sketch and I'd say this is what I want to do, and they might have mm-hmm. notes. But a lot of the times, I mean, to my to my editor's credit, like they just said, "Good to go, go ahead," you know, and and they that's that cool. Yeah, and I think that's that's um, and it creates this like this really positive feedback loop where because I know that I'm gonna get less static, about, you know, from my editors, I feel a little bit mm-hmm. more creatively um, free to do whatever. Um, and, and yeah that pushes me to explore a little bit more. And I think that's why those covers get into like weird territories and, 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 and um, they're a little bit more bold and sometimes expressionistic is because I felt yeah. like I had like free reign to do whatever I want. And I don't always have that with covers, you know, you have kind of the, yeah. you know, uh, not really strict parameters to work within, but, but still, you know, uh, a slightly rigid, you know, format. And um, yeah. And that's, uh, and that can be a little bit of a challenge to then, create something that uh you know is striking uh something that will catch yeah yeah it's um it kind of echoes from articles i read of of jeff lemire so i mean without a doubt uh in my eyes you know the the lemire smallwood run of moon knight is really good um and jeff lemire had had mentioned that he was given kind of a bit more of a, a loose rein on on Moon Knight, with opposed to his other work, which I always cite, um, and I'm sure other readers of Lemire, um, Extraordinary X Men, which I, I found a little yeah, a little bland. Uh, but Lemire had mentioned that they were kind of trying to control him a lot more in that run um but you can see it like you can see with moon knight him having fun with it and uh i guess that the same kind of principle applies to you as you're saying like if marvel had given you that free reign we just got this magical 14 issue run where mm-hmm. um, both uh, engines were firing uh, and and it was really really cool indeed uh did you um uh did you have a particular issue like drawing that you enjoyed um, well, I mean, probably the, the duller ones because they were easy, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anytime I had to draw deserts or vast amounts of space, I always loved that cause that's super easy, but, um, hang on, sorry, Greg, most... you say that, su- sorry, you say that's super easy, but you draw so much detail in that. <laughs> like it's, yeah. oh, that's, uh, well, you know, it's part of, it's part of the, the, um, you know, I've, I've worked with Photoshop for um, oh almost two decades now, and so mm-hmm. I, I I know it like the back of my hand, and I know you know little shortcuts and tricks, and so some stuff mm-hmm. might look like really really tough to pull off. Um, yeah. Might you know might might only be just a you know a few brush strokes, or you know me configuring the brush just the right way so that I don't have to do a ton of work. Um, I, yeah. that's not to say that I don't, I, I am a perfectionist. I will sit there and work, you know, work a page for mm-hmm. hours on end. But, um, but yeah, a lot of times, uh, the sand scenes, the dunes and the space stuff, mm-hmm. it's just fun. Cause I just sit there with, with, you know, I just fill it with black and then I just sit there with space, you know, I just throw stars and splatter and mm-hmm. just go <laughs> wild and, and the sand is like, I, yeah. 
it was very zen like to sit there and 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 draw sand and and <laughs> it was just you know it's quite very, uh out of body out of body experience while you while you're dotting away i guess yeah but i'd have to say that if if i had a there's definitely some issues that felt more uh, rewarding once I was done with them because I felt like I'd accomplished something. And that was probably issue, yeah. uh, I think it was 10 or 11. I can't mm-hmm. remember. The one where we see him as a kid. Um, yes. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. That was drawing kids is really tough. And I, uh, uh. I had, I had a, a hard time really getting him to look the right age. And then also mm. look like Mark, um, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was that one I was really really proud of uh, when I was done with it. So, oh, that's an absolutely stellar issue as well. And and you, there are some artists that fall into the trap of making little kids just look like little adults, <laughs> you know. So, um, the the level of attention that you you put to it, and actually to make it resemble Mark is is just really, um, really great. Uh, I wanted to also ask. Greg, but I was going to ask this just when we wrap up. I want, oh yeah, before um, before I mean I, I do appreciate your time. So uh, so you mentioned during the comics, uh, you, you you did like those those vast desert uh, and and space <laughs> things. How was it with working with? Because again, one of the big features of the this run, um, volume volume seven, I believe it's officially from Moon Knight. How did you find working with uh, the likes of? Um, James Stoko, um, Wilfredo Torres, uh, Francesco Francovia. I mean, not necessarily like directly, but mm-hmm. I guess with storytelling, how do you sync that up? I mean, I know that you both got different, all different parts to play, but it still has to kind of come together in yeah. some sense. I'm amazed it actually worked. <laughs> that- <laughs> it was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I was actually going to draw the second arc and then, um, I think it was just like a we were going to do a ten issue run. I think is is what yes. the plan was, and then right. um, and then Jeff came to me while I was working on the first arc and he said, "Hey, I've, mm-hmm. Marvel is happy because the sales were really great." And he was like, "You know, mm-hmm. um, we can do a third arc." And I've got some ideas, but I'm not one hundred percent sure. And um, and I said, "Well, you know, I'd love to go back and tell some of his origin." And he 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 leaped at that, but that of course. Mm-hmm put me in a weird position where I was like, well, I, I don't know if I can like keep this up. I'm, you know, I'm eventually going to run out of rope. Yeah. And so, um, my idea, uh, was always to do the, the second arc in different styles anyway. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I told my editor, I, you know, and I told Jeff, I said, you know, it'd be really cool if we could bring in different artists for each, each segment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, cool. like I said, I, I give a lot of credit to my editor. Um, I, uh, Jake Thomas um, is uh, is a really really sharp guy, and uh, nice. I don't I don't think a whole lot of people could have pulled it off, um, but Jake Jake managed it, and he just I I think I gave him like I think I gave him like a little bit of a list of people that I thought would be cool for each story, but um, Jake pulled it all together and uh, mm. organized the scripts so they would be color coded. Uh, so everybody knew the part, and then once in a while, I think I would step in. I would do a layout, so that way everybody could just kind of fill in their panels. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, so you did the layout? Yeah, for like maybe one one issue. Um, but and yeah. a lot of times the, everybody just kind of followed my lead. So like I would I would send a design for poor poor James Stoko had to stick with my designs for the uh, 
you know, the space mm-hmm. suits and the, yeah. the, the planes and the, or the uh, spacecraft. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, it was weird because in comics, sometimes you, you, you do communicate a lot with, with, uh, with your collaborators. And, um, mm-hmm. but I'd say most of the time, I'd say probably about 80% of the time you don't, um, you kind of mm, communicate yeah. through, you know, like Jeff, Jeff and I, you know, we've, we've talked, um, uh, plenty of times before we've t- spoken on the phone, but I, I think for the most part during our moon night run, we didn't, we, we shared a couple emails and went back and forth, but yeah. most of the time, you know, he would just give me that script and, and that kind of told me everything that I needed. And, and it was the same with yeah. the artists that worked on the project. I barely, barely communicated through email. We just kind of, I think that's also a credit to the, the, the editors. They, they can pull people together that they know will just kind of gel, you know, that, that mm. will kind of just be able to do their thing and do it well together. Um, and there won't be any of that friction and it just all kind of falls into place. Uh, and yeah. that's just kind of how it felt like it just, you know, uh, yeah, you know, Stoko, uh, you know, Torres, you know, or they just, they send these pages in and they just, they just fit, you know, I just totally, yeah, 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 would, would do his thing. And we all kind of knew like what Frank Avia stuff would look like, you know, <laughs> um, yeah. he would turn it in and, it just looked right yeah. and it fit right into the story and it, it just it, it was yeah. effortless to be honest i i'd like to say that mm-hmm. oh yeah lots of you know planning and 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 logistical yeah. you know uh working around stuff but it was it was just kind of clicked oh that's bloody awesome um i i was just thinking while you were mentioning about frank uh francisco francovia uh again in your newsletter cuz you did um show some uh some versions of when you were taking on different styles, right? And one of the most striking ones I, I thought was the Jake Lockley uh, scenario, which Frank Avia did, mm-hmm. um, but you did it in a Frank Miller Sin City-esque style. It was pretty damn cool. I mean, I mean, both of I mean, Frank Avia is obviously fantastic as well, but um, that would have been awesome to see as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it would have been tough to pull off. I was having a lot of trouble yeah. sticking with, with each style. Um, yeah. But, uh yeah, I mean it's. It was I. You should have asked to be paid triple. You should have asked to be paid triple. Three different styles, you know. But um, yeah, I I I was just really happy that we got the artists of that yeah. caliber that we did, and um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's always it's always like a little bit of you know bittersweet because I'm like, oh, that would have been really cool. Like it would have been yeah. show off, but. But at the same time, I actually really do truly believe that um, I think getting really very different voices on that book helped it. Yeah. I think yeah. it elevated. It also gave – it made that book a little extra special because you were getting artists. It did. Absolutely. That often yeah. – like Stoko didn't really do a whole lot of work for Marvel. And, mm. you know, he's mm. delivering this, this, this work that you normally only see in an indie book, you know. and Yeah. Um, and then just getting everybody to, to go in on this together and it be unified in, in such a way that, that it was, I think, yeah, that was just special. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What a, um, what a nice pitch to Marvel as well to, as you mentioned with Stoko, because, um, as you say, he doesn't do much of this stuff, but if he's only doing like a few pages here and there, you'd be more kind of likely to, I'm assuming to maybe say, yeah, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a crack. And, uh, and the experiment kind of paid off because, uh, yeah, as, we, as we've mentioned, it was a, a great run and, and it came off um, just superbly. Uh, I was going to ask you, Greg, if, um, 
you know, if you if you jump at the chance to work with Jeff Lemire again, but it would be very hard to top. I'm imagining this experience with the, you know, with the three other artists and and just the way things happened with Moonlight. It, it seemed like quite a special run. Yeah, well, actually, Jeff and I have tried to work together several times, but oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. we we tried, we tried at Marvel, um, but uh, yeah, when I mean, we we gave him a huge list of characters that we'd love to work on, but they didn't. They they didn't uh, they weren't interested. So we uh, shopped around some projects at DC, but all that stuff yeah. fell through. It's really hard to usually you know DC and Marvel they'll come to you with with offers and they'll pair you up with who they want you to pair off. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of hard to come even just as a team and say, hey, we would like to do a book yeah. together. Um, <sighs> I think, but if the sales are good, I would have I, imagined. You know, if you you know critically acclaimed, uh, you know that would have been. I think enough, wouldn't it? They're still afraid. I think publishers. Are, there's a, a little bit of fear of establishing a a strong team that can then go off mm-hmm. and do something else. You know. Uh, okay. You know. Right. If, if I, I'm just guessing here, but that's what I think. It, it yeah. Kind of. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Well. Um, Sorry, Greg. Uh, just two more things before we wrap up. Again, I'm just mindful of the time. It's very late for you over there. Thank you, and thank you so much for for sharing uh, your oh. time with us. Oh. Uh, it's been awesome to bloody just talk, uh, you know, just talk shop. So, um, uh, what I was going to mention, two things. Yeah, Midnight Suns. Oh. There was that thing that you uh, <laughs> was that one of the things that you pitched with Jeff Lemire, or was that something off your own? Uh... It's that solo at the time. Um... Uh, you know, I was talking with uh, with um, Colin Bunn and expressed interest, but I was also talking about bringing on uh, my buddy uh, Jai to, to write it with me. But mm-hmm. um, it just never got too far. I put together a little pitch for it, and then um, he got assigned an editor, and Axel was actually kind of shepherding the project. I, he he really liked it a lot, um, but but then he got canned, and then. Uh, they came out with damnation instead. And so that's, that's kind of what yeah. midnight suns and, um, uh, well, we got blade now. So that's what? pretty cool. Hmm. Yeah. We got blade like in Marvel now. So at least he's shown up. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because, yeah. um, they, they, it seemed like they were interested in bringing back some of these characters and you had guys like Donnie Cates who were really interested in writing a lot of these characters. And I mean, I, I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a shoo-in for, for a, you know, a, a good selling title. Um, I think, people, yeah. you know, at that time, people were really, and I think Venom kind of shows this, that people were really yeah. kind of rediscovering those characters that they loved in the 90s. And I mm. see them again, I think, you know, especially the the uh, the, the horror characters. But, um, yeah, you know, uh, Marvel's uh, marketing department didn't think that it would... Uh, they they were they weren't as confident in Midnight Suns, so that would that yeah. Be a stumbling block. There'll be a time, yeah, yeah. There'll be a time and place for it, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I had my pitch for it though. I had I had it all yeah. plot out, and I had the whole thing plotted out. Would have been awesome. Yeah, would have been awesome. So yeah, <laughs> bloody hell. Anyway, who do we have to get in 
their ear to, to get it happening. I don't know. But uh, anyway, that was the talk of a lot of the, um, the loony corners because uh, obviously Mr. Knight was featured in it as well. Um, Greg, uh, look, I have to, again, massive thank you for, for all your time. It is an absolute boon to have you on this show. Uh, I'm very proud to have been able to talk to you, and I'm hoping the loonies out there will enjoy this, uh, this informal chat. But before we go, I wanted to throw to you, Greg, um, a question hobby-wise. What's one of the, apart from comics, obviously, and, and art, um, what is a hobby that you are passionate about that others you know or fans won't necessarily know you do wow yeah that's a good question <laughs> <laughs> well i've got a uh i've got a four-month-old uh baby boy so that's oh congratulations hobby right now i think uh <laughs> 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 man's a lot of time um yeah uh, i love reading i said i, I love uh mm-hmm. reading theology i'm a christian so christian theology mm-hmm. You know, dating back all you know, all the way to the okay. church fascinates me. I, um, mm-hmm. so that's it was it was a big thing. Like I, I really wanted to make sure that uh, that Mark was wearing his uh, yamaka on his on his on uh, yeah the flashback sequences, and I made sure you know that yeah. I thought that uh, his Jewish roots were kind of foundational for the character, and uh, and that's part oh yeah with my my interest in theology. So yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. And that, that was taken a step further with uh, with Max Bemis's run, so it was good to see uh, actually. And yeah, um, no, well, that's fantastic. Well, Greg, uh, thank you again, uh, Loonies. That is, oh, that was Greg Smallwood. Uh, uh, actually, Greg, sorry, just before we, you go, anyway, uh, if there's anything you want to plug or uh, anywhere that people can contact you and say hello and um, maybe join your mailing list. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, um, mm-hmm. get on, on Instagram and find me on there. I think it's, yeah, I think it's Savage Smallwood on there. You can just search for Greg Smallwood. But, mm-hmm. um, you follow me on Instagram. Um, I've got a newsletter. I think the sign-up is is on my Instagram, but um, mm-hmm. I, I think, I don't know. <laughs> I, should, <laughs> I, will put the, I should put We'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, there yeah. you go. And, uh <laughs> Yeah, as far as upcoming projects, I'm still doing covers for Punisher. Um, pick up uh, Vader Dark Visions. I've done all the covers for those. Um, be on the lookout for... I've got a, um, a short little Spidey story that I'm working on right now. And then oh. a another one-shot is actually... should be probably solicited uh, maybe in the next previews or the one after that. So be on... Oh, okay. So, yeah. I'm awesome. One right now. Going to be definitely getting that, and I have all your Punisher covers, so don't you worry about that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that. Sorry. Oh, right on. No, thank you for buying them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nah, they're great. They're fantastic. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to throw now to my future self um, <laughs> as we continue our hundredth episode. Hi, this is Dave, and I'm Stu, and we're from the Signal of Doom. We're proud members of the collective, and you're listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. Welcome back again, all you listeners out there. That was a fantastic interview by Greg Smallwood on the other side of that break. We are now here again, 
And we have another lovely Dear Conchu segment to play for you. This time from Brian Biggie from In The Demons, a Ghostwriter podcast. So Brian, please submit forth your question to Conchu for us to review as well. Dear Conchu, I would like to know, why does Moon Knight not team up with Ghost Rider more often, considering their shared mission of vengeance? Thank you, dear Conchu. I will eagerly await your response. Yes, that was Brian's question to Conchu. Dear Conchu, again, throwing it out to the host out here, Conchu. What um what are your thoughts? This is a good one. Look, you know, this is a, a cut and bread one for me. It's pretty straightforward. What do you think of Brian's question to Conchu about um about Moon Knight teaming up with Ghost Rider? Just not enough of it, is there? Well, I think that's it's on Moon Knight. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm pointing the finger at Moon Knight. You know, Ghost Rider's been doing half a right for himself. Um, who's Johnny Blaze was with the Midnight Suns in that one run that wasn't called Midnight Suns. Yeah. Maybe it was. I don't remember. <laughs> and um, my man's the car guy. Guy. Yeah, Robbie Reyes. I don't remember. Robbie Reyes. Robbie Reyes. He's he's with the Avengers. You know, he's in a team. Both those guys are out there in a team. If Moon Knight was more social, he'd be with Ghost Rider. You know. Yes, and we know from that Avengers what run. What a limo. Get out there. <laughs> and yeah, and we know from that Avengers run, there was that little caption: Moon Knight declined. Right. Um, I can't remember who it was approached him. Uh, he, he declined mm. the invitation to the Avengers. But you're absolutely right, Connor. Robbie Reyes, part of a team, Moon Knight, Avengers. Come on, there's got to be something happening there. We've got to get at least the Moon Knight Ghost Rider team up. Um, uh, Rebecca, Moon Knight. How about Johnny Blaze? He's down on in hell, isn't he, at the moment? Is there any... Well, is, that, is everyone up to date with the Avengers? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Because I think Robbie's, Robbie and uh, Johnny oh, are okay. about to... Uh, sort of like clash. Oh, okay. I'm not up to that. Right, cool. That's... Yeah, because uh, Johnny's Johnny's in hell, right? He's the king of yes. hell, is where we left him in damnation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's uh, I'm glad coming they back. Got picked up on. Yeah. That was a cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And uh, so uh, he's coming for Robbie at the moment. So I don't. Know, I mean, I agree. Like Moon Knight was apparently invited and said no. So. Mm, but then we know he's been having a hard time lately. You know, he's got a child he's a now. now. He's got he's, he's a dad now. So maybe that's the team. <gasps> maybe that's the team he should be on. Dad Avengers. Oh, love it. <laughs> dad Avengers. Love it. Dad Avengers. Yeah. yeah, Dad Avengers. Yeah, you love it because you're yeah, dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, it's very sexist of me. So <laughs> parent Avengers. Um, but then they could all have dad bods as well. It'd be great. <laughs> uh, we could have Pete, Peter B. Parker could be there. Yes. Um, I think. I think more seriously. I think. I think them teaming up for small things is quite fun. But I think their their tactics are quite different. Yes. And the their rationale is a little bit different as well. Yeah. And I think uh, Ghost Rider having a sort of de- uh, demon like uh, pulling the reins. Mm-hmm. Is uh, maybe maybe there's I, I don't I don't think I'd like to see a long run of them. I'd like to see like a, the the occasional mini series. That would be good. Um, and then because I think uh, I think guys go, I think Moon Knight has a lot of other things on his plate than Ghost Rider. Let me stare at you and and I like Ghost Rider. Not dissing him either. I just think they're very different yeah. and they'd be fun to see in small doses. Yeah. 
but t- I wouldn't want them to sit and fight over the penance oh, yeah. versus the let me slash someone up with my little crescents. Yeah. I like your, you I know. like your idea about um a small a small doses because I'd be very worried about uh, Mark getting caught up in the penance stir, though. Oh. Because I think that would break he him. He wouldn't oh, do well yes. with that, because he's already guilty, isn't he? He would not do well. what he's done yeah. in the past. And it's not like the Punisher, who... But I would love to see Konshu go with uh, one of the vengeance demons. Oh, oh yeah. To protect their avatars. A throwdown. That would be good. That would be a, that would be a comic I'd read. That would, uh, actually, I would I'd absolutely read that as well. And, and what you're saying about the short runs, that would be, would be cool, wouldn't it? Like you have a nice, neat little yeah. trade or, a, um, what do you call them? A yeah. Original, yeah. Um, what's it? Graphic. Oh, an OGN. OGN. Yeah. yeah, that'd be great. Uh, yeah, that'd be very good, very good indeed. Chad, how about yourself? A big Ghost Rider fan? I'm sure you are. You, you gotta be. Yeah, I'm into Ghost Rider. Yeah. I mean, we saw them team up in Mark Spector, Moon Knight, back in issue 25, one of my favourites, I think it was in my the Isla Ra selection. But, yeah, what, what do you think? Um, more of it? Um, how do they work together? It, it's all a bit weird. It depends on the writer, I guess. Well, the writer and the writer. Um, I can kind of <laughs> yeah. see Johnny working well with him. I can yep. see uh, maybe some of the historical writers working with a previous moon knight incarnation that's right because he's got a leg he's like um, a legacy thing now isn't he yeah 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 how about danny ketch i love danny ketch eh, yeah maybe ketch <laughs> was kind of out on his own for a long time yeah true 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 yeah no it would be, yeah, be very very interesting indeed I, i'd like to see i don't know if he's still writing howard mackey i want to see him back on it i'd like to see him Right, Moon Knight and Ghost Rider, or if you're looking at a Moon Rider, Moon Knight writer, ooh, Ghost Rider and Moon Knight. Uh, I think Bemis would do a good job. You think? Charlie Houston as well. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I just had a weird idea. Mark Spector using one of the Vengeance Demons. Can you imagine the Mooncopter on fire? No, oh yes, I'll combine them. Moon Knight, Moon Knight Rider. Yeah, oh, yeah. Geez, that would be Moon Knight Rider. Like a car somewhere, kit. Well, maybe, maybe yeah, we just kick. Would be there. <laughs> maybe we just kick Moon Knight out and just you know who's the one actually flying the Moon Copter? We could keep yeah. Moon Knight. Put Frankie. Frenchie. Frenchie's the new yeah. ghost rider. Frenchie. Frenchie needs more exposure. Seriously, actually, that yeah. should have been our prediction. Frenchie yes, just oh, getting out there. Yeah. Get more Frenchie. <laughs> Frenchie solo series. No, seriously, he's he's great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many people will get it, but you know, <laughs> I don't think many nah. people will. <laughs> no, but right. like, bless. Uh, yeah. Only a handful. Samuel's annual. Samuel <laughs> <laughs> and his adventures with Netta. That'd be that'd be good. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, cool. Well, Ned, thank you, Brian. Um, obviously, we are big Ghost Rider fans as well. I, I like that idea. I, I like that idea, Chad. Moon, the Moon Copter on fire. Again, Moon Knight Rider. That's awesome. Uh, let's let's get that happening. Uh, Rebecca, your um, your yeah. huge hundredth episode spectolation. What would you like to? Yeah, I I I came up with this quite randomly, yeah. and I don't know if I have an answer myself. But what what would you change about Moon Knight? Yeah, I mean... If anything, but let's try not to say nothing. Yeah, I, I had a good think about this. I oh, I, I came up with something. Um, 
God, what was it? It was a uh, hard. And Chad, Connor, have you got anything? Um, what what one thing that you'd like to change? Um, I really would love a more. I guess a more solid grounding of what's a personality and what's inside his head. Like right. I really love yeah. a, a, a bigger focus on each of his personalities and each of them really getting a distinctive time to shine and yeah. the role that Moon Knight has on all of that. I really think a big focus on that. Um, another thing I would change as well. I'd love, I'd really love to see um, his his relationship with the police explored yeah. uh, as much as I want to see him, you want to see him out with you know how does he interact with the the rest of the street level class cast and how does he actually interact with you know and the ramification of all his actions has with people like um our favorite detective whose name I forget oh just see Flint him. yeah Flint yeah 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 he'd be great yeah no absolutely there's not enough of that I think and yeah I think that would be definitely worth changing to kind of strengthen the, uh, you know, the story of Moon Knight. Um, Chad, uh, if there's one thing that you would change about Moon Knight, what would that be? I would like to see more of his, essentially, his home life. We only see him out slaying stuff and carving faces. I mean, we don't... I don't know. It seems like we get a lot of Iron Man around the tower. We get a lot of Cap in barracks. We don't see Moon Knight you know, at the mansion anymore. Yeah. Yeah, 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 right. No, for sure. I mean, like, we don't, yeah, we certainly don't. Uh, we, we got it earlier on in the earlier runs, but that kind of, it just fell off, didn't it? Um, like, you look at the, the Houston run, you, you just see it as a setting. Like, you don't get any sense of, you see more of Samuels, see more of Netta, you know? See more of the uh, the jacuzzi in their bedroom, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, that that would be cool. That would be good. Um, I was the yeah. I was giving it a good thought, Rebecca, because it is a very yeah. It's a very thought provoking question. Yeah, because I mean, like I think Connor's right. We don't have a settled view of the sort yes. of the personalities versus the like because it's changed in different comics yeah. how people have interpreted it. So um, I don't think I, I don't know what I'd change about that though because I think Smallwood. I think the Lemire gave us a fairly, um, like I think we got a fairly even keel. Um, um, I don't think I'd like to see a new one. I think that'd be confusing. And we, he's got a child now, yeah. so that was a pretty big uh, status. I wouldn't change his ethnicity um, or his age. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, I, I don't care if he's white or black or whatever, but I mean, I wouldn't change the fact he was Jewish, I guess, is I guess what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing him outside of New York. Yeah, like back on the West like, Coast. And I, I mean, no, no, I mean, I'm talking Europe ah, or the Middle East. Yeah, lovely. I wouldn't mind something like pulling him back to the Middle East yep. as a consultant for whoever he was a mercenary for because that i mean that certainly was yeah. in the the, the mensch run he did a european tour so to speak in the, the early yeah. Yeah. yeah that would be good to see i'd like to i think i'd just like to see a little bit more i but then i also like his supporting team and i'd like to see more of them as well so i i don't know if there is anything i'd change change or just more that i'd develop i'm sure there are things i would change yeah, little tweaks here and there. I'm sh- like, I'm sure, but like, it's, it's hard, isn't it? Because you got the the main things like 
I think I would have I would have said give him a kid. Okay. Um, yeah. So because it, it he's got a fairly long standing relationship. You know, so um yeah, I don't yeah. know. I it was a question that I guess I was asking because I don't really have an answer. Mm. I just feel the more we see of him now, the more we might get some changes. Yeah. And I think we should be open to that. I, I like I like your comment about the um the kid dietress as well because um, what I liked about that, and I thought Bemis did really well, was this whole. It kind of feeds into your thing, Connor, as well about how Jake, you know, had that relationship with Marlene behind the back of you know himself, which is Stephen Grant and Mark Spector to have Dodge. I thought that that was rife for for exploring later on, mm. uh, because it does pit those personalities against each other, not just in um, their their morals, but it's now like an, a relationship, you know, that they're kind of um, conflicted with, uh, i.e. with Marlene. Uh, look, I, I um, again, keeping with the Bemis kind of run, and, you know, Bemis run was, was great. It was a lot of fun as well. Uh, what I'd like to see change, it's not Moon Knight directly, but I'd like to see, I'd like to see the Sun King again as a the big bad. Like, I really was looking mm. forward to yeah. the Sun King being... Like you know, how, what would let's say you know the Joker or, or the arch nemesis for Moon Knight, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a surprise towards the end issue two hundred that he kind of ended up teaming with Moon Knight. But I, I think just the the classic standoff of him being the Sun King and Moon Knight being you know part of Conchu, uh, it would be really really cool to see. So that that's probably what I would change. Um, and and I was thinking later on about maybe reworking again. It's all to do with villains. Maybe Randall Specter because uh, I think he's really underdone. Uh, I think he's his run, Connor, we, we covered it in the the Hulk magazines, that really scary kind of two-parter with him in the pyjamas and the Halloween mask um, in, and the axe. He is a, really a terrifying villain. I, I think that would have been really good to to see it kind of developed a bit more. So, um, yeah, so maybe some, some improvements on, on his rogues gallery in that sense, I would have thought. Uh, but, yeah, no, very, very cool question, Rebecca. Um Worth it, and maybe we throw it out. I'd love to hear. Yeah, I'd like to hear. What yeah, in the ITK group, or just drop us a line as well, and we can discuss it in our future episodes. But uh, even in the Looney Bin, our, our, um, our chat room, uh, let us know what you think. What if there's one thing that you want to change about Moon Knight? What would it be? It's a very difficult thing to ask a fan, uh, but it's a very interesting mm. thing. So, yep, yeah, give it a go, Loonies. All right, fam, it's time. This is, quite frankly, the biggest uh, <laughs> cinematic superhero event of the year. Uh, it won't be touched and has not been touched. It's time for the last part of this serial to play it out with our beautifully acted tones. <laughs> Take it away, <laughs> us from the past. Y'all have been tracking the whereabouts of Conchu Scepter outside of New York, too? Yeah, yeah, one second. Jeez. Oh, lads, I can breathe again. Ah, yeah, Rebecca and Ray have gone to the Bust Ver to meet up with Dustin. And the power of Chad is up in the other void somewhere. None of us have had any luck. Okay. Listen to me very carefully. Hang on. 
Are you in a Moon Knight costume? <laughs> I most certainly am. The very same one made from carbon atom from that old Avengers of the Moon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Anyway, I spoke to a guy who knows a girl who used to work with this other guy who played soccer with his cousin of this other guy, and he's married to that cousin's former roommate. The abridged notes, Tommy. You're starting to sound like one of our goddamn shows. Right. Well, his uncle, Uncle Nernst, tells me that a shipment of Egyptian artifacts landed at Pier 75 off the Hudson waterfront. 26 of the 50 artifacts were registered to make their way to the Chilean embassy. But turns out after an audit at the docks, there are only 23 items left accounted for. Uh, Chilean embassy? Yeah, no doubt. Like the one in the Hulk magazine, volume one, issue 12. The one you guys reviewed in episode 34. Damn, Tommy. They don't call you the man on the street for nothing. You're good. You're real good. Well, it wasn't Alphonse LaRue this time. But whoever it was who received those goods at the embassy, they may hold the key to your question. Well, the answer to my luck? Whatever. What in conscious gibbous have you done, Josh? Well, had to make an entrance for this here podcast earlier, didn't I? Man, I feel there's plenty more shenanigans ahead with this wacky adventure. Hey... Do you think this thing could be a regular thing on the show? Well, I'm not sure really. Would be cool. Do you really really think you could here, It's a lot of writing. What's the end game? Well, we'll just have to see. Thanks for dropping in, loonies, on our 100th ITK episode. And who knows? We may just find Conchu's scepter yet. Thanks, Dustin and Josh. Put a pin in it. We'll continue our search in the episodes to come. No worry, guys. Catch ya. All right. See you, Rebecca. See you, Ray. Wait, what did you just do? What? I did what Ray said. Pull the pin. Put a pin in it. Put a pin in it. Not pull the pin. Oh. Ah, crud. Hi there, High Priest of Konshu. This is John here from Defenders TV Podcast and, of course, also uh, lately of TV Podcast Industries. Um, we want to give you a big congratulations for your 100th episode of Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. A really big congratulations and thumbs up to Ray and Connor and also to all the guest presenters on there as well, you know, Rebecca and the other High Priests of Konshu. It's really good to to hear you guys on the podcast, and uh, I'm loving the community that you've built up over these 100 episodes of the podcast and all the associated stuff like the Facebook page, the newsletter, uh, and everything else. It was an absolute pleasure working with you on Damnation. Uh, I hope that we can do that again soon at some point. Um, but yes, a huge congratulations from me. 
Uh, good stuff, guys, uh, and hopefully speak to you soon. Always love hearing your thoughts about anything uh, Marvel and the Netflix uh, shows as well. Thank you. I thought we were doing that one together, but this is... <laughs> I got carried away, what can I say? Um, yeah. <laughs> but this is Derek from Defenders TV Podcast and TV Podcast Industries. And yes, I'd love to add my thanks to you guys for all of your hard work over the last 100 episodes. Congratulations for getting here. I know you guys were struggling thinking what it would be like to get past 10 episodes and then the 50 episode milestone comes and now you're at 100 episodes. Congratulations. I'm hoping you guys are going to reach a 1,000. Before we do, you probably will. <laughs> well, well done for everybody involved in the show. Well done to Ray for editing that three-hour podcast with our other co-host, Chris, who couldn't be here for this one. But he also wants to send on his thanks to you guys for your 100 episodes. Yeah, absolutely. Again, a huge big congratulations, guys, uh, and to everyone involved with Into the Night. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, good stuff. Keep it up. Take care. Bye. Yes, that was the, the last part of the ITK, part three of the ITK serial, The Hunt for Conchu's Golden Scepter. As you've heard, things are ramping up. We don't know what's happening. We've got uh, Rebecca and myself in Bosco Verde. We've got Connor and Tommy doing a bit of investigating as well. Uh, Chad may very well make a, a massive appearance from the other void uh, so yeah, keep in tune there, loonies. Let us know if you do like this serial. Uh, it's a bit of fun. Um, we, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's just fun to throw it out there. Let us know if you want to be involved or if, um, yeah, if you, if you want to hear more, as I said, and, uh, we'll keep this thing running probably semi, semi regularly because it is, uh, it does take a bit of time to do, but, um, yeah, it's always a bit of fun, something different. Um, pressing on for our 100th episode. And with Konshu no longer being able to control the phases of the moon, as per the serial, uh, look, that might just shake things up with our podcast. Who knows? That gives us a bit of a, a bit of wiggle room with what we do. Uh, anyway, also, uh, I'd like to, um, I'd like to thank, as you heard after that serial, a, a massive thank you to to the guys Derek and John and uh, in absentia Chris Jones from Defenders TV Podcast. Guys, thank you so much for your kind words. Uh, I'd listened to that just, you know, not that long ago and uh, and I was absolutely just, uh, you know, I was very happy to hear. Um, so thank you so much. Uh, you guys um, continue to, uh, you know, for myself to, to be a great motivator to do to this podcasting and, um and you've got a few things coming up as well, so looking forward to that. Uh, they've got, uh, obviously, Jessica Jones Season 3 coming up, and they're doing uh, Good Omens. So, um, uh, Rebecca, I mean, have you been catching Good Omens? Yeah, I watched it all. Oh, is, yeah. it's it all done? It's oh, okay. Yeah. Right. yeah, it's only six episodes. Oh, is it, is it any good, without spoiling? It's really oh, good. Cool. Yeah, it's, really good. it's one of my favourite books. So. Wow. Um, yeah, it's really good. Show. I mean, obviously, it has David Tennant in it. Um, uh, Looney's and mate and Michael Sheen. And Michael Sheen. Let's. Oh no, absolutely I know not. That no. David Tennant's the big. No, I was going to do Michael the. Uh, I was going to do the connection to uh, the Netflix. Yeah, with yeah, Jessica yeah, Jones. yeah Michael Jessica. Sheen. He was. Um, wasn't he in Underworld? As well. Yeah, yeah yes, he's very good, so. very cool actor, and, yeah. and amongst other things as well. He's a great actor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chad, have you started on this, or, or are you, you going to watch it, or have you read the books? I have not read them, and I've been gazing at them every time I open Amazon Prime Video. <laughs> it's just, mm, yeah. It's just, mm. 
It's really fun. If you like the first episode, you'll like the rest of the show. It's it's very British, okay. very con- dry humor, yeah, very consistent. So, you yeah, know, I'm keen. I'm keen. And I mean, Gaiman uh, was the showrunner for it, so so obviously sticks very close to the books. Yeah, like uh, yeah, there's bits they missed out because yes. of TV adaptation, yeah. but you know, um, yeah, in ter- in terms of feeling and basic overall storyline, yeah, cool, nice one. Um, Connor, have you have you um, watched this or started to watch this? I know you've got a lot. I, yeah, yeah. No, I have not started, but it is also one of my favorite books. Yeah, I love that Triwit. I love you know what, what's not to love about Terry Pratchett, and Neil Gaiman. Yeah, and yeah. now it's looked after properly with the best actors. Yeah, well, the big There's pull for, not to love about it. Yeah, the big pull for me is uh, David Tennant, which is he's, he's a cool. I just yeah, I think he's great. You know, he's got a podcast ad as well. Uh, conversations, I think, talking with David Tennant. Um, uh, yeah, talking, talking, with, David talking Tennant. with David Tennant, something like mm. that. And then we also got the introduct, uh, the announcement of Jessica Jones season three coming out around mid June, Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God, it's it's just about a week away. Yeah, it's Friday. Yeah. So, f- what what Crazy. are you th- are you, mixed feelings? What, what are you thinking about this? Because you know, it's it's a weird one, isn't it? it um, it's a last of mixed feelings because I didn't love the second yeah. season of Jessica Jones and it's the last Netflix and there's just a lot of TV at the moment that I've not watched yet. Yeah. So I'm feeling a little bit and it's the first one that I'm not going to be able to sit and watch all day because I've already made appointments for the afternoon that I've got to do on the Saturday. I'm going down to London, so it's going to take me a good few days to get through it. But I am looking forward to it and um, I saw a headline telling me someone who's in it that if you have read it and if you know me has obviously ramped up my interest in jessica jones series three about a hundredfold ah. so i'm now quite excited about it but a little bit annoyed that i can't watch it all yeah yeah the pace i normally would so yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult because like i guess the other shows um i don't know the way they handled maybe wrapping up stuff was a bit awkward um and you know, I'd, I'd hate to see that happen with Jessica Jones. But the difference being that I think they, they knew, though, didn't they, that this was going to be the last season? So I'm assuming writers had... I don't know if they knew when they were oh. filming it, but they must have known at some point while filming yeah. it. I don't know. I guess, I guess, maybe. Yeah. But... Because, yeah, just with The Punisher and, and to an extent with Daredevil Season 3, there was, seemed to be a really quick wrap-up and um, that kind of... Yeah, it was, it was a bit of a shame. But... Um, but Chad, have you, do you do you watch a lot of the Netflix stuff as well? Oh yeah, I put them down so yeah. quickly. Yeah, yeah. And how do how do you think? Or what did you think of season two, Jessica Jones, and getting into season three? I thought that the beginning of season two was kind of hard to get into. It just felt like they're rambling on and on about the same stuff, yeah. and it didn't really get to go anywhere until the very end. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. I, I can't pinpoint it, but similar to you, Rebecca, I was just. I watched it, but like I was like, yeah, it was good. Um, yeah, it didn't feel as. You know, yeah. Whereas I actually yeah. will watch yeah. Iron Fist season two again, and I watched Luke Cage yeah. season yeah. two again. Um, but yeah. So uh, anyway, I mean that should be that should be very interesting. So a big thank you to again to Derek, John, and Chris. Looking forward to listening to your reviews on Jessica Jones and a Good Omens, amongst other things. Um, fantastic. 
Okay, well, we have our final interview, Loonies, and this is a big one. Ooh. This is our main event Massive. <laughs> of interviews. Um, I had the absolute pleasure to speak with the creator of Moon Knight, Doug Mensch. So, um, yeah, before we, we put it on, a couple of disclaimers. Uh, it was very, very early in the morning for me. I had a bit of a cold, uh, so my head may not have been totally <laughs> totally there. But Doug was absolutely, he was an awesome uh, gentleman, um, very accommodating to uh, to let us know more about his role in Marvel back in the heady days of the 70s and uh, and writing in general. It was an absolutely enlightening chat with Doug. So, uh, yeah, let's throw it to Doug to um, to get this interview and enjoy Loonies. Yes, Looney listeners, this is the High Priest of Conchu Ray from Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast, and we are absolutely honoured to have with us uh, for our 100th episode... Uh, none other than Doug Mensch, the creator and writer of Moon Knight. Doug, hi, how are you? All right. How are you doing, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, good, good. You know, a little uh, right. a little scratchy in the throat, but I'm very happy to be here and very happy to be chatting with you. All right. Uh, look, kicking off, I guess I wanted to take you back, Doug, to uh, to around the time that Moon Knight was created back in the 70s and kind of get a picture of, of what it was like to work at Marvel. How, how was it like? Um, well, what was it like, you know, in the office back in those days? Uh, were they, was it quite, you know, quite stressful? Were there, were there a lot of really pressing deadlines? Um, and, well, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it, it was funky, man. It mm-hmm. was really a... a small office but the the bullpen actually was a bullpen and uh you know you've seen in uh you know what, what was that the bullpen bulletins page and mm-hmm. stand soapbox and all that and they talk about the bullpen being one one big happy family well it really was at that mm-hmm. time uh i i can't tell you how how much fun it was it was stressful as you say and <laughs> People were always blowing deadlines, and yeah. uh, many nights you had to stay up all night and, and just get something done, you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah, I and my girlfriend at the time later became my wife. Uh, mm-hmm. She was uh, friendly with uh, all the guys in the bullpen, all these older guys. Of course, now I, I look at how old I, I am now and I'm <laughs> thinking back then the older guys were in their 40s and 50s, you know? Mm. Wow, were they old. <laughs> but it was it was weird to have, you know, my girlfriend was the same age as me, uh, mm-hmm. uh, what, early 20s, I guess. Mm-hmm. And we become friends with all these guys in their 40s, 50s, 60s, even I think John Verporten was close to 70 and he became mm. one of our best friends. He was terrific guy i remember everybody was scared of him because he was in charge of uh trafficking he was the the deadline enforcer right yeah but i did i was never afraid of him because i never blew a deadline so <laughs> it, it was easy for me to become friends with him yeah and even call him out for his bluff you know <laughs> but uh he was great he, he had a great apartment in manhattan and he had a this was way before, well, not way before, but 10 years before, I guess, home video. Mm-hmm. And he had an actual movie projector and a screen, and 
you know, bootleg prints of <laughs> Citizen Kane and Jaws and the French Connection. And oh, wow. he had cool. actually a list of, uh, I think it was 106 movies. Wow. And every time he invited us over, he'd give, he'd pull out the list and say, okay, pick one. <laughs> and they were all good too. There yeah. was, there wasn't a single stinker in there. Uh, <laughs> But why would you pay a fortune for a bad movie, right? Oh, look, it's, uh, you know, this day and age as well, um, bootlegs, you know, yep, run yep. common. <laughs> uh, well, these weren't, these weren't really bootlegs. I think mm. these were stolen stolen prints, you know. Oh, okay, even better. Uh, even better. It, was, it was a black market. The, uh, <laughs> the theater's uh, projectionist or whatever oh, would right. just steal, steal the print. Oh, my gosh. And... Uh, and then put it up for sale uh, on the black market, and uh, good old John, you know, <laughs> he, he would snap them up, man. Why not? He loved movies. Uh, so, so apart from him being quite the stickler with the deadlines and stuff. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. No, he wasn't making money. He never charged anybody oh, no, no, of to course. see these movies. You know, mm. he just loved the movies. Yeah. Was there any um, joker or, or um, funny person in the office that, you know, You'd always kind of oh, lead to, to Joker. Um, well, everybody had their. Jo- I remember. Uh, I think it was Don McGregor and maybe mm-hmm. Jim Salacrop, maybe a few other of these okay. guys. I remember they they descended on uh, Tony Isabella and uh, put him in a box and tried to <laughs> mail him to California, ship him off to California. Oh, really. But, you know, yeah, yeah. There was stuff like that going on all the time, but oh, that's, that's cool. I don't. I don't think there was any one particular Joker. No. Mm. And, and how did you like? I guess working on the titles that were were on there at the moment. Like, how did the office? I mean, how did you? Did you have um, big kind of well, office, I, office it, meetings? It, to... it, it was. It was weird. Um, Marvel, for the longest time, had been sort of like uh, uh, static in terms of the output, you know, the mm-hmm. actual volume of pages produced per month. And then they reached a point where they decided to really up uh, the the number of available Marvel titles, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, found out, oh my God, you know, we need we need more writers and artists, right? Mm. We can't we can't do this with the people we have right now. So I think I was one of the first ones they reached out to. I was not in the New York area. Mm. I was living in Chicago, and very happily, uh, uh, you know, from girlfriends to uh, making money, I couldn't believe it. I was a I was a long hair before they invented the word hippie. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. When the Beatles came on Ed Sullivan, I stopped going to the to the barber shop, <laughs> and uh, we called ourselves long hairs or heads or freaks or whatever. Hey. And I remember one day walking down the street past a construction site, and all the construction workers started yelling, "Hey, hippie!" <laughs> And I did, I'd never heard the word before. I didn't know what the hell was going on. Mm. And I got to my apartment. I lived with three girls at the time. And one of them said, oh, yeah, there was a thing on the news last night about this new uh, thing in California. Long hairs are calling themselves hippies. Or oh, something. wow. So, 
So overnight, it became a new word, at least in the Chicago area. Yeah. Uh, I assume in the New York area, anywhere other than California, where it had been around for a couple of months, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, it, you know, I was very, very happy living that kind of lifestyle. And then when I started selling stories, it's like, wow, you could live this lifestyle like a king now, you yeah. know, with money. Oh, geez, you know. So I, I, the phone rang one day, and this was, I had gotten a job with the Chicago Sun-Times. That's a pretty big deal. Well, yeah, newspaper okay. in the States. And uh, I'd gotten a job there not as a reporter, just uh, as like a, you know, a flunky who worked in the communications room, all the UPI and the AP and the mm-hmm. Reuters and all of that, all those machines, the telex machines, you yeah. know, now it's all, com- it's all computers oh, now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I just took care of those machines and tore off the stories as they came across the wire and distributed them. Oh, right. But I was working, I was working the graveyard shift, like one in the morning till nine in the morning. Uh, sorry, Doug, yeah. so were you, uh, were you writing, um, like, on the side or just, you know, well, um, I, I had, I had just started selling stories to uh creepy and eerie and Vampirella. Right? Oh, right. Then I got this job, an hourly wage job and it was graveyard shift. And I ended up being the only one there. Right. And out of the eight hour shift, there was about eh, 15, 20 minutes of actual work. Right. Cool. You, you had to <laughs> make sure good. all of the tell. All the teletype machines are loaded with enough paper to last through the night. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then before your shift ends, you go to, from machine to machine and tear off all the stories and distribute them, right? Yeah. So the, uh, the seven-plus hours in between, mm-hmm. nothing to do. So I would sit there and write creepy and eerie and Vampirella stories. I, so I'd oh. get paid by the hour and by the story. Was that done, you know, the creepy stories, Vampirella stories, did that come about because you were working in the graveyard? You know, you're finding yourself by, by yourself in the, the dead of night. Uh, you know, was, was no, that no, it? No, no, no. No, I had sold those. I had started selling them before I oh, got okay. the job. Right. And the the way that happened was, uh, have you ever heard of Don Glute? It's G-L-U-T. No. He used to, he used to write comics for Gold Key. He did some oh, okay. Marvel stuff. Yeah. Uh, he's probably best known as the author of the Dinosaur Dictionary, which is sold in museum gift shops, you know. Oh, okay. And cool. It's an evergreen, right? <laughs> he's not, he's, tech, he's technically not a paleontologist, but mm. he talks to all the actual paleontologists uh, and, yes. uh, you know, knows pretty much as much as a paleontologist. But mm. anyway... He became a good friend when he called out of the blue when I was maybe 14 Mm -hmm. and had a fan letter published in Mm Spider-Man. And he saw the fan letter and said, you know, Doug Mensch in Chicago, Illinois, Mm -hmm. looked me up in the Chicago phone book because he lived in Chicago also. And just called out of the blue and said, hey. I'm Don Glute, and uh, I'm renting the complete Captain Marvel serial, all 15 chapters, 
and I'm going to show it in my basement next Saturday. If you chip in 50 cents, you can come and watch it. My mother will make popcorn, you know. Yeah. And I said, well, okay. So that's how I got to know Don Glute. And then right. fast forward maybe four years or so, whatever, mm-hmm. I hear from Don that he sold a story to uh, Creepy. Right. And I thought, and I thought, wow, if he could do it, I could do it, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because to, to amuse ourselves, we used to, you know, you know, hang out together, read yeah. comic books, and then we would yeah. each write stuff yeah. just for the hell of it and take turns reading what each other had written. And, and I, I felt like I, my stuff was way better than his, you know, <laughs> very cocky guy. Oh, good. But, oh. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was about to say, um, it's good. It's good that you had that confidence as well, because I guess that would oh, yeah, yeah, free you, yeah, yeah, free you yeah. up from said, not being inhibited in any way to write your stories. No, no. What did I have to lose, you know? Yeah, exactly. But after he said that, I said, I could do this. And I sat down to write a story. Mm-hmm. And before I was halfway done with the, the first story I ever wrote, I had ideas for two or three more. Cool. And then... Uh, you know, it ended up I wrote five stories in five days. Wow. And each one only took like, you know, four hours or five hours, whatever, yeah. an, after, an afternoon. Now, you know, they were only seven-page or eight-page stories, whatever. Yeah. And I, so at the end of the five days, I just took all five stories and put them in an envelope and, you know, wrote a little cover letter. Yeah. And sent them unsolicited in the mail yeah. to uh, Creepy, you know. Yeah. Archie Goodwin was the editor at the time. Mm-hmm. And it, like I said, I was a long hair with very involved in music and girls, basically. <laughs> yeah. And I promptly forgot about the five stories that I'd written. I went back to my old ways, right? Yeah. And, you know, months later... Uh, an envelope it shows up in the mail from Warren Publishing, and I thought, oh, I, I forgot about those stories. I opened it up, and it was a check for a hundred twenty-five dollars. Right, this is wow. nineteen sixty-nine or something. It was like a fortune. They must have been a impressed. Fortune. Yeah, they must have been impressed. Yes, yeah. and I thought, oh my God, they bought one of my stories. You know, a hundred twenty-five dollars. Wow. Jeez. Then I opened the flap of the check. Yeah. And the bottom part, it listed all five stories. They were uh, paying a, a whole 25 bucks a piece, you know. Well, that's, still, that's still great, though, isn't it? So, yeah. yeah, well, the good news is they loved all five stories. The <laughs> yeah. bad news is they only paid $25 a story. <laughs> My God. Yeah. But but that's a lot of money in 69, mm, you know. Mm. So I kept, I kept it up. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. What were you reading at the time? Like, what... Um, oh, a lot of a lot of science fiction and uh-huh. fantasy and horror. Yeah, so uh, you're a big horror fan. Like, I was reading, I was reading weird stuff too. Uh, yeah. You know, Esquire magazine. I read that all the time for some reason. They had, re- <laughs> they had really good writers, and they were writing about stuff I couldn't have cared less about. I um, remember this one article about trout fishing. <laughs> I couldn't care less about trout fishing, but I thought it was one of the best written things I'd ever seen. You know, that's really good. So you just you appreciated it for its quality, like you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I didn't, I didn't care. I, I remember um, 
suddenly becoming fascinated by all these words I'd never really been familiar with before. Mm. And I began, uh, I, you know, stockpiling words in my brain and yeah. looking them up in the dictionary. And my er, my real early writing is just god-awful <laughs> because it's me, it's me showing off how many big words I know, you know? <laughs> it's really <laughs> bad stuff. But it it led me it led me to uh, regular writing, you know. Yeah, yeah. So and you must have been writing for a, a, like since you very early on as well. Like you mentioned, so prior to when you were fourteen as well. Uh, it just seems like you obviously a, a, a very attuned to to writing, very interested in in writing prose. Yeah, I don't know how that came about, but hmm. uh, I have a grade school uh, uh, like uh, mimeograph, not mimeograph. Uh, what was the other process, whatever it was called, mm-hmm. um, hand-cranked printing thing. Uh, and I actually wrote and drew a comic strip for this thing oh, when I cool. was in grade, grade school called My Dog Sandy. Oh. And I did have a dog named Sandy, but I I had forgotten all about this thing where yeah. I fall... I fall down a cliff or something, and my dog Sandy comes and rescues me. And <laughs> it's I, where did this come from? Yeah. I don't know. And then, and then I wrote something in high school for uh, English class, mm-hmm. and the English teacher asked me to stay behind after the class. And then she said, "I want you to take this story to the literary magazine editor right oh. now." And tell them I sent you, and, you know, well, that's going to guarantee they'll publish it, right? Yeah. And that, uh, it was a ripoff, a total ripoff of an EC comic book story. Right. About, I don't know, do you know the EC comics? No, no, I'm familiar with them. Okay, there was one, they they were very big on uh, social uh, justice stories, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. And there was this one allegorical science fiction story about uh, blue robots and orange robots, and they're having this big uh, war, you know, the, yeah. the, the blue robots hate the orange robots and vice versa. And a human is sent, and the human's in, a you know, like an astronaut outfit, a spacesuit. You can't yeah. see his face. But at the end, after he has worked out this thing between the blue and the orange robots, he takes off his space helmet, and it's a black guy. Uh-huh. And it's like, wow, that really made an impression on me. Yeah, you know? that would be quite... Yeah. So, so I totally ripped that thing off. I didn't... Not, <laughs> not word for word. I didn't look at the comic book at all. I just sat down and started writing the story, mm. and it came out, it was that story. Totally yeah. ripped off. Wow. But it got published, got published in the high school literary magazine. Yeah. And that then, would have made waves. And then... Yeah. Yeah, I remember all the all the black guys in the high school when they found out I was the one who wrote it. Mm. All of a sudden, I'm okay, you know. <laughs> oh wow! That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but I I never told them I stole it. You no, know? no, of then course it wouldn't not. have been so cool. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, I guess uh, without without knowing I was a writer, you could look back and see mm. these things. Well, you, you were a writer all along. You yeah. Just didn't, just keep on coming just back didn't to it. Categorize it that way. Yeah, yeah, and of course, obviously, the distraction of uh, the girls and music as well would have. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was great. <laughs> would have kind of like. That was, yeah. that, was that, that was a you know. There's another thing. Yeah. Before, uh, 
before I started writing uh, commercially, mm-hmm. uh, for somehow I ended up with this. Somebody in my high school told me to go see this guy at radio station WLS in downtown Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah. Because they they're thinking of doing something with the youth. <laughs> so I I go to this meeting and I walk out and now I'm the uh I'm going to be the editor <clears throat> and the head writer of uh WLS Generations, a new magazine <laughs> that's modeled on Rolling Stone which had, you know, just started. Wow. Uh, I think it only had one or two issues out, and mm-hmm. already this Chicago radio station wanted to get their version out. Yeah, yeah. And as a result of that, I, I get this press pass. I end up, uh, you know, getting high with the Who and, <laughs> <laughs> and get <laughs> front row, front row for Jimi Hendrix. Wow. And, you know, meeting all these people is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah that would have been <clears> a magazine. Great magazine never came out never came out. ah but it still was a great gateway but, to, to to go to have oh opportunities yeah I, to do all that. I did i did the interviews i met the people yeah. i got to the you know to the concerts it was great yeah oh, fantastic um i want to now kind of just turn uh to, to moon knight himself um so yep. uh, you creating these stories you're being informed by um, you know, some science fiction, what you're reading, um, yep. you know, later on a, a bit of horror, as you mentioned with, with creepy, uh, yep. Moon Knight, how, obviously first seen in 1975 in Werewolf by Night number 32, which you were writing, uh, how did he come about? Like, ha- take us through well, how, how you decided to introduce him, um, yeah, what was the, well, what was the pitch have... that you kind of, yeah. First, they had asked me to write this thing called Man Wolf, and I said, mm-hmm. okay. But I didn't really like it. And then they asked me to uh, write Werewolf by Night, and mm-hmm. I, I liked that title much more. And I, the reason I didn't like Man Wolf, I don't know if you remember that, mm-hmm. he was uh, <clears throat> an astronaut who was J. Jonah Jameson's yes, son. What, nephew or son? Uh, so, yeah, okay. Something like that. Yep. And they told me I had to have J. Jonah Jameson in every issue of Man Wolf mm. to help the sales. And I kept telling them, J. Jonah Jameson is not going to get one single person on Earth to buy a copy <laughs> of Man Wolf, you know, yeah. more than are already buying it. And mm-hmm. they said, yeah, well, you know, he's big in Spider-Man. Yeah. I said, no, Spider-Man's big in Spider-Man. J. Yeah. Jonah Jameson is a fun character, but he's not the one making the sales. Come on. Yeah. They said, well, you got to put him in there. All right, I'll put him in there. <laughs> and then they said, oh, and by the way, you can't do anything that will make J. Jonah Jameson upset. And I said, what do you mean? Well, because he's in Spider-Man, you can't do anything in Man-Wolf that the Spider-Man readers might not know about that would make him upset in an issue of Spider-Man. The Spider-Man writer doesn't have to deal, can't deal with your stuff from Man-Wolf. And so don't do anything that would make him upset. And I said, his his son or nephew is a werewolf. How, how's he not <laughs> exactly. going to be upset? Yeah, keep the you know, keep and, a so I hated that. <laughs> I just hated that title. And then when mm. they said, "Would you do Werewolf <laughs> by Night?" I said, "Absolutely, but only if I can drop Manwolf." Mm-hmm. And they said, "Oh, okay." So now I'm I'm the writer of Werewolf by Night, and mm. very new to Marvel, yeah. feeling my way. Uh, 
feeling kind of like I don't have the right to do anything radical to these sacred Marvel comic books, you know? Well, you've I just wish been, I had been... Yeah, I mean, you just had that talking to about J. Jonah Jameson, so... Yeah, yeah. I wish I had been bolder from mm-hmm. the very get-go. I eventually became bold and broke all the rules, but mm-hmm. at this point, I was trying to be deferential. Mm-hmm. And it was time to you know, come up with the next issue of Werewolf by Night after me not doing, you know, what I considered really great stories so yeah. far. They, You know, they were okay. And I think somebody in the office mentioned, well, you know, so-and-so came up with the, the committee, and oh, maybe yes. you should bring the committee back. And yeah. I think it was Gary Friedrich or somebody. Oh, so they featured somewhere said, else, did they, beforehand? I, yeah, I think yeah. so. Okay. And someone suggested I use the committee, and then I, I found out who the committee were, and I said, well, they're really boring, you know, I don't want to use them. And then I thought, well, wait a minute, how about if the committee <clears throat> hires a mercenary to uh, kill the werewolf? Mm-hmm. And and I thought, yeah, that's a good idea, then yeah. I can create this new character and it won't be these boring guys in business suits, you know. It'll yeah. be, you know, a, flat, a flashy character. So I set out, well, who who would be best to uh, kill the werewolf? Well, someone who uses silver weapons because silver hurts mm-hmm. the yeah. werewolf. And, you know, and, and tied to the night because werewolf mm-hmm. only comes out at night. <clears throat> what's at night, the moon, okay, I'll base this character on the moon yeah. uh, because the moon makes the werewolf change yeah. and this is going to be the opposite of a werewolf. And, you know, so I knew he was... Uh, uh, the, and as soon as I said the moon, oh, man, and I'll have a costume that's like the moon, just black and white, jet yeah. and silver, no color, no color on the costume. What an ordeal that was, getting the colorist not to put color on the costume. <laughs> They they always they yeah. felt like they weren't doing their job if they didn't put you know light blue on them or something. Hey, you, no, you're, you're giving him a leave break. it alone. Yeah, you're giving him a break. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's making your job easier. Yeah. Just leave it alone. Black and white. Yeah. So and then I came up with you know the silver the the cestus like the gladiator. Mm. Uh, oh, that's one of my uh, favorite bits actually. <laughs> the cestus. Yeah, the spiked knuckle yeah. thing made out of silver. Man, when he punches a werewolf, the werewolf's gonna feel it. Oh, it's quite And gruesome, then the throwing, yeah. the throwing darts made out of silver. Plus, how about a crescent shape because that's yeah. the moon, right? Yeah, you know? yeah. All this stuff started falling into place, yeah. and I thought, well, this is pretty good now. The werewolf is the star of the book, mm-hmm. so the guy going after the werewolf is going to be the villain. But on the other hand, the star of the book is a werewolf, so anybody fighting a werewolf is kind of a good guy, you know? Yeah, true. So I thought, well, my new villain is also kind of a hero. He's going to be an anti-hero. Yes. Uh, it's good that he's trying to stop a werewolf, mm. but our werewolf is Jack Russell, and we know Jack is a good guy. He doesn't want to be a werewolf, mm. you know? So it, it, anybody who goes against them is a good guy and a bad guy, or yes. just a, a much worse bad guy, either, yeah. you know, either one. Yeah, I, I think it was, yeah, it really played out well in those those issues because you really do get the sense that he is a villain at the beginning, but I love it how towards the end he gets... 
get some empathy for for uh, for Jack yeah. Russell, and uh, it ends up being quite quite good at the end. A nice little team up against the committee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I did not have to pitch this to anybody because you were asking what the bullpen was like back then. Yeah. The bullpen was wonderful in one certain way that I I I I valued way above all others, and that was. It was such a sort of uh, shoestring budget kind of outfit, you know. Yeah. It was a low-profit enterprise, Marvel Comics. Mm-hmm. And they they couldn't afford to have an editor for every book. So they had like an editor-in-chief, and then they had a couple of assistant editors who were really nothing but glorified proofreaders. Mm-hmm. So basically, and then they hired what they thought were good writers and put the writers on the books they thought these writers would be best on. Mm -hmm. And basically, if they succeeded at that, there was no editing involved. The writer was his own editor. The writer was in total control. That's what I loved about the early That would be awesome, yeah. And the middle Marvel, all the way up to, you know, pretty much when I quit. I quit because Jim Shooter came along and... Mm -hmm decided he was going to micromanage and I no yeah. I can't do this. Yeah, you but lost anyway, that freedom, yeah. Yeah, and so so every and, and you know it worked out good if if it turned out that someone was doing a lousy job, yeah. you just took them off that book and put someone else on it, yeah. you know. Yeah. Instead of trying to you know remold a writer who was not right for that book or sure. or was not a good writer, you know, didn't yeah. shouldn't have any job maybe. Uh, is if you got the right writer on the right title, that's all you needed to do. Well, exactly. So um, it would be more like playing to their strengths, right? So and and you keep the title absolutely. fresh by having a different writer. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it was exciting. It was so exciting. It was, mm. you know, the freedom really uh, made you go wild. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, if you went too far, you found out about it, <laughs> but you. Usually after the fact, it was too late, but yeah. okay, don't do that again, that kind of thing. And I don't think any, I don't think any of us ever went really too far. Okay. Uh, we knew what you know we could do in a Marvel comic and what yeah. we shouldn't do. And, right. and so, so there was no pitching. All there was was uh-huh. Len Wein was the editor-in-chief at the time. Mm-hmm. And... You know, in that uh, uh, bullpen bulletins page or whatever, yeah. they tell you what you know, little two sentence what's coming up in each issue of each title. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Fantastic Four, 132. You know, Doctor Doom does this or that, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so the editor in chief actually had to put all that together. So he would yes. call each writer and say, "Well, what are you doing in this issue? What are you doing?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I got the call from Len Wein. All right, I'm doing the bullpen bulletins page for May or whenever it was. Yeah. What's in Werewolf by Night number whatever it was? Yes. And I said, "Well, I was just coming up with this this new character. He's going to be a." Uh, a good bad guy or a bad good guy, a mercenary, a yeah. guy who is hired by the committee to to kill the werewolf or stop the werewolf, whatever. Yeah. And and he says, oh, that's a good idea. Okay, what's his name? And I said, well, right now I got about fifteen names. Fifteen names. Yeah. I said, yeah, I can't. There's one I like more than the others, but it doesn't seem quite right. So I might have to add more names to this list before uh-huh. I get the right. 
He says, read me the list. Yeah, yeah, what kind of names? Read me the list. So, <laughs> so I read him the list. I go, you know, Blood Moon. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yeah, that's okay. But <laughs> And I, I get to like the fifth or sixth one. I go, Moon Knight. And he goes, that's it, Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. That's what I said. Yeah, that's my favorite too, but something is telling me it's not quite right. And he said, no, 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 that's good. Do that one. And I said, okay, good. That's the one. Of yeah. the 15 I've got so far, that's the one I like also. So that was that's how it happened, you know. Great. pretty simple. And, and yeah. you, um, you mentioned, so, you know, editors-in-chief, but um, no editors per se. Um, no. And the, the different run of names. Was there any... any Interesting, like any part of Moon Knight that kind of didn't make the final iteration. That you know, did you tr- were you trying out different ideas on him that you thought at the end, oh well, nah, nah, I'll, I'll stick to the mercenary, I'll stick to the oh, the silver, the crescent. Yeah, probably, but I can't remember what they were. Yeah, uh, okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, you yeah. know, all kinds of things go through your head, and you, most of them you don't even bother jotting down. Yeah, uh, for sure. Just go, no, 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 eh, maybe not, you know, and just all these things are preliminary. And yeah. and then you reach a certain point where you're convinced it's, it will become something. And yes. if you get to that point, mm-hmm. then you start writing down everything. Yeah. And, yeah. and you use just about everything, at least in my process, that's how it worked out. Yeah. Once yeah. I started writing, writing things down, I was pretty sure they were worth writing down and yes. worth doing, you know. Yeah, and so like in um, fast forwarding a little to to 1980 when when Moon Knight does get his first title, and, and I know that there were um, we've actually covered on the show as well a lot of the um, the stories in the the Rampaging Hulk magazine. Uh, Moon Knight yep. did pop up here and there uh, yep. before he got his own title in 1980, and there was a yep. there was a shift with. Um, I guess from being associated with supernatural with the werewolf to to then being part of Egyptian like mythology. Uh, yeah. What kind of made you kind of lean towards the Egyptian mythology? Was it something that you were interested in at the time and, and oh, you found yeah, applicable? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this um, there's this museum on the south side of Chicago called I think it's called the Oriental Museum or the something Oriental Museum, and mm-hmm. I remember going there, you know, when I was maybe six who knows and it's it's one of the better museums for uh ancient egyptian stuff and i that just really got me for some reason right now i have all these uh museum replicas of Mm -hmm. uh you know oris isis and cool uh, anubis and sebek and you know all of them i did there's so many hathor and uh osiris and it just thoth. It goes on and on and on. There's mm. so many bast, you know. Yes. And I have little statuettes of all of them. They're beautifully done. Cool. Um, anyway, so yeah, uh, I guess once. Uh, see, it surprised me every time an editor would ask me to do a. I, I remember doing uh, the Werewolf by Night. Okay, I thought I was just coming up with a villain, a villain hero, whatever. Mm-hmm. For to fight the werewolf, yes. And then I started hearing from fellow writers and editors, and you know, assistant editors. Like I said, they're just proofreaders. <laughs> like, wow, I really like that Moon Knight character. I go, yeah. oh, really? Oh, thanks. You know, and then you know, not thinking anything of it. And then it turned into, hey, 
you know, we we got this book Marvel Premiere or whatever it is or Marvel One Shot. I don't know. Why don't Why don't you do a Moon Knight story? You know, I go, oh, really? You know, yeah, I'd just do a Moon Knight on his own without the werewolf. I go, wow, that'd be weird. Okay, yeah. uh, let me see. And I'd go home and it'd start gushing out. You know. Mm-hmm. And, it's like, yeah, I don't need Werewolf to do this character, but the character needs to change some mm-hmm. uh, away from this, uh, you know, hard-hearted mercenary who will do anything for money, or virtually anything, into a little more altruistic, uh, more of a good guy if he's going to be the star of uh, of this book, you know, this yeah. Marvel premiere, whatever. So he started changing slowly but surely through, I think there were a couple of Marvel premieres or a couple of Mm -hmm. one-shots or two-parters, whatever. Then they asked for him to be in, uh, oh, there was that black and white uh, magazine, uh, like 50-page story. And then I think there was the, the Hulk Yes. Black and white Hulk, and then that turned into a full color, full process color. Mm. And he was in the back of that. And slowly but surely, he's becoming more and more of a good guy, uh, less of an anti-hero, more of a full hero. And the way I thought I'd do that is, well, he develops a conscience, and he decides to, he actively, deliberately decides to atone for his mercenary mm. past, you know. And then we get finally to where they said, how about a regular monthly book, monthly color book, a regular Marvel comic, yeah. Moon Knight. And, and the only thing I was told I had to do was give a, a fully developed origin story in the first issue. And other than that, you know, go to it, do what you want. So... Once I was faced with that, I that's when the I guess I got really into the ancient Egypt stuff. Oh yeah, it's it's one of the favourite kind of aspects of of Moon Knight for many many fans. Uh, especially, it's also been elaborated on um, in the later runs with with Warren Ellis, uh, Jeff Lemire, and um, most recently Max Bemis. Um, so we have a like a visual representation of because. You know, before in, in in your title back in um, in volume one, it was pretty much the the statue of Khonshu, which we see yep. as a representation. And, and like these days, we we get like Khonshu represented, um, kind of with the with the bird skull, uh, you know, and and he's quite a um, it's almost like a conscience to to Moon Knight as well. Um, with uh, with Moon Knight's the other the other big aspect he had is. Um, I guess are his personalities, which were kind of yep. late, have later on developed to become something I think much more than they they were originally in, intended. Um, oh yeah. What were what was the idea behind actually giving him uh, a Jake Lockley and a and a Stephen Grant and a, and a Mark Spector? Because that kind of adds well, to adds to this whole the mercenary and atoning as well. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark, well, Mark Spector was the mercenary. And once I uh, decided that he, well, not once I decided, once he had to be like in New York because he's chasing a werewolf. And, well, okay, the globe-trotting mercenary Mark Spector, that's who he is, but now he's not, you know, in, in far-flung uh, regions of Africa or wherever. Yes. Now he's, uh, you know, urbanized and 
then I thought, well, what I think in his first in that Marvel premiere one shot or whatever, mm-hmm. is that where <clears throat> I came up with Jake Lockley, I think? Yeah. I I can't remember exactly how it came about or when it came about. But I remember thinking, well, what he needs, if he's going to, you know, uh, actively atone for his past and try to do good, uh, how is he going to find out where he can do this, you know, where he's needed? It always bugged me, you know, with Batman and uh, The Flash and, you know, all of these superheroes, name any of them. I hated when they would just happen upon a bank robbery. You oh, know? yeah, yeah. And 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 then they could do their superhero things. Mm-hmm. I always want, you know, thought, ah, oh, geez, not this again. So I deliberately tried to come up come up with a logical way for this guy to practice his craft of being this costume character who did good, you know, that stopped evil. And I thought, well, a cab driver, he gets around the city. He, you know, he can, he he talks to the people in the sleazy parts of the city, maybe stops in a diner, a favorite spot, and he gets the lowdown on what's going on. You remember Crawley and Jenna? Yes. And, yeah. You know, he would he would find out what was going down. It's like an undercover uh, cop. And then I also thought, well, if, if I'm going to do this thing with the helicopter and all the, you know, this takes a lot of money. Well, he's got a lot of money from being a mercenary, but this is going to take really a lot of money. And then I thought, well, maybe he played uh, the stock market and turned a lot of money into mega money. Yeah. And that's where Stephen Grant came from. Uh, now I have enough money for a base in New York that has enough privacy for the the helicopter and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it all, to me, was a logical progression. Yeah. And... You know, Mark Spector is the real guy, but the real guy has decided to change, right? Yes, yeah. So that, I mean, know, that's one and, of the main threads that still runs through. He's he's, he's yeah, want and to Lock- yeah. Lockley is phony, and Stephen Grant is phony. But on the other hand, he he meets Marlene as Stephen Grant, and she's kind of in love with that part of him, that yeah. aspect of him, that version of him. So Stephen Grant starts to become more of the dominant one, although she knows about Mark Spector, and well, she knows about Lockley too. But uh, it, it makes for a real. I think, it, it actually by having those different personalities, it actually gives you such an opportunity to to kind of tell um, different kind of stories. You know what I mean? Like oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jake Lockley yeah. being the the very on the street kind of guy. Stephen Grant, yep. high then, society, yeah. Yeah, and then he gets to go to these uh, charity fundraisers and meet the you know the yeah. the ultimate uh, strata of society and and Jake Lockley is down there in the in the alleys you know yeah, yeah. No, and it's... Mark Spector Mark Spector is all around the world mm. right and he's the As action he's basically, yeah he's the action guy isn't he so. That's um yeah, yeah yeah look look um Doug I'm just uh, mindful of the time as well really appreciate uh, your time and sharing us sharing with us uh, these stories on working at Marvel and and uh, on Moon Knight I just wanted to end on I guess your thoughts uh, a, a couple of things uh, thoughts on 
I guess Marvel. You see the Marvel characters now in the the TV and in the movies. Um, are you are yeah. you a fan of them? Have you watched many of them? Uh, not a whole lot. I've I watched. I heard that uh, uh, Peter Quill, the Star Lord, had mm. great mixtapes. Great mixtapes. Yes. Oh, so I oh, watched I, the two. Awesome. I watched the two Guardians of the Galaxy movies just to hear the if soundtrack. I agreed that the mixtapes were good. Did you like them? And they. Yeah. yeah, they were. They were pretty good. I, I think I could do better. But, you know. uh, what else? Uh, I watched uh, the first Iron Man. I happen nice. to think uh, Robert Downey Jr. is one of the better actors around, or at least he oh, was. Definitely. I guess he still is. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you ever see this movie called Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Uh, I know he was in it. No, I haven't watched it yet. But um, it's oh, one you got to watch that. Yeah, one of the big and ones. The, and the Wonder Boys, and you yes. know, he's been in, he's been in a number of really good movies. I always take note of him, so that's why I watched Iron Man, and oh, I forget a couple others here and there. The first Thor, because I thought Kenneth Branagh would would be an interesting director for a Marvel thing. It, it was an interesting and, choice, yeah. Yeah, he was an interesting choice, but he didn't do as well as I'd hoped he would, uh... in my opinion. Um, uh, I I'm guess, gonna. Sorry, I'm gonna watch the third Thor because I heard that was good. Oh yeah. Oh, I saw. I watched Ant Man. Ant Man is one of my one of my favorite characters from you know way back as a, a Marvel Comics reader, Marvel Comics fan. I always liked Ant Man. It seemed not many others were that thrilled with Ant Man, but yeah. I was. I don't oh, know. I, I tell you that the, the I first... thought he was great. Yeah, the first movie. Don't I was Ant Man's. I was simultaneous. What's that? The the first Ant Man is fantastic. The movie. Uh, yeah, I highly recommend. Yeah, it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I watched that one. Oh, you seen it? Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen the the second one, but mm-hmm. I did see the first one. And a few others, and they keep telling me they're constantly telling me that Moon Knight is yes. in development <laughs> for a TV series or a movie yeah. or something. And for some reason, it just never happens. Uh, I was still hoping. I remember <laughs> when when I quit when I quit Marvel and went to DC. Uh, I remember Denny O'Neill calling me. He was my editor on Moon Knight. Another editor who just said, "Do whatever you want. Make me look good." You That's know, great. Never yeah. interfered. That was great. But he, I, he called up and he said, "Well, you know, we're canceling uh, Moon Knight." And I go, "Really? Why?" Well, I've tried, I think, three writers, and nobody knows how to do it except you. You're the only one who can uh, pull this off. And yeah. I go, oh, all right. Well, all right. <laughs> yeah. That's your choice, not mine. I'm gone. So maybe maybe they're having the same kind of problem turning them into a TV series or a movie. Like, it, Yeah, there are so many different parts of It's kind of different. Yeah. It's it's sort of off kilter mm. uh, Marvel comic, you know. It's not the typical thing. It'd be hard to translate, but I mean, Marvel Studios have done a great job of bringing characters like the Guardians of the Galaxy on the screen, characters yeah. you'd never think yeah. you'd see on the screen, and making it work. Yeah. So, um, we, we, you know, we the the Moon Knight fans have have high hopes that Moon Knight will still be around and the um, oh, on I'm, screen. I mean, yeah, so, I'm not I'm yeah. not saying it can't be done. Mm. I'm just saying. It hasn't been up to this point, and maybe it's because it's tricky. Uh, uh, you know, maybe someday some Hollywood guy will get a good handle on it, and bam, there you go. Yeah. Or 
Or they'll do a terrible job and it'll get cancelled immediately. Who knows? And then rebooted a few years later. Don't worry. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, And just finally, I guess, um, you know, obviously, you know, massive fan of Volume 1, you'll run with Moon Knight uh, as well. And they've been up to, I think, what we're up to, up to Volume 8 or Volume 9, different different, um, series with writers. Uh, have you have you read many of them, or, or do you do you have any? No, no. Okay, no, I haven't. I haven't read any of them. Mm. Uh, Charlie, was there a guy named Charlie Houston? Yes, he's a, a great. I think volume okay. five. I think yeah. Yeah, he called me up and yep. told me he he was this super Moon Knight fan, and now mm-hmm. he was writing crime novels, and he somehow got the job of doing the new Moon Knight series and I said, Well, good for you, but I you know, I don't even think about it anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well I I'm, I wanna do it justice. I want because I mm. think what you did is blah blah blah. Yeah. And so we became kind of friendly. We oh, had nice, yeah. a few phone calls, a few emails back and forth and uh, but I I could never uh, bring myself to read what he had done or what anybody sure. had done. Yeah, it would be different, isn't it? I mean, I guess from a perspective of a creator. Um, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, be, uh, yeah. you know, I, I created, co-created uh, the Batman villain Bane. Mm. And Tom Hardy, there's another guy who's a really good uh, cool. actor. Yeah. Uh, okay, he plays Bane, and he's one of my favorite actors, and yet I haven't watched the movie yet. Ah, right, I yes. haven't watched the and I and I kind of like Christopher Nolan's movies. Uh, yes, n- not Inception. I don't know why everybody loves that so much. <laughs> yeah. I like Insomnia and Memento. Those are yeah, those Memento. Two. Yeah, I know Memento. Insomnia, I can't remember. I really like them. And yeah, and there's one or one or two others that I, well, Dunkirk is okay. Uh, you you know he's pretty good. And yet I because I did Bane. I there's something that. I mean, I got the Blu-rays sitting on the shelf waiting to be watched, but I never grab it. You know, I always <laughs> grab something else. I yeah. can't oh, sort I spo- of bring myself to watch it. Yeah, well, the par- paradox of choice, I guess, you know? Um, you know. Yeah. A lot of things on the shelf, it's like what to watch, and we've yep. got like streaming, Netflix, you know. Yeah, you end up yep. like looking through and deciding and, what to watch and, and then actually watching. <laughs> as long as they keep sending me my character equity checks, I'm fine. <laughs> I don't need to see it. Yeah. Just tell, oh, is it, you put Bane in another video game. How nice of you. <laughs> yeah, thank All you very right. much. <laughs> Send me the check. <laughs> they, I don't even get to, I used to love to get this big fat check and I'd leave it on my desk for a week and just pick it up and look at the number every once oh, in a while. That, that must be they such... don't even do that. Now it's direct deposit. You know? Wouldn't be as satisfying. I never yeah. even see. <laughs> so my wife says, oh, well, you know, they, they just put 72000 in the, you know, okay. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I don't get to look at the check on don't my get desk. To it, yeah, yeah, it's so disappointing now. Maybe you can request. But, Maybe I can just do it, just like a as a a token check. <laughs> well, I still get I still get Marvel checks, and yeah. you know from all all the other publishers. But uh, yeah, I just got a check from Boom. Oh, Boom! You know them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. They they re they reprinted Planet of the Apes. So oh, I got a right. check for that. Oh nice. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. All right. Well yep. Doug, thank you. This has been such a uh, a joy to kind of just 
recount, I guess, your your time at Marvel and, and to chat about Moon Knight. We really appreciate you uh, coming on the show, and um, thank you so much for, for taking your time to do a chat with us. Sure. Hi, this is Phil Parrish from the Caves and Lunatics podcast, a proud member of the collective, and you're listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. Yes, welcome back, Looney listeners. This is Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. We are up to our, what many Loonies would be waiting for. We are up to our prize giveaway section of the episode. Uh, and of course, we are joined by our four hosts. But I have also dragged uh, someone who has actually technically been on the show Every single time. Every episode. <laughs> Every episode. Lots of work for me. Yes. Uh, Which is actually better than Ray and I, <laughs> now that I think about it. We haven't been on this True. episode. Eve has been very consistent. All of us, right? Really. Yeah, she's consistently been on. I was on. about to say very consistent. Very consistent. Anyway, yeah. we have Eve on the show. I've dragged her out of bed, off the, ca- off the couch, um, and she's here to, uh, to announce the winners of our... Fantastic first ever prize giveaway. So, Eve, hello, how are you? Welcome. Uh, I'm good, thank you. I'm very excited. Also about the thought of going to bed after this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'd obviously like to introduce you to uh, to Rebecca. Uh, I've, I've, I've spoken a lot of many good things, Rebecca, about you to, to Eve, so you're well acquainted with Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Hello. Hello. It's nice. Uh, it's nice to talk. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, and of course uh, my in, my my intrepid co-host Connor, all the way from up there in Toowoomba. Um, he, hello. Uh, I was there, mate. <laughs> Stay saying up north. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Eve is Dutch. Uh, she's not Aussie, so um, she's she's having a go. I'm allowed to do. She's that. allowed to do that. And uh, and our final host, um, Chad, who I, I you haven't heard too much about, other than I think I've mentioned how he. He's awake in uh, some wee hours of the morning. So Chad has joined us. He joined us for our 50th episode as well. So Chad's with us. Ah, hello, Chad. Hello. <laughs> Not too exciting. No, no, Chad is, is, is raring to go. He's pumped uh, to the brim. Anyway, so we are going to announce, as, as mentioned, we have a prize giveaway, our first ever one for our 100th episode. Uh, we have fantastic prizes supplied by, and a big thank you to Wayno. Uh, one of our loonies, but also a podcaster of Courtside Podcast, um, a podcast all about basketball. Wayne also is a staff member of King's Comics, also an artist, a supplier of fantastic artwork for this show. Wayne, mate, if you're listening, thank you so much for brilliant, brilliant uh, contribution to the show. Anyway, so yeah, Ray has a... showed me some of your work. Yeah, really I did good. today. Yeah, he yeah, was he was floored by your work, Wayne. So mm-hmm. um, so anyway, let's get to it. Um, brought Eve in, try to make it all above board. Eve's got a hat full. I just wanted to say, I I, I want to say something. Sure, more of course, of course. Well. well, congratulations, you. everyone, Thank on you, your hundreds of episode. <laughs> Um, I've uh, heard many being recorded, <laughs> although so, yeah. not listened to any of them. <laughs> no, she hasn't. But I'm very excited for you all. Thank you very much. It's, uh, yeah, no, we're... thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Well, Eve's got um, she's got the hat full of uh, the little pieces of paper. 
that I have put all the entries in. So, if would you like to give it a bit of a shuffle? And so we are giving three uh, Moon Knight packs away. So we'll draw out three of them. Now, remember, the question was, what material is Moon Knight's armor made from in the Vengeance of the Moon Knight series by Greg Hurwitz? I say metal. Close. Good. That's very good. Um, sandstone. Uh, not sandstone. Uh, it's a fake material, carbonadium. So we're looking for carbonadium. So polyester. Polyester is good oh. as well. Pretty, pretty fine on the skin. So uh, yeah. So Bob, if you wanna, you wanna give it a bit of a shuffle. Okay. Here it goes. <laughs> Don't have to add that in. The first winner. Come on. Here we go. Okay. The first winner had the answer correct. Excellent. So that's nice. Excellent. Um, Lance Kaminsky, Please. all the way from Missouri, Hooray. USA. Oh, thank you. Well done. Well done. Thank you. Congratulations, Lance. Thanks for joining in. Thanks for being a loony. Thanks for joining our community. You have got a prize pack coming your way. Fantastic. How about the, how about number two? Okay. Number two. From what I understand, it's an identical, like an identical pack of comics and Wayne's artwork as well. So Shaking. Yeah. Original artwork and if he's shaking the hat above. Let me take a slurp okay. of the wine. Here it I'm goes. Playing. Grabbing it out of the hat. Mm-hmm. Okay, again, the right answer, Excellent. which is Lars Carbonadium. In carbonadium. Thank you. Yes. Um, winner is Corey Hardiman from BOS well One Pole. Yeah, sorry. So, Corey, I know that you sent, I think you're from Canada. Uh, you sent a, a very obscure address. Um, I'm assuming that's your PO box, but uh, let's get your details. Uh, please just send your your postal address in, and we'll uh, send your prize pack to you. So, congratulations, Lance! Congratulations, Corey! And the final winner of this prize giveaway, oh, for last chance episode. Saloon. There we go. Give it a give it a good shuffle. Give it a good oh. shuffle. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay, there we go. The last one. Mm-hmm. Have they given the right answer? Have they given the right answer? Oh, no. Have they? Yes, yes they, they have. have. Well okay. Yay. The last winner is Nicholas Corrigan. Well done, from Nicholas. From Flint, Michigan, USA. Wow. Okay. Fantastic. Thank you, Nicholas. The Americans are winning. And the Canadian. Well, well. I, we don't know. Could well, be Boston, I'm pretty sure BOS. Was, oh, yeah, true. I yeah. don't know. Mm. I thought he was Canadian. But anyway, thank you so much, Nicholas. Thank you so much, everyone who's entered uh that was fantastic and uh again a big thanks to wayne for the prize pack a big thanks to eve for coming onto the show you're very uh, welcome thank you thank you uh it's all good it all went without a hitch now when i leave i just wanted to sing the song that i made of course for Hooray. <laughs> yes okay, okay here goes okay <laughs> moon night here's a right Moon Knight, he wants to fight. Moon Knight. Fantastic. Thank you, Eve. Thank you very <laughs> thank you, much. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Bob. <laughs> the moon will not tolerate your interference. Welcome back for what is our very last segment of this mammoth episode. Go big, go 200, 100, whatever. It's the end of the show. Thanks for sticking with us. 
we hope enjoy this. Uh, you know, we've this has been a big episode for us for some great discussions between us so far, some great interviews, uh, great questions. Yeah, so thanks for not only listening to the end of this episode, but for listening to, well, maybe this is your first episode, but even this is this is your second episode, maybe you've been here with here for the start, which would be wild, but I know plenty of you, you know, have been there since the start of this, since, you know, even before the podcast when we were just a group on Facebook called Fist of Conscience. Yeah. You guys have been there. This is the whole time you guys have been the backbone. Yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't even very long to this podcast that we opened it up to our guests and our other loonies, and that's really made us made us what we are. So thanks for any and all listens, contributions, uh, just joining in our group, just all the good times, all the, you know, it's the reason we did this, and podcast wouldn't be anywhere near as good if it wasn't for you listeners. So we love you. We absolutely do love you as well. And, uh, yeah, just can't just reiterate basically what, what Connor said. It's been absolutely fantastic. Look, I, I had a, uh, a little review of our last 100 episodes, guys, and we've had, like, I think 20 or 25-plus uh, loonies or guests in some capacity over those 100. So uh, just very proud of, of getting everyone involved and, and a huge thank you to you all for listening. And, and hope, hopefully you can, you know, sit with us for – you know, as as Derek and John said, for another nine hundred, be for the the thousand episodes. Uh, but no, we absolutely love love doing it, and uh, and it's great to just be able to interact with like minded fans. Um, before you know, going to the big thank yous, uh, absolutely, um, obviously, Connor, massive, massive, uh, you know, influence as well into this into this podcast. It's been great to to start it off with you, um, to start off, you know very kind of unsure and not knowing how to podcast properly to to where we are now so uh yeah you know we both got you know we've got a couple of podcasts under our belts it's uh it's pretty cool um so thanks for that um also yeah rebecca as well i mean it's been it's always fun to chat with you so um a huge thank you for for your insight as well and uh you know long live hercules eh Yes, definitely, and it's been great. It's uh, it's been fun to watch you becoming this podcast. <laughs> oh, you know, again, it's all all such a group effort, and the power of Chad, Chad, like it's it's fantastic having you on. Um, yeah, I'm I'm glad that you came on our fiftieth, and you're on our hundredth as well, and you are in the mix in the serial there. You know, up in the other void, um, back here actually, back down on Earth, but um, there's plenty of potential of what you can do. Later on the serial, but no, cheers, cheers, um, and thanks for your Isla Ra as well. Yeah, it's been really fun, honestly. I, before this, I was just gaming, and then Bemis came around, came along, you know. Yeah, no, it's it's been absolutely, um, absolutely great, and and want a big thanks to not only yourself, Power of Chad, but. Again, the loonies that featured on this episode, Josh Jerome, Johnson, Dustin, Colcase, Kurt, Kurtz, um, Tommy, the man on the street in the serial there. A huge thanks to Wayno again for your awesome artwork that's featured on this uh, and uh, featured in the prizes. And thank you so much for donating the prizes to the lucky loonies out there. Uh, a big thanks to Phil, Brian, Derek, John, and Chris for your well wishes. Um, again, it's such a surprise, and uh, it's awesome. It just kind of warms my heart that uh, we've got a cool podcasting community. Big thank you to Noel, Noel Tate, uh, your awesome music from Delita, uh, used in the serial and on the show regularly. 
uh, and also to the big uh, a big shout out to the loonies who entered our competition and then the lucky ones that won it um, so thank you once again Corey Nicholas and Lance um, a big congratulations they're coming your way just keep in touch and we'll get that out to you and uh, and again a big thanks to all the loonies have been on the past 100 episodes uh, you know the likes of midkind uh, we've had we've had Sparky Malaki as well do do uh, bare bones uh, you know there's just been a lot of you so a huge thank you for that uh, yeah, so a huge hundred episodes. It's uh, I can't believe it's it's finished, but um, yeah, but we're looking ahead at the next phase, and we have got a full moon, which is uh, you know our moon and stars, a moon night on film. So you know the high priest of Conchu will be looking at getting a guest. Now we've got two options. I haven't been locked in as yet, just because I've kind of been busy with this hundredth episode. But um, we have two potential guests coming to talk about their fan films, uh, nudge, nudge, wink, 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 they were mentioned earlier in this episode. Uh, so, yep, yeah, uh, keep your eyes out on our newsletter for that, and, um, yeah, tune in if you can. Uh, Connor, as always, where can loonies find us? Well, before we do that, I just want to give another thanks to oh, Ray, yeah. who's a real head of this podcast. Oh, and, you know, she's everything yeah. that happened in this episode was thanks to him. <laughs> he was the one who started the group, started this podcast. Oh, cheers, man. A big shout-out to Ray. Yeah. I'm going to get in contact with Ray and the rest of us loony losers. You can email us <laughs> at itkmoonnight at gmail.com. Our website is intothenightpodcast.wordpress.com. All our newsletters, episodes, uh, the collective podcast we work with and that you've heard uh, throughout this episode are there. Uh, any updates, we'll put them there. Or our Facebook, which is facebook.com slash itkmoonnight. Our Twitter handle is at ITKMoonNight. Um, and then our fantastic group. We met lovely people like Chad and Tommy and Dustin. We've got Facebook.com slash group slash ITKMoonNight. And then Instagram, Tumblr, YouTube, Podcast Catchers. We should be there into the night at Moon Knight Podcast. And if you wouldn't mind, a five-star rating on iTunes. Or whatever you feel like, maybe a one-star. It wouldn't be great. <laughs> but if you feel like it, maybe give it a look. Yeah, fantastic. So we're wrapping this one up in a big, huge black and white or jet and silver bow. Catch you next time, loony listeners. Stay vigilant. Be kind to your neighbours. Be kind to your cats as well. And as we always say, may Conchie watch over the denizens of the night. Catch you later. Bye. and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.